York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Donna Summers croons on the radio. Very special to so many of you. You've grown up listening or you found it maybe as you were maturing. Not just uh, the old music stations, but you decided, hey, I'm paying taxes. I'm raising a family. I got to know what the hell is going on. So you decided, hey, let me find out from talk radio, because not only are the host and hostesses talking about the issues of the day, that are going to impact your life. But also, the callers are calling in. Average, everyday people like all of you listening right now. And this show, The Other Other Side of Midnight, in which I take you to the break of dawn, is created to do exactly that. And I'm trying to squeeze every moment of the six-hour broadcast so that I can become the ratings leader here at WABC. Remember, that is my mission ever since I lost the mayoralty against the swagger man who has no plan, Eric Adams. By the way, he has not yet arrived at the Club Zero Bond, which is where he spends most of his uh, late hours. And again, remember, in the uh, Club Zero Bond, a private club, you got to pay a lot of money to even gain entry. And the whole concept there is uh, whatever happens in the Club Zero Bond stays in the Club Zero Bond downtown Manhattan. But it's where you can find the mayor on most uh, nights until the wee hours in the morning. And if you want to wine him, dine him, and pocket line him like a lot of people do, that's where you can find him at the witching hour. But if you notice, there was uh, an immediate change. Um, Broadway Bill Lee, you a veteran of WCBS-FM for many, many years. You established your reputation there. But you notice I've been complaining about oldie moldy news that they stuck on us on the other side of midnight. You know, Frank Morano, he doesn't have that Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5 on the other side of midnight. No, he's got six people here at his beck and call. Uh, by the way, they're all the... Uh, McWhitey Whitey's as Avery, our telephone uh, 
personnel operator, whatever the hell uh, Frank Morano has deemed him uh, would uh, would call them. And of course, uh, between Avery, between Dizzy Izzy, and uh, here Broadway Bill Lee, it's a predominantly African American uh, production crew. I think I'm the only white guy here, although I got the black name, Curtis. Remember, uh, I culturally appropriated it from the brothers uh, many, many years ago when I was birthed at Brooklyn Hospital. But you notice, I came in with the news to start because I'm here till the wee hours of the morning. I can tell you what's going on. You don't need to listen to WINS or WCBS. No, 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 no. What are you going to listen the same oldie moldy repeats of the news. No, no, I give it to you. Fresh cut. Fresh licks. Not those old slices. And by the way, I have an interesting development that all of you can help me with because now I have an opportunity by Labor Day, September 4th, to become the ratings leader here at WABC without question. We're not talking about uh, Dominion, Smartmatic, and a need to recount the analytics. No, 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 no. I am within one radio away from Frank Morano's lead at WABC against all the hosts and hostesses. Uh, Let me recap for all of you. He originally had 17 radios tuned in at any given hour of his program of the 100 terrestrial radios or car radios, van radios, truck radios. Uh, or those of you listening on the live stream on your laptop or your worktop computer or on your app, in which you can hear crystal clear WABC all over the world. All over the world, even in Antarctica. Yes. I don't know if anybody's tried it in Antarctica. Maybe we can get a penguin down there to try it. But as you know, that is going to be the interest of nations uh, to colonize Antarctica. Because eventually all the ice will melt away and... There will be land there if you believe in global warming and climate change. Well, let me get right down to brass tacks. I was informed that uh, Frank Morano will be off for a week. And I immediately said, uh, well, who's going to take his place? And then all of a sudden, management, the muckety-mucks, the suits, the decision-makers, the shot callers said, oh, Frank has uh, an entire list of suggested hosts and hostesses. I looked at that list. And I said, are you kidding? What is this, amateur hour? You know, like the rest of uh, the folks when they take a vacation. Uh, They bring in somebody who's probably uh, done radio in high school or maybe college. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm a talk radio show host to hostess. I got to tell you, Brian Kilmeade, uh, I was so happy that management replaced him on Wednesday because he was away and he had one of these substitutes. I said, my God, what the hell happened at WABC for two hours? But, oh, no, management and ownership said, no, 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 no. Sorry, Brian. In typical fashion in talk radio, most hosts and hostesses never choose somebody who is equal or better talent because they want you to listen to somebody who is so inept, so incompetent, so flustered, so just overwhelmed by the situation of being in front of a microphone that you welcome their return, right? Hey, that, that Brian killed me. That happened the very next day. You notice he was back on the air. I <laughs> said, whoa, I'm missing my, my, my flagship, WABC. 
And then, you notice Bill O'Reilly, he's away when he does his 15-minute updates uh, right before I come on for the lunch hour edition of WABC, Monday through Fridays from 12.15 to 1. Remember, it's a rip-and-read operation uh, with commentary. I don't take any calls. And calls are relegated to the rest of the weekend, which uh, WABC, the acronym, stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. And when Bill O'Reilly does his 15 minutes, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that from 12 to 12.15. But he has this scrub, this inept, I don't know, guy who claims he's a talk show host from San Diego. He must talk to seagulls. He's one of the worst I've ever heard. I bite my knuckles for those 15 minutes. I can't wait for this guy to get off. He's screaming, he's yelling, he's posturing. He's And every five seconds, he's telling you his name as if, you're going to remember the name. No, sorry. So Frank Morano tried one of those things, you know, because they suffer from low self-esteem, many of these talk show hosts and hostesses, like politicians. They're low self-esteem and they're neurotic. So he gave management and ownership a list of like 24 potential substitutes. I looked at him. I said, almost none of these people have radio experience. Are you kidding and so John Katsimatidis looked at me and said, well, what do you think? I said, well, who do you think you're looking at, right? I am WABC. You got that, he said. Signed, sealed, and delivered. But you see, in my calculating analytical approach, I knew that these extra hours going into this week would enable me to have an edge in the ratings battle here at WABC going into the Labor Day weekend. It'll be just enough additional hours that I will supersede Frank Morano and nobody else here at WABC will be able to touch this stuff. No, 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 no. But just before I came on, in the midst of the Rita Cosby show, and prior to that, the Bill O'Reilly show, oh, I wasn't going to listen. I mean, I'll be quite honest with you. Not to, not to that scrub. From San Diego, oh my God, I'd rather impale myself, uh, you know, with a knife. But I will tell you this, let me hear that music now, because we're, oh, if I were on the dance floor, I'd be moving and grooving, twisting, churning, turning. Oh yeah, doing that hustle, the Donna Summer singing about this thing that we love, this thing of ours, radio. But I heard a strange sound. I'm not an engineer, and I didn't grow up reading Popular Mechanics. Are you crazy? I'm not one of those guys with uh, pocket protectors with all their pens and uh, other instruments like Frank Morano. I'm not uh, from the land of geeks and uh, brainiacs. No, 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 no. But I heard from the disquantificator a very strange sound, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. Very strange sound. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that from the Discronificator. And ladies and gentlemen, the Discronificator is what conflates the signals from our 50,000 powerful watts of sound, Tower of Power, and Lodi. Right next to Satin Dolls, the uh, shimmy, shimmy, shang, shang joint, you know, where they do pole dancing. And our head engineer oftentimes is getting a brumski and a lap dance there instead of climbing the tower and doing the adjustments. He claims, right? He said, oh, you know, uh, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all seem to know what they're doing, right? You just can't trust them. They claim that they're up there dealing with the beacon lights, the side markers, 
the Finnegan pin, the phase multipliers, and the Johnny Balls. Now, the, uh, the only uh, Johnny Balls in there, I'm telling you, is in uh, Satin Dolls. And it has nothing to do with engineering. Uh, I'm telling you. But I heard that sound, and it reminded me immediately of the movie, remember, with John Candy, Mel Brooks, Michael Winslow. Remember Spaceballs? Remember when all of a sudden they were trying to conflate different signals out in space? I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps, I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The what? The what? And the what? You know, the bleeps. Sweeps and the creeps. That's not all he's lost, sir. The radar, sir. It appears to be jammed. Jammed. I just chronificated it was jammed. Oh yeah. And I know who probably had his orders. The uh, sound operational technician for the Frank Morano show, the board operator, Matt Blaze. By the way, you don't believe his last name is Blaze, right? This guy's probably the fugitive. He's probably got multiple aliases. But I would bet you, Broadway Billy, someone's been messing with the discronificator, that signal that connects us to the most powerful, 50,000 powerful watts of sound in our nation. It enables us at dusk to reach 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe. And you can hear us right on down at Davy Jones's locker that separates Bermuda from the Bahamas in the Caribbean. And then I notice, uh, well, I, I, I must tell the truth. We couldn't trust our head engineer because he had his head in the midst of some mammary glands at that moment at Satin Dolls, and I knew he was lying to me, that he was not, in fact, up on the tower, dealing with the Finnegan pin, the phase multiplier, the Johnson rod, the side markers, the beacon lights, all of them so important in maintaining the clarity of this signal. But he was too busy uh, manipulating the Johnny Balls, which is directly underneath the tower, so that if the tower sways, uh, the tower is actually positioned on what they call Johnny Balls, and it goes back and forth. Now, I'm sure you can appropriate that meeting to what goes on in Satin Dolls on a regular basis, but it's not what we're talking about. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But without a doubt, there has been an attempt to sabotage this signal because Frank Morano, who thought that he could choose any one of a multiple number of substitutes, all of them, forget about it. <laughs> forget it. Special ed, man. Now has to deal with the fact that for whatever reason, he's not going to be here. I'm taking his place, and this is going to give me the hours necessary to be the ratings leader at WABC. And I'm going to suggest, if you don't mind, Broadway Bill Lee and uh, Avery, uh, that um, you guys are ending up being my crew throughout the week because I don't trust Matt Blaze and I don't trust, I don't trust Alex, that brown nose, you know, that uh, night producer. Oh my God, he'll do anything to sabotage me. In fact, listen to the convector. Listen, I, I know some of you are engineers out there. 
Some of you have gone to Carnegie Mellon. Some of you have gone to Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Some of you have attended some very prestigious schools where engineering, mechanical engineering and electrical engineering were probably what you majored in. You notice that sound there, Broadway Bill Lee, that convector is really off what it normally needs to be. And then, I would say, during the Mark Levin show, he was in a rage in his last hour from 8 to 9, a rage. And I know he's probably busting blood vessels. Uh, He needs uh, his blood pressure medication at that point. But the capacitators, the capacitators were out of whack. They were completely out of whack. And it, it started to affect his modulation, his vocal modulation. Now, Mark, Mark, when he raises his voice, he obviously, he goes from being like a baritone uh, to a tenor, uh, but never a soprano. No, he's never a soprano. But, boy, he was really moving up there. And I said, hmm. And then finally... During the news updates, the demodulator, the demodulator was definitely off, off pace. And I truly believe that Frank Morano ordered his uh, sound operation technician, better known as his board operator, Matt Blaze, Blaze, who I don't believe that's his real name. Come on, who would have a last name like Blaze? I'll bet you you want to check on this guy, man. He's got so many aliases. You could... You could run an FBI record check and track this guy all over the country. I'm wondering uh, who might actually be more of a hustler and somebody who has violated the law than maybe Eric Adams' friend, Bishop uh, Whitehead. We're going to be talking about that scam artist later on. As (laughs) Could well be that Dominic Carter is right. This guy pretended to be robbed right there in that church in Canarsie on Remsen Avenue. Remember, just four blocks from where I grew up. And what he claimed first was $400,000 in loot t- taken. Then he, then he raised it up to a million. Then he dropped it back to 400000 And every five seconds, he's having an emergency press conference to try to explain himself, as Ricky Ricardo would say. Oh, so much to talk about tonight. So much to talk about tonight. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But I don't have to wish on a star, no. Ladies and gentlemen, this dream of mine coming back to WABC, my place to be, is exactly what it was meant to be. Everybody knew eventually that I'd start eating up real estate. Come on, Broadway Bill Lee. I've been doing this for like 35 years, talk radio. 31 of them here at ABC. What a schmuck and putz I was to be away at that station that I was doing morning drive in over in Hasbrook Heights, a placebo city, and then walking up to the boulevard right after the shift, waiting and waiting and waiting for the Port Authority uh, New Jersey Transit bus to come. On the boulevard. What's the name of the boulevard? Oh, it's just called the boulevard. Man, I knew I had made the mistake of my life. And then every bus driver passing by who was driving that bus would say, Curtis, what are you doing here? Where are you going, pal? Oh, I'm going to Bergen Line Avenue. 
Is anybody going to the Port Authority? Well, not my bus. Then a half hour later, another Port Authority, uh, New Jersey Transit bus. Where are you going, pal? Secaucus. Is there a bus here that goes to the largest bus authority depot in America, the Port Authority? Not on my dime. Not on my time. And I had to deal with that humiliation each and every day, schlepping up this hill to a place called the Boulevard. I never saw a person get in and, in and out of a car, walk in and out of a house in Hasbrook Heights. Now, Hackensack, yes, Hasbrook Heights, no. And then finally to be on a bus, and it's like kidney damage every time I was on the bus. You would think, hey, New Jersey Transit, you think you could put shocks in the bus? So by the time I arrived at the Port Authority and then slept over to the Hotel Pennsylvania, I would have preferred to have been broadcasting the afternoon drive time from a Super 8 motel or a Motel 6. I mean, that was a real dive, still is. And I'd be broadcasting from the front plate glass window in the afternoon. And who is my partner? The former governor of New York State, Governor David Patterson. And finally, I did a Henry, Henny Youngman essay, take my wife, David, and he did, proving that love is blind. And uh, I don't think anybody ever heard me. Twice a day, five days a week, morning drive, afternoon drive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Richie Valdez, who lived right next to their tower, which was somewhere in a swamp in Secaucus, said, oh, yeah, I'd hear you from time to time. Other than that, Ugats, nobody, bubkis. But now I'm back at WABC, my place to be. And you not you don't think I'm just here just just to mail it in. No, 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 no. I've got to be the ratings champion. I got to have more listeners per person, per capita, than anybody here at WABC. And I have my opportunity right now. I'm on that cusp of that cusp. I'm only one radio behind Frank Morano. And he made the mistake of his life here, Broadway Bill Lee. By taking off for a week, because now I'm really going to make up for lost time. That's this right, all week long. Imaginary ratings war is just that, imaginary. We're, again, we're on a different time. Ah, uh, but I'm going to be on in your time, time schedule this week. Can I hear that again from Frank Morano? Curtis's imaginary ratings war is just that, imaginary. We're, again, we're on at different times. So if he did a 40 share... It still wouldn't affect me at all because it's 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 not the same universe. Do you understand? It's like um, you win the batting title in the American League versus the National League, right? I mean, it's just, it's a different league. Schmendrick, Fisher, don't you realize that the National League folded? They said, "Oh no, 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 we're not going to have the designated hitter." Yes, you have it now. So I'm American League. Frank is National League. You lost. I won. And now I will be on your your week of broadcast from 1 in the morning to 5. And a lot of people said, how can you do that? How can you do that? Sunday, you finish at 6 in the morning. You've taken us to the break of dawn. We're all wired up. We can't go to sleep. And then before long, you're back from 3 to 5, giving us the updates of the day, taking our phone calls. And then it's Vinny Madugno, the brand-new Staten Island kid who's, like, just blazing a new career as a high school teacher by day, an entertainer at night, and then spinning stacks of wax Saturdays and Sunday from 5 to 6. But on Sundays, what follows is Jersey Joe Piscopo, 
from 6 to 8, the Ramsey Mazda Sinatra Show, and then Dina Martin spinning stacks of wax of her father, Dean Martin, and then I'm back again, 9 to 12, 9 to 11, more culture, more personal, more social issues, more political issues, and then the most listened to, the most called in requested of the many hours that I do here at WABC, the Animal Welfare Hour from 11 to 12, and then Dominic Carter comes in for an hour. The Barry, oh, he did a great job Wednesday. Great job. Thank God the suits. Our owner-operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple Media, brought him in because Brian Kilmeade had a substitute. Oh, please, my God. Thank God. Brought in Dominic. Man, it was good stuff. And then it'll be me again from one to five. That's right. And you say, how can you do that? And I'm never going to be talking about the same thing twice. And Frank Morano, he thinks he's the best, and I like the rest. You watch this next week. You watch. That's right, Broadway Billy. You know I've been doing it 35 years. Woo! You know what time it is. Damn right I do. It's sleepwood time. So I would advise all of you here at WABC, don't take any time off. To tell you the story of Wally Pipp, first baseman for the New York Yankees, was considered an excellent fielder, an excellent teammate, hit his fair share of home runs, and he had a migraine headache, a bad migraine headache. He told, uh, he told the manager, I, I can't see straight. And he wasn't a drinker, so obviously his manager knew he wasn't chasing skirts and bending his elbow. So he said, you know, let's just rest up. You know, don't worry about it. Come back. Come back tomorrow. See how you're feeling. We got this kid from Columbia University. He's from Washington State. You know, in the future, he's got he's got a career. But he's, he's too green. You know, but he could play one game. Lou Gehrig. Wally Pipp never played again. Lou Gehrig. Started at first base and became the Iron Man. Nobody, nobody's going to Wally Pip me here at WABC. And let me advise everybody who works here morning, noon, and night. Yeah, you want to max and relax? You know, you want best of, which is uh, really worst of? Just remember, Curtis Lee will be there ready to eat up your real estate. None of our listeners should have to listen to best of, which is really worst of. None of our listeners should have to listen to low-grade substitute talent. The only reason that they're chosen by the host or hostesses is because, oh, they don't want anybody. It sounds good to replace them, right? They figure, oh, yeah. when I come back, people will say, oh, I couldn't wait for you to come back. Oh, such a horrible substitute. This is done in the business. But I follow... I follow the career of the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, my mentor. If not for him, I wouldn't be in talk radio. You think the suits would have hired me? No way. He said, you got to hire Curtis because he knows where all the bones are buried and who buried them. He had, he had G. Gordon Liddy substitute for him when he would go on one of his many cruises who became a national talk radio show host. He had Curtis at least at that time. And then he had Curtis. He had Lynn Samuels. He had Jay Diamond. He developed a bench. He developed talent. He didn't care if people would have called up and say, you know, Bob, that kid who substituted for you, you know, uh, he's, uh, he's really good. You know, you better watch it, Bob. He didn't care. Because that's the way it should be. There should never be an off day here at WABC. 
because you're depending on us not only to entertain you, to inform you, to stimulate you, and to get you involved in theater of the mind where you can actually picture all of this instead of watching the boob tube and, you know, just drooling on yourself as you see the same stories, the same pictures over and over again. That's not what radio has been. That's not what radio should be. And that's not what radio is going to be here at WABC. Our owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, took us from the, the basement, basement Bertha, and elevated us back to where we needed to be the number one news talk station in America. And you notice very few people take vacations, right? You know, oh, before, when I miss Woods here, let me tell you something. Eight weeks, and then he insisted that none of his personnel could be on the air. It had to be the best of, which was the worst of Don Imus, and you had some some person of no consequence introing each and every one of the interviews that you already heard five times before, and our ratings just nosedive. He didn't care. He had his money. He was in his ranch. He lost the love for this thing of ours a long time ago, and some of you, you worshipped him. And all these folks, they love to do their shows, you know, in their mansions, their bunkers, uh, their palazzias, you get distracted there. You're telling me you just had a fight with your wife, and she's right there screaming her guts out, who, who did I catch you cheating with? And then all of a sudden, you're going to get on the air and do a good three-hour show? Get out of here. Everybody belongs in the studio. Get your butt in here. We get paid more money than than we should get paid. I make more money than my father made in his entire lifetime. Now, granted, 80% of it I don't see. It goes to child support. But the point is, this is not work. You know, work is, it's what a lot of our people out there listening right now or who are retired, who had to bust their butts. So I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission. My periscope is up. I'm like a sub. Oh, you're taking off? I'll substitute. Hey, you'll watch how quick. No, no, we don't want Sleewood substituting for us. They may never come back to me. That's right. A little sabotage there on the discronificator, the convector, the capacitators, the demodulator. It's not going to work. Matt Blaze, you thought you could pull a quick one here. No, no, I've been doing this too long. Been doing this too long, and you took advantage of the fact that our head engineers hanging out at Satin Dolls right next to the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, our huge tower, getting brumskis and lap dancers, and not doing his job. Which should have been dealing with the Finnegan pins, the phase multipliers, the Johnson rod, the beacon lights, the side markers, and especially the Johnny balls. Yeah. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Chris, who's calling from the Catskills. Again, sometimes I have to ask geographically, is it the Jewish Himalayas, is it the Irish Alps, or is it just plain old Sullivan County, Chris? Nah, I'm up a little more than that. In between, like 30, 35 miles from uh, where, where um, Bernie McGurk's dad lives. Oh, yeah, Bernie McGurk's dad rode a bus, bus driver for all those years, raised his family in the projects, the Monroe Housing Project, South Bronx. Tough, 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 tough guy, tough family. And as a result, you have Bernard McGurk, who's a fighter. 
I religiously listen to you when you come on at 12, 14. I listen to a lot of your other shows, too. But, you know, I listen to Greg Kelly that comes on a little afterwards, and one of, one of Frank's callers brought it up the other day, how it's really bad for Trump, how Greg Kelly keeps bringing up January 6th. And I was thinking, I totally agree with that guy. And what's ironic is I was thinking how you should get an extra half hour. You should be on until 1.30 and then give Mr. Kelly some time to spend with his wife and fight with the traffic on the way in. And then because he goes on later on his Newsmax program, it all worked out great. So I brought it up on Frank's program the other night on Ask Frank Anything. Seven minutes into it. I don't know if you caught it, Kurt. Listen to it. I put, I put some material together. It was really, really good. But wow. I put the bug out there to Chad Lopez. And then, but, but, but what was his response, Frank Morano's response? He played the straight man. He oh. played the straight man. Yeah. Perfect, because you know something? It was a good call. I, I put it together. It's funny. There's some punchlines in there. I tied it in. I thought, see, this is the truth, Curtis. I called up like two and a half weeks ago to Greg Kelly. And I, I told the call screener I have a suggestion to make the program better. And then he was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I like it or not. Well, 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 now, now, yeah. hold off. Oh, hold off, Chris. Remember, we all have our different unique styles. Chris Kelly is a devoted supporter of Donald Trump, and he has been very consistent. Uh, I really don't talk that kind of politics very rarely about Trump, Biden, or any of the other pretenders now who all want to get nominated by their parties, including this brand-new third party of uh, Andrew Yang and Christine Todd Whitless. Really, Christine Todd Whitless. No way. Stuck the shiv in the back of Bob Grant after he took her. She was down by 40 points. The governor, Jim Florio, he created this campaign, Florio Free in 93. He took her on a bus tour of every diner in New Jersey, from Camden to Hoboken. She, the patrician, you know, barely would recognize, you know, like Leona Helmsley. Only little people pay taxes. You know, hey, Bob, he was the one, the grease on the wheel. She won against all odds. And then when Bob Grant needed tactical air support, she stuck the shiv in him. Let's not forget Broadway Bill Lee. In the aftermath of the attack on 9-11, she was the EPA chief as appointed by Bush 43. She went on the record as saying, oh, no, no, the air around the pit, which became the world's largest crematorium, was safe to breathe. You don't need respirators. You don't need masks. You don't need gloves. You don't need any of that. Dooming, dooming so many men to torture, to suffering for years with all kinds of breathing issues, cancer issues, thyroid issues. Yeah, she did that. Now she wants to uh, be a partner with Andrew Yang at a brand-new third party. I don't mind third parties. But, yo, Andrew, you couldn't hook up with uh, another Republican but Christine Todd Whitless? Oh, my God. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And out of all the subjects that get spoken about, let's face it, you want to know what average everyday people are talking about in the streets and the subways, in the suburbs, in private homes, in tenements, in projects, in the workplace, if they're still working uh, and not doing their work virtually at home. They're talking about the lottery fever, the mega millions. 
which soared to $1.3 billion, third biggest in U.S. history, and they picked the numbers. Yes, yes, Broadway, Billy, I know you got your tickets there. Avery, you got your tickets there, right, right? No, uh, no. <laughs> uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss the various um, systems that some degenerate gamblers have when they play the lottery, even though the odds are so stacked against you. It is incredible. But because they keep hyping, hyping, hyping the numbers as they keep going up and up and up, more of you keep thinking, well, maybe it'll be me. Maybe it'll be me. You know what I say to all of you who work so hard for your moolish moolah, your ducats, your cheddar, your money? They're playing you for suckers. And you better believe that it's rigged. Hell yeah. It's like highlight. It's rigged. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, it's it's honest, it's honest, yeah? I'll tell you the last time the lottery was rigged. But now she's not around any longer to keep things fair and square. And I miss her dearly. Who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Listen to Curtis. You're going to learn a lot if you listen to Curtis. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Those of you who are baby boomers, we all grew up with the honeymooners. When uh, families had to watch every nickel, dime, and penny they had, and what did they play? Not the lottery. They played the numbers. You know, where you could nickel and diamond at the local candy store. The guy would come to your door. And then you would go out and get the night owl edition of the New York Daily News, which kept the neighborhoods alive. The luncheonettes were open, the candy stores, the other stores. Because you had to find out what the paramutual numbers were that day from the track to take it to track. And that would become the number. And black neighborhoods, white neighborhoods, white ethnic neighborhoods, even amongst the privileged, the wasps. I say, what are, Jeeves, what is it that you're playing there? Oh, Mr. Washburn, you know, I'm playing the numbers. Oh, do you think they would take my waspish money? Of course they would. And the numbers is what people lived and hoped for during the era of the honeymooners. Now we got all these lottery games. I would have said, you know, that this Mega Millions would have been fair and square. But we lost one person who kept things. Always even Stevens. Oh, What a great loss after 32 years. Who am I talking about? She was a fixture. All of you would be waiting patiently at 10 o'clock at night, either with Channel 5 or Channel 11, and you would see those balls, those ping-pong balls going through. And she was very vivacious and provocative at times. And even when you lost, even when your numbers didn't come up in that machine, you went... You said, I can't wait 
I can't wait to see her tomorrow night, same time, same place, because it was theater for the mind for you. She was an untouchable, but you didn't know that. You figured, hey, you know, maybe I can try a little Latina action. I, I'm giving you every, every tip in the world to get the Curtis Sleeper Booby Prize. And not one of them. Not one of you. have shortchanged yourself. Who am I talking about? For 32 years, was a fixture on local TV. When I would go to the annual Second Avenue Fair when they had it, and they would have an autograph booth, and they would have Trendoids, Freakazoids, celebrities all over. The only one that they lined up for two blocks was this woman, and they wanted to shake her hand because they figured, oh, wow, if I shake her hand... Her luck may become my luck, and some of the guys were trying to hit on her, too. Meantime, I'm sitting there in my booth. Nobody. Hey, you're not lucky. You're an unlucky guy. I said, no, no, I'm lucky to be alive. They said, that's not the kind of luck we're looking for, pal. We're trying to win the lottery. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me suggest that uh, we are in a fortunate time here. I got to tell you, Glory Haliaski, hallelujah, I have just heard from Bernard McGurk, the luckiest man alive who has survived prostate cancer while doing the morning show. Very difficult task, I might add, having gone through that myself. But he's a man's man, an honorable man, a man who is a fighting man. From the streets of the South Bronx, the Monroe Housing Projects, a Hayes man, went up to Yonkers, drove livery cab to Schlobein Projects, to uh, <sighs> Ghetto Square, to Mumford Gardens, and every gin mill in between, and he's got the wounds to prove it. He says, Glory Haliaski, hallelujah. The wicked wicker is dead who wrote the bill of no cash bail. The obnoxious one, the pretentious one, the omnipotent one, at least he thought he was. He came out of the U.S. Attorney's Office, Eastern District, and everybody thought when they elected him state senator, Todd Kaminsky in Nassau, that, oh, yes, he would be law and order. He fooled you. He was a fugazi. And now he recognizes that he is dead on arrival, anything he wants to do politically. He thought, Mr. Big Stuff, who did he think he is, that he could become the next district attorney in Nassau County. He got trounced. And today he decided to hang it up, resigning from the state Senate to be hired in the private sector. Naturally, he'll become a lobbyist because he's evil. Todd Kaminsky, you are a shanda. You are Skivosa. You are Spachim. I feel a lot better now. Got it out of my system. Very important. For, for the purposes of luck, we don't know yet what the Mega Millions numbers are. They have been chosen. And look, there have been a few people who've won the million dollar prize. A lot of people are buying in fives and tens and hundreds. Man, I saw them outside at some of these uh, delis and newspaper stands that don't even sell newspapers any longer, but they sell lottery tickets, all kinds of lottery tickets. And people going crazy, thinking they're going to get a shot at this $1.3 billion prize, which is probably, probably higher. 
By the time 11 o'clock came and they started picking the numbers, our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Leah, who's calling from Newark. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leah. Curtis, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, the lottery lady's name is Yolanda Vega. Ah, yes, Yolanda Vega. Uh, Curtis, I have something more to tell you. Hold on a second uh, before I you did. say anything more, Leah. She was sexy. She was vivacious. She oh, yeah. she could have been the Chiquita Banana Girl. I mean, mm-hmm. guys would wait at night knowing they were going to lose, knowing that she would not pick their balls. I mean, uh, the uh, uh, the ping pong balls okay, with their numbers on it. And it didn't matter to them because they had a, a few moments to look at Yolanda Vega, who would always wink, if you notice, wink in the camera and say, you know, tomorrow's another day, same time, same place, suckers. I mean, uh, uh, sen- senors and senoritas. Oh, she was, wasn't she hot? Come on, admit it, Leah. That's right. That's right. I used to turn in and watch her, too. 32 years. I love years. the way she the balls out of the pouch, you know. Yeah, and you waited with bated breath, right? That's right. And then she moved well, up to Albany. or not, she, yes. She moved up to Albany, so, you know, because that's where the state lottery headquarters were. Moved to family lock, stock, and barrel. And yet when she would come for public appearances in New York City, the lines would go round the block. People would tell me, oh, she would only shake my hand. It'll make me lucky for the rest of my life. Like she was a leprechaun. I'm Yolanda Vega. You know what I mean, Leah? That's right. That's right. She had it. She was a hottie. Now you're going to uh, win a Curtis Lee booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. We throw nickels around like manhole covers. But you had something else to contribute, correct, Leah? Yes. I, I just tuned in, and I hear talking about my favorite former governor, that whenever I hear the term stop and frisk, I think about Christy Todd Whitless. That is correct. And you and remember? I remember, I, I remember that picture looking out at me from the front page of Star Ledger of her in a lily white jumpsuit after she stopped and frisked that black teenager on the parkway. That's right. It was in uh, Camden, New Jersey. The state trooper said to Christine Todd Whitless, Governor, would you like to do a stop and frisk? She said, yeah. And so then she began to manipulate that young man, pull his chain. She got excited. And then when she was was confronted by the reporters the next day, she said, no, 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 you misunderstood. The state troopers were just trying to show me what they did. But I saw glee on her face. I saw... Um, almost like uh, sexual excitement. We could tell by that picture, that that grin on her face. Yes. Well, you know, for a patrician. Look what I did. Hey. And now she started a third party with Andrew Yang. Wait on the line, Leah, because uh, you have won the first of what will be many Curtis Lee will booby prizes to the break of dawn. Nobody's going to sleep. Going to keep you up to the break of dawn just when you're ready to sort of be on the verge of lapsing into la-la land. I will play a song. I will scream. I will shout. I will raise the roof. I will not prevent you to go to sleep because that, that is so humiliating to me. I'm Yolanda Vega. Oh, what a senorita. 
the guys, they would say, oh, I can't wait. I said, what are you waiting for? The news is over. Oh, got to wait for Yolanda. You know, she's picking the balls. (laughs) These guys were like freaks. And every day they'd return, same time, same place. She would say, senor, senoritas. Same time. Yolanda Vega. Same time, same place tomorrow. And you suckers, I mean, um, y'all would lose your money. And then occasionally you'd see some guy up there in Albany with you know, have the big check in front of him, like $10 trillion, and you'd find out that he went bankrupt two years later. And if, in fact, anybody knew who he was, God forbid he lived in the hood, he had to move quick. I mean, quick. Pack your bags, but get the hell out of here. It's going to be home invasions. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Yeah, Joe. Hey, 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 yeah, I got it, Joey. Hey, I wanted to ask you, whatever happened to uh, Dr. Laura? Oh, what a story about Dr. Laura. I remember the first time I met her here at WABC. This is with the old regime at Two Penn Plaza, 17th floor. Uh, she was in the offices of the program director, Phil Boys, who thought she was the greatest thing, greater than Rush Limbaugh at that time. Because believe it or not, her numbers were actually better than Rush Limbaugh's wherever she competed against him. And she said to him, she said, Phil, I want kosher chicken soup. And Phil goes, well, you know, I'm not Jewish. I, I don't know where to get it. She goes, I don't care. What you have to do, I want kosher chicken soup. So he went running around New York City like a chicken without a head. He finally got her a bowl of chicken kosher soup. She tasted it. She said she didn't like it. Uh, She started to degrade him. And then she screamed at him and said, I want my name on the marquee of Madison Square Garden. So Phil explains to her, and I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, this woman's a real... She's a real Fruit Loop trooper. He goes, well, you know, that's Madison Square Garden. We're not a part of Madison Square Garden. She goes, I don't care. I'm on WABC. I want my name on that marquee. (laughs) She was a whack job. By the way, she pretended she was Jewish. She was a convert. You know, converts are always the worst types. They're always trying so hard to prove that they truly are, in this case, Jewish. Uh, she had a husband who was a nebbishy, schlubby, pisher, schmendrick guy who never opened his mouth because she would look at him, you know, the same way that uh, Will Smith's wife looks at him. Never trust anybody with three names, I might add. Uh, <laughs> and he would shut up. And then her son, her son, oh, her son was like the little prince. She was crazy. In fact, at times, she would have mental breakdowns. You wouldn't know it. You'd be listening to her because she, she was doing an advice show. They would take her out on a gurney, and they would take her to a mental health care hospital. They would never tell you. They would then play the best of uh, Dr. Laura for like a month. They'd shoot a full of Thorazine. They'd get her back, and then all of a sudden, a month later, Dr. Laura here. And you'd say to yourself, what? Where did she go? None of your B.I.B. business. Brooklyn girl, I think she went to Brooklyn College. I'm not quite sure. In fact, I'm trying to remember, who is she, uh, a colleague of, uh, who is also in radio? It'll come to me momentarily. Joe, I don't know what her status is now, but at one time, 
she was the biggest thing in talk radio because she was the alternate to political talk radio. So a lot of people would listen to her even when she was matched up one-on-one with Rush Limbaugh. Hmm. But but I haven't, to be honest with you, haven't heard hide nor hair about her. I just know what my personal experiences are uh, with Dr. Laura. She liked me a lot. You know, she had... Uh, you know, being a Brooklyn girl, uh, she, she knew of me, the guardian angels, but her staff, oh my God, I think uh, her staff would probably have wanted to work for Leona Helmsley. Can I ask you another question? Of course. Feel free to ask. What made you start the guardian angels? Ah, all the crime. Somewhat similar to what's happening now. The city was uh, slipping into the abyss. It was in the late seventies. I was the night manager of Mickey D's up in the Bronx on Fordham Road in Webster. It was a crime crisis because Ed Koch had just become mayor, and he was uh, hampered in the fact that uh, we were on the edge of fiscal uh, collapse, uh, bankruptcy, and he had to lay off cops, firefighters, social workers, uh, educators, correctional officers. It was a mess, and there were no cops riding the trains in uniform. So um, I first uh, put the arm on those who were closest for me at Mickey D's and said, we're going to go out and patrol the trains when we finish our shift. And they referred to us as the Burger Boys. Then I started to develop the program, and soon we became the Guardian Angels as people started joining us from all over the city who were concerned about crime. But we started on the number four train, the Muggers Express, which had the worst crime on many bad subway lines. And even though we were being vilified by Ed Koch, and a guy named McKechnie, who is the head of the Transit Police Union. Uh, after about uh, a year, the only stats involving crime on the subways that had gone down were on that number four train that we were patrolling. And that gave us a little breathing room. But we still were getting arrested and harassed by the Transit Police, by the NYPD, by the Housing Police. And all of that ended. It took 13 years. It was like a baptism in uh, hell. Until Rudy Giuliani, my Kumbadi Cheech, was elected mayor, thank God, the second time around the people came to their senses in 1992, sworn in 1993, and immediately said to the police department, there's no more war with the Guardian Angels. You're not to be locking them up unless they actually commit a crime. Now we're in partnership, we're in solidarity. They're crime fighters at a volunteer level. Police are professional crime fighters. We all need to be working together to save our city, and thank God. The people of New York City elected Rudy Giuliani because we were sinking into the abyss as we are now. From David Dinkins, 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings, to his his protege, Eric Adams, the swagger man who has no plan. By the way, as we approach 1 o'clock, there still is no word as to whether... Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, has arrived at Club Zero Bond as he oftentimes does at this witching hour. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa.
mamma son tanto felice perché ritorno da te la mia canzone ti dice è il più bel giorno per me mamma son tanto felice vivir lontano perché mamma per te la mia canzone vola bravo bravo sarai con me tu non sarai più sola guardo ti voglio bene queste parole d'amore che ti sostieni il mio cuore ora se non sarò più Mamma, ma la canzone mia più bella sei tu. Wow, what a tremendous tenor. I would have never known that that was Paul Sorvino. I prefer the version of Mama done by Connie Francis, but this is good. This is good. And in fact, the other day... On Rudy Giuliani's program, I combine each three to four Monday through Fridays. He's a connoisseur of uh, opera, you know, Rudy. Pagliacci knows them all. When he was mayor, the only time he wasn't working is when he was at Alice Tully Hall at Lincoln Center. Uh, he had a box there for the opera. Remember, he was the one who ordered his uh, Jewish director of activities to go tell Yasser Arafat to pack his bags and get the hell out of here as he was sitting also in Alice Tully Hall. Oh, I love Rudy Giuliani, but he said that he had heard Paul Sorvino singing a few times tenor operas. And he said for everybody to hear upon his passing that this guy was a tremendous tenor. Came out of Brooklyn... His mother taught piano. His father was a foreman in a rope factory. And Sorvino was musically inclined from a young age and attended the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York, where he fell in love with theater production, both in terms of musicals and in terms of plays. And he made his uh, debut in movies in Carl Reiner's Where's Papa? In 1970. Now remember, this guy is six foot four, big guy. I met him one time. Uh, he's like, uh, I guess you can call him a, a big black bear, but uh, a bear who had already eaten his meal, so he wasn't going to try to eat you up. I mean, just a stand up guy. I remember I first saw now, uh, Paul Sorvino in the movie. Panic in Needle Park, which was about the Upper West Side, over by 76, 72nd and Broadway, excuse me, that park there before you hit the entrance to the uh, 1, 2, and 3 train. Yeah, that used to be Needle Park. That was bad. That's when Gerald Nadler, the whale, was battling then-builder citizen Donald Trump on a regular basis over permits, licensing. <laughs> they were at each other like two... Uh, like two scorpions in a brandy glass. But boy, this guy, you know, everybody thought of uh, Paul Servino as always playing a gangster or a cop. No, tremendous talent, tremendous. He was uh, a sculptor, a painter, a best-selling author. Just 
He did so many things so well, a poet, an opera singer. But he realized that he was constantly being solicited to play in gangster roles. And when given the opportunity, obviously he did. He was with my enemy, James Kahn. You may have remembered the movie, The Gambler. He reteamed with Carl Reiner in Oh God. That was amongst the many who assembled for William Friedkin's bank robbery comedy, The Brinks Job. Then he was in John Avelson's Rocky. Remember, he was going to do the Guardian Angel movie until Canon Films just ended up going bankrupt. They were the ones that had the rights to do it. Shucks. He did slow dancing in the big city. And he was dancing there. You know, the same way I said about Christopher Walken, the crazy guy, remember from Astoria, I mean, the guy out of his mind, you saw him in Deer Hunter. I still say it was Christopher Walken on that um, on that yacht. Robert Wagner, Christopher Walken, arguing in the bowels of that yacht off of Catalina Island. And all of a sudden, somebody drowned as a result. Yes. He was the starlet of West Side Story. Who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen? For your second Curtis Lee Booby Prize, don't ask, don't tell. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But we don't realize these men and women are multi-talented because sometimes they get cast in the same role over and over. But if you saw, if you saw Paul Servino, in that slow dancing in the big city in which he played the romantic lead and used his dance training, you say, wow, this guy is good. You know, I'm not going to say Gene Kelly, but he is damn good. Christopher Walken, even better. I mean, he appeared in that uh, electronic dance music video in like 2000, and he was dancing. He was hanging off the crystal chandeliers, doing flips. Amazing, because he was trained also as a dancer. And we don't realize how many of these men and women, in addition to all the great roles that they've auditioned for and they've been cast for, come with a multiple variety of talents. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Again, Paul Servino played lips in Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy. And obviously, the role that we best know him in, which says Paul Ivario in Goodfellas. We go, we're going to get to that momentarily. But he was in like about 30 episodes of Law and Order, you know, as the DT. And uh, he was just um, a bon vivant, a raconteur, a man who was skilled in just so many things. And I remember he was featured on a PBS fundraising campaign in which he sang Torna a Sorrento, O Solo Mio, The Impossible Dream, and, of course, this song, Mama. He fashioned himself after the great Mario Lanza. Like I said, I like his rendition of Mama. He cannot replace Connie Francis's. But, hey, every time I hear that song, what do you think about it? I think about my mama, Francesca, who is now in heaven. And I'm sure many of you think about your mother. And probably what he did that 
would attract my wife, Nancy, who I don't know if she was all that much a Paul Sorvino fan. We've never had that discussion. But he ran a horse rescue farm in Pennsylvania in which he would take in horses that were no longer of use to their original owners, and they were ready to slaughter those horses and, you know, send them to the slaughterhouse for the brajol. Because uh, Italians eat more horse meat than any any other group in the world, especially in Italy. So all of you, when you have the little toothpick in there with the little the little um, uh, what is that? The little twine, and you have the brajol as part of the ten course meal. It's probably horse meat. And then he had his own grocery store pasta sauce based on his mom's recipe. He sculpted a bronze statue of the late playwright Jason Miller that uh, resides in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which has turned on Joe Biden, who claimed, hey, you know, Scranton Joe. Yeah, well, he's 29% approval rate in Scranton. And he was in a championship season on Broadway in 1972. Interesting, Danny Aiella broke in as an actor, championship season, summer stock in Pennsylvania in which he was a horrible actor. He acknowledged that. And you know who uh, the director of that show was, uh, Broadway Bill Lee? Uh, My oldest sister, Alita St. James. She helped develop Danny Aiello. He was always grateful to her because he said he was really inept. Uh, He didn't do all that well uh, going to his uh, uh, lessons, his acting lessons, when he had that no-show job in which uh, he got his mom's scholarship. He would show up with patent leather shoes at the loading dock of the Jacob Javits Center, and he'd sit in a lawn chair, read the Daily News, and then go to his uh, acting lessons. Who the hell would be taking boxes off of 18-wheel tractor trailers with patent leather shoes? He'd say, hey, that's what got me over, but he never forgot my sister. He said, she schooled me in what it was to be a good actor, and I'll never forget that, uh, Curtis. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Eddie, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eddie. Hey, what's up, uh, Curtis? Uh, Natalie Wood, uh, Maria Maria. Oh, yes, Natalie Wood to this day. You know, they said it was Robert Wagner who was her husband at the time. I think it was the madman, crazy man, Christopher Walken of Astoria, but... It is what it is. She drowned there. And, boy, she was a great talent, Eddie. Great talent. She was. And gorgeous. And, just gorgeous. And a sexy, sexy woman. I yep. mean, yep. She, she was awesome. Yeah, well, I remember, you know, I thought she was singing in West Side Story. And then later on, my older sister told me, no, that she's mimicking. It's somebody else who was actually singing the song. But she played the part perfectly, though. She, she literally, uh, 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 you know, Played the port the Puerto Rican part perfectly, I would think, and I'm Puerto Rican, so I really enjoyed her as a in that part. Yeah, you no, know? she did. Even though uh, she didn't have a drop of uh, Hispanic blood in her. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she didn't, but she did it to, to the hills. Yeah. Yeah, a lot I of really guys. I know a lot of guys when they saw that Jets versus Sharks, and they obviously saw Natalie Wood playing Maria. Maria, Maria. Probably said, "Hey." That's hot to trot. That's a Latina. That's uh, uh can I use the term a hot tamale? Uh, is that a, is that appropriate or is, uh, no, it's appropriate. It's appropriate. Do I get canceled no, no, no. for that? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, 
And by the way, by the way, Eddie, you know, uh, Spielberg did the uh, sort of the remake of uh, West Side Story. I saw some of it when we were patrolling in uh, the Fourth Ward and First Ward in Patterson, up the hill and down the hill. He used a a lot of those scenes were filmed in Patterson because there's nothing going on there. So (laughs) it's not like you're going to be interfering with anything. I can't imagine it's as good as the first one. I haven't seen it. Uh, have you seen the Spielberg version of West Side Story? I did see it. Yes, I did see it. And uh, I enjoyed the original. I enjoyed much more the original. It was much more, uh, it was just much more exciting and, and, you know, realistic compared to this one, which was, I was uh, too musical. And, and, and I don't know, the dancing was, uh, wasn't as good as the uh, the original version, I think. And then, you know, the uh, man who was responsible for the musical score at that time was Leonard Bernstein, who was conductor of the New York Philharmonic, uh, who was gay. We had no idea he was gay back then. He hit it uh, fairly well. Uh, And he would hold fundraisers. You talk about liberals and progressives. He would hold fundraisers for the Black Panther Party, uh, for Stokely Carmichael, who was their uh, national spokesperson, who wrote a book, Soul on Ice, that said... It was okay to rape white women because that was a political act. No kidding. I mean, that's ridiculous. Oh, man, this guy was far, 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 far left. But the musical score, the original of West Side Story, as it was made, uh, uh, first it was a Broadway musical, and then it was made into a movie. It was absolutely magnificent. But anyway, you stay on the line, Eddie. Eddie stays on the line. He's going to get his booby prize. Make sure, Avery, you don't lose Eddie. I don't want to call sometime down the line from Eddie uh, gnawing us, you know, like a junkyard dog. Where's my Where's my WABC cap with the uh, logo of the Curtis Sleeper show on it? I was promised my booby prize, and only because Avery was slow on the draw like Deputy Doodog. Maria. The most beautiful sound I ever heard. Uh, Brings back the memories. My little sister was named Maria, and she always thought they were singing to her. So she'd be dancing around the living room near the piano, thinking somehow that that disc... Uh, that was played on the Victrola, which was part phonograph, part uh, television, was actually they were singing to her. I didn't bust a bubble and tell her anything else. But I think that became an extraordinarily popular name because of West Side Story, because of the role that Natalie Wood played, although she didn't sing a line. She lip-synced the whole thing. And we found out later that some of the great musicals of all time that were made into movies, the actresses and the actors lip-synced it also. In fact, what was the famous movie in which we thought that the actress was doing all the vivacious sexual dancing moves and we found out it was actually a double? And then she finally got her claim to fame. See, that's another booby prize. Uh, in the meantime, you know Frank, and boy, Frank is not going to like this because I'm muscling in on his five days' worth of programs coming up because who knows who knows what the hell he's up to. And the moment Again, I was... Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. 
No, no, it's never over, Frank. It's never over till it's over. That's a Yogi Bear, right? It's never over till it's over. You see, that young whippersnapper, he doesn't understand. Trivia leads to a lot of discussion, dependent on what kind of trivia it is. This was very engaging trivia when you mentioned Natalie Wood, when you mentioned West Side Story, when you mentioned, who is that actress? We knew nothing about her. Who did all of these sexually gyrating dance moves, and we found out that it was the double who really was the dancer and not the person that we originally thought it was. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, I see we have uh, Mike in Manhattan who uh, has some constructive criticism for me. Is that correct, Mike? That's not constructive criticism. It's just a correction. It's uh, Eldridge Cleaver, who's the head of the Black Panther Party and wrote Soul on Ice, and he used to go to the penthouse uh, parties that were held by uh, Leonard Bernstein. Now, who did I say it was? Stokely Carmichael. You are correct. You are correct. Uh, you have nailed me. Uh, I mentioned the wrong guy, Stokely Carmichael. He came uh, out of SNCC. The, you are absolutely other, correct. Yeah, right, Southern uh, Nonviolent Coordinated Committee. That yes. was Stokely Carmichael. Yes. Oh, now, as I mentioned, it's Marina Jahan who was the dancer. I say that one more time. I was Marina too busy. Jahan. I was too busy hitting myself in the head for having. Marina Jahan did the dancing for uh, for uh, Jessica uh, Beal, Jennifer Beal. Yes, uh, Marina Jahan. Yes, yes, you got that, and we didn't know that at the time, did we? Yeah. And the name of the person who was doing the lipstick. His name was Nixon. Of all things. Yes. Wow, man, you scored the trifecta there. You straightened yeah. me out on one. You put me on the shelf. Yeah. You got uh, the. Um, the substitute for Jessica Beale. Yeah. And what was the third one you nailed? Jennifer Beale. Not Jessica Beale, Jennifer Beale. Jennifer, excuse me, Jennifer. My no, no, my, you got me on two. And what was the third one? Uh, her name was Nixon. I think it was Ann Nixon was her name, was the, the singer for Natalie Wood. She also did uh, the singing for uh, uh, Audrey Hepburn in uh, My Fair Lady as well. Oh, man, you scored the Trinity, the Troika, the Trifecta there, Mike. I didn't even know that. You're quick, man. You're quick. Okay, I was going to say, the last time I had a trivia question, I get my hat. Sorry about that. You did not get your hat? Didn't get my hat. Yo, Avery, what's up with this, huh? Oh, you you got to hold on the line. Frank Marano owes me a hat, too. Oh, he owes you a hat. Well, Both, Both of you guys owe me a hat. Well, we better get them both. Avery, we better get Mike both hats. Uh, by the way, uh, Mike, have you ever heard yeah. what Frank says about trivia? He says it uh, it leads nowhere, that it doesn't add Again, trivia to questions you, uh, aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we yeah, learn right. it, it's kind of over. But Yeah. Not really. Look, you, you, it's, you, it's, a, it's a talk radio dead end. Yeah, but you straightened me out on three three yeah. things. Probably straightened out some other folks out there who had the wrong idea about who it was that I was making reference to. And then walking around the rest of my life seeing Stokely Carmichael, Stokely Carmichael. Stokely Carmichael became, uh, I think it was uh, Torre. He changed his name and he moved to uh, Africa, the Ivory Coast in Africa. While Eldridge Cleaver moved to Algeria. Of came crawling back, became a born again uh, uh, Christian uh, minister. 
And remember was when he was a in... a big supporter of Nixon in the end. Yes. A big supporter of Nixon. But remember when he and was Reagan. in uh, Algeria, who was his pal uh, who was seeking asylum there? Timothy Leary. Very good. Man, you're on a roll. You are on a roll there. Now, now that we're on this subject here, the Black Panther Party, who is the man who developed the barbecue sauce that became very... F- very, very uh, famous and very successful. Well, I can think of it as Eldridge Cleaver. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, no, Eldridge Cleaver, remember, he showed up one time and he had yeah. this uh, jock strap on, which exposed his uh, male member there. He really freaked out. But no, this guy was from Philadelphia, Philadelphia. He wasn't one of the new Africa guys, was it? No. No, no, he actually is probably the most stable of the various Black Panther Party leaders uh, because all of them uh, ended up with uh, various problems. But he's, I, I had a few conversations with him uh, in Bobby Los Angeles. Yes. No, no, no. Wait okay. a second. Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. No, sorry. Not, not Bobby Seale. You got me there, brother. All right, but you will have one. Now, Now, Avery, take care of Mike. He gets a Curtis Sliwa booby prize hat. But he also gets a Frank Morano booby prize hat. We'll do Frank Morano a solid, even though he, his staff tried to uh, sabotage our efforts here, Broadway Bill. We, uh, yep, the disgruntificator. I picked that up. Wait till I talk to Matt Blaze. What guy has a name like Blaze? You know this guy is a fugitive. Now make sure, Avery, he gets two booby prizes. The Curtis Lieber booby prize and the Frank Morano booby prize. On what? Oh, wait a second. We'll leave that up to debate. But we're going to make sure he gets his two booby prizes. Because let me tell you something, Avery. You're just using that as an excuse, like a slacker and a deadbeat. Because you're trying to deprive him of the two booby prizes that he won a long time ago and we didn't deliver. Wow, getting so defensive. He had the wrong person. Well, who is that? I don't know. Caller said that. Oh, you're going to believe a caller? Mike was on a roll there. By the way, which Black Panther Party leader out of Philadelphia developed a barbecue sauce that became extraordinarily popular and, in fact, was damn good. I know, I tried it when I was in West Philly organizing the Guardian Angels. Him I had a relationship with. Some of the other guys, no. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. You're going to learn a lot if you listen to Curtis. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 W-A-B-C. You see, Avery, Mike was sharp, Mike was good. Going back into my thought process, uh, Black Panther Party came out of Oakland. Let's see. It was Huey Newton. He turned out to be a crackhead. Uh, Elridge Cleaver. He turned out to be a screwball. I was referring to Stokely Carmichael. 
I think Mike maybe was right about the Philadelphia Black Panther leader who became part of the national leadership, Bobby Seale. I, I, I think I got to give it to Mike on that. I think I, 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 I just mixed up all the Black Panther Party leaders. I remember they were outside of Ronald Reagan's office when he was governor in California, parading around with shotguns. And Reagan uh, said to his staff, what the hell are they doing? How come we're not locking them up? Well, because they don't have the uh, ammo in the guns, which is legal in the state of California. <laughs> oh, wow. That's right, Bobby Seale, Philly. That's right, barbecue sauce. Met him in West Philly. Yeah. Why, am I, uh, why am I losing it about the Black Panther Party? Hmm? Bobby Rush, who was the leader in uh, Chicago, became congressman, West Side, bad West Side. That's where most of the shootings are. He's the only one to really pound Barack Obama. Barack Obama, state senator, right? Springfield, Massachusetts, said, I'm going to run for congressman of the West Side. He said, what? Bobby Rush said, you're from Hawaii. I'm from the hood. In the Democratic primary... Barack Obama got his uh, his howly butt handed to him. He lost two to one in the west side of Chicago. I don't know, 63 shootings last weekend, five dead. I'd say about half of them were on the west side. West side, south side. Those are the two really bad parts of Chicago. But the west side, without a doubt, historically bad with a capital B. Man, I don't know, Mike Mike was right about that, Bobby Seale. I'm telling you. I man, I gotta do my mea copas, mea copas, mea maxima copas. Could taste that barbecue sauce right now. You know, you know what today is, uh Broadway Bill Lee? Chicken Wing Day. National Chicken Wing Day. I'll never forget I was coming from FedEx Stadium in Landover. I had been the guest of Fred Drasner, who was the minority owner of the Washington Redskins. The guy in charge, uh, Snyder, real jerky boy, was me and Johnny Legit and Les Epstein, who was the the editor of the Daily News at that time. And we were guests of Fred Drasner. We took the shuttle out there. We watched the game from their box. Uh, Washington Redskins beat our Giants. And I remember uh, my uh, leader in Washington, D.C., John Unique Ayala, he picked us up in his SUV with his wife. And he had a chicken wing in his hand. And I said, Unique, how are you going to eat that chicken wing while you're driving? There's a lot of traffic on our way to Reagan Airport to catch the shuttle. And he very deftly pimped behind the wheel of his SUV. His uh, wife lipstick at his side. She said, don't worry, he's got it. I said, man, I'm a little worried. He took that chicken wing. He had red hot sauce on it. It was on a slice of silver cup bread. And he was able to eat that chicken wing without any of the juice pouring down on his red sateen guardian angel jacket. And then he took that one slice of silver cup bread in that one hand that he was holding it in and wiped his whole mouth and then devoured the silver cup bread. I said, man, that is a maestro, a maestro, right? I mean, that's good. Today is National Wing Day. And for some of you out there, Wing Ding Day. Fruit Loop Trooper Day. Oh, thinking Paul Shavino playing the role of Polivario. We'll get to that momentarily in Goodfellas. Probably his greatest role of all time. 
But he really never liked it because he was typecast as a gangster. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Linda on Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Linda. Hi, Curtis. I just want to let you know uh, the singer's name was Marnie Nixon, not Ann Nixon, who sang for Natalie Wood. And what was her name again? Marnie, M-A-R-N-I-E. Hmm, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to... Just a little trivia. Yes, I'm not going to quibble with that because, as you know, I didn't know who was the person singing the song for Natalie Wood and West Side Story that she was lip-syncing right. it to. But I will take your word for it, estrogen over Mike's testosterone. <laughs> so I will tell you what. Linda, because uh, we don't have alligator arms here like Frank Morano, who disputes all (laughs) prizes. You know, he he gives prizes and then he never sends them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times people will tell me, hey, I'm still waiting. I'm saying he'll be waiting a month of Sundays. Uh, You know, it's funny. There's no evidence to support Curtis's version of Frank Morano. No evidence. I, I think, uh, Linda, it's obvious to everyone who listens, right? Uh-huh. So you know what we're going to do for you, Linda? Avery, please take care of Linda and make sure she gets only a Curtis Lee Booby prize. Not what Mike got for you all those kidding. answers. Yeah, no, no. You're going to get a Curtis Lee Booby prize because we're generous oh here on this show, Linda. We're not. We don't have I alligator arms. Uh-huh. Frank Morano's probably hoarding, hoarding all those uh, probably WABC caps with his name on it. Go to his house. They'll be piled up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not invited to his house. Remember, I wasn't invited to the barbecue. Now you've opened up a sore wound for me. I know. And neither it's me, so neither me nor Broadway Bill Lee, famous in this industry, came out of retirement to be our board operator. And, of course, Avery, uh, who is our nighttime producer and our phone screener. As Avery said, the only way he could have had ever gone to uh, Frank Morano's uh, a barbecue the other Saturday as if he was delivering a Domino pizza. <laughs> you see? So stay on the line, Linda. Stay on the line. Avery, please take care of Linda. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, they, this is a movie that few, if any, people are going to guess. If they do, Broadway Bill Lee, they're going to win a courtesy with Booby Prize. I want you to play Paul Servino, I can't give a tip. You just got to listen, and some of you cognoscente out there will nail it, and you'll call and you'll get your booby prize. I want the Sage and Levin taken out. Is that clear? I don't know, Sonny. I mean, an FBI agent. That could be a little tricky. Whoa! This guy is huge. Not him, you moron. The dog. Agent Levin is a dog. That's funny. That's a good one, Sonny. That's a good one. You want we should whack a dog? <laughs> you two tubs of blubber think that's funny, huh? There's no reason to get personal, Sonny. This is personal. It don't get no more personal. I want the dog dead. All right. All right, Sonny. But, you know, we're pros. 
I mean, how are we going to hold our heads up in the community with people knowing that we're going around to put the whack on a pooch? I mean, we got an image. Let me put it this way. If the two years don't whack this pooch, then the two years are going to get whacked. Okay. You're the boss. No problem. Do regular fees apply? Come on. What'd I say? Now, what movie was that that Paul Savino was in? I know that will bring uh, a lot of angst to my wife, Nancy, thinking that these mobsters choking on their lobsters were going to whack a dog. She probably will not permit that movie to ever be played in our cat house with 18 rescue cats. She will be offended. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's a little-known movie that Paul Servino was in. Didn't do as well as his other adventures, especially the one he's best known for, which is Goodfellas. When he was playing the part of Paul Ivario, who I knew growing up in Canarsie, had a little crazy crime family there in East New York. And in this scene, the restaurant owner, Sonny, is appealing to Paul Servino to be his partner. If there's something I could do, don't you think I would do it? You know me, I would like to help you out. Sonny, tell him what we talked about. Yeah, come on. What? Well, you know, look, maybe you could come in with me, you know, take a piece of this joint, it'd be good. What do you mean, the restaurant? Yeah, I mean, this is a classy place. I mean, look at the layout. When you've been in there a million times, you know what it looks like. I mean, it, Tommy taking over this joint is like putting a silk hat on a, on a pig. I mean, I don't mean no disrespect on that, Harry, but that, that's the way it is. I know you're his friend. I'm begging you. What can I say? I, what am I going to do? What, what, what do you want from me? I don't know what. I don't know nothing about the restaurant business. Nothing. All I know is to sit down and order a meal. I don't know how to make a restaurant. No, uh, not for you. It's just a place to hang. You know, I mean, the chef is great. You got it. And shows are good. It's a lot of who is coming in here all the time. I like to help you out. Look, what, what do you want from me? What am I going to do? Tommy's a bad kid. He's a bad seed. What am I supposed to do? Shoot him? Uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> He's talking about Pesci. That wouldn't be a bad idea to shoot him. You should have seen the look on Paul Servino's face then. <laughs> Everybody wanted to shoot Pesci in that movie. Oh, what a degenerate. That was one of the great scenes. Sonny, who had this uh, big knot on his head as a result of Tommy. Uh, And uh, actually, that was instigated by Ray Liotta playing Henry Hill on the orders of Sorvino, who wanted to be partners. He acted like, oh, I got no interest. But basically, that was arranged between Sorvino and Henry Hill to muscle Sonny. That was great. Oh, that was great. That didn't get the attention that a lot of the other lines got. Anyway, let's go to the phones, one 800 Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mikey. How are you, Curtis? God bless you, man. I've had, I've had just, better days. And a, a little news flash uh, on the... Uh, on a, a possible parole hearing of uh, Crazy Sal. Wow. Canarsie, the creep, creep from Canarsie. Yeah, Crazy, Crazy yeah. Sal, who killed police officer Sludge uh, when um, Sludge uh, told him he had to get out of Bildersee Park. I believe that was uh, where it was right near 83rd and Flatlands. 
And then yeah. uh, he ended up dragging uh, Sludge uh, to his death, if I remember correctly. And Sludge wasn't even from New York. I think he was from down south. He was, yeah. Wow. And so he was. It was his day off, and he was working for a, a friend, uh, another officer, covering his shift. Wow. And Crazy Sal, let me, let me explain to him how I first met Crazy Sal. Was in the uh, playground of... PS 114, me and my cousin Lenny uh, Beans Bianchino, we were playing softball against another team. And, you know, when all of a sudden you're waiting to hit, you put your your mitts down, you're talking with uh, other guys. He came up and he tried to set my mitt on fire. (laughs) It's like a pyromaniac. So me and Lenny Beans Bianchino, we catch him, we take him upside down, and we, like, we pile drive him into the cement over and over again. We we take his bicycle that he was on. We basically like snap it in two. He leaves. He doesn't. He doesn't cry. Not a not a not a teardrop. And some of the old timers say, "Well, you know, Crazy Sal. The reason he's got his name is when he was birthed, uh, he fell on his head. He's got a plate in his head." We were told every crazy guy in Canarsie had a plate in his head. Yes. <laughs> this guy, though, as a little guy, he must have been at that time I was in uh, fifth grade. He had to be in, like, maybe third grade, second grade. He was just a maniac at that time. Yeah, oh, gosh. Wow, so he is up for a parole hearing after killing the police officer, Sludge, who is uh, actually they have a mural uh, in his honor, right there on the wall of the 69th Precinct. If you're coming down Rockaway Park where you can see it, you know, I right near I was over there the other day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this guy. And, uh, Curtis, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, do you have any fond memories of Utica Joe? Utica Joe. I'm trying to put the face to the name. Heard the name. He was the hot, hot dog man on Kings Highway and uh, where it met Glenwood Road and... Uh, where King Sire and Glovewood uh, Road met. He was the king of uh, hot dogs, the Brett. We'd get the daily doubles with the hot onions and the, and the cot soda, mm. the black cherry. I don't believe I ever had one of his dirty water hot dogs, but how good were they? How good were they, Mike? They were the best. The lines went around the corner, and I heard he used to take a little action, too. Oh, they, uh, all, they, I, all, they all did back then. They had to augment their income. It was giving and getting, I guess, right? Yeah, but he had a gold mine over there. It was uh, two hot dogs on Italian bread with hot onions, sauerkraut, mustard, and a cot soda. And a lot of people don't realize, Mike, unless they paid protection money and they had the spot, they had to get there early in the morning. Like you see these guys now with the coffee wagons uh, have to do it before the sun comes up. Because if they don't get their spot, somebody will come in and muscle them out of their spot. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, in his honor, again, what was his name again, Mike? Utica Joe. He was a legend. And what what was his location again? Kings Highway and, and uh, Glomond Road, right uh-huh. by the Ford dealer over there. Sure. Sure. Gee. And I'm... who was the other guy? Coney Island Joe on Linden Boulevard over there? Yeah, and, that, uh, that, that one I knew. That one I knew. Coney yeah. Island Joe on Linden. 
Unfortunately, there was one dirty water hot dog I never had. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that sounded delicious. So Italian bread, two dogs on it, and with everything you wanted on it. We'd have to walk on the train tracks to go visit them. We'd get out of school half a day on Wednesdays. You'd get uh, $2 in your pocket for the walk, which uh, we met others from different neighborhoods, East New York, Brownsville, and sometimes you would lose that $2. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize those tracks that actually came in through East New York, Brooklyn, and then went all the way. They were like... Um, uh, Railway cars used to actually uh, run the lines, and now it's pretty much dead. It, it should be revived. Yes. Uh, but you're right. You'd have to be going through some real dicey areas, the other side of Avenue uh, D, you know, where all the chop That's shops what, were. That's where I was from, yep, yep, yep. Now, which high school did you go to, Mike? Uh, I was uh, – Tilden was my zone school, but uh, I was afraid and uh, – well, not afraid, but uh, – Everybody said, get a trade, get a trade. So I went to William E. Grady High School, technical and vocational high school. Sure. No, that was a smart thing. My mother had gone to Tilden when it was zoned for Canarsie. There was no Canarsie or South Shore when she went. You either went to uh, Tilden on Kings Highway or you went uh, to East New York. You went to Jefferson or up the block and went to Maxwell. The ladies would go to learn uh, typing and stenography. (laughs) Right. Yes. Oh, they was, uh, oh, those were the good old days. Good old days, brother. Thank you so much for keeping it fresh. Oh, no, and I appreciate it. To no crazy shot. You know, uh, good that that guy didn't send me a letter to write a letter to the parole board because I would have wrote one, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica, every reason to keep that guy and let him rot in prison. Too bad he couldn't get locked in a room with uh, Tommy DeSimone and, uh, and Crazy Sal and... Uh, Maybe wait for one man to walk out. Yeah, or, or, or uh, Tommy Karate Patera. Yes, indeed, or uh, your, your other neighbors from over there. Oh, my God, the Testa brothers, uh, and then, of course, yeah. Anthony Crazy Man Centaur. Oh, boy. Yeah, I remember the legends of, of that running around that neighborhood over there. Well, it'll be interesting. They have the movie Gemini Lounge coming out. Our own Sid Rosenberg plays one of the parts, although it isn't one of the main guys, but it's uh, a hanger-on over there on Troy Avenue, the old Gemini Lounge. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to capture the incredible degenerate nature of these guys that I grew up with. i got to tell you, Mike, I taught them how to play stickball. We went into the lots around there. We looked to shoot rats and blackbirds with uh, BB guns and twenty twos. Yes. And one yes. time, one time, Patty Tester, the younger of the two testers, shot a blackbird. He closed his eyes. He shot a blackbird. The blackbird came down, and, you know, its wings were injured. Uh, and Patty Tester started crying like a little Mama Luke. And, uh, and this guy became a crazed Manicidal, uh, homicidal maniac. Yep. Boy, they weren't that. A lot of those guys. A lot of those guys are hitting the streets soon. Yeah, yeah, but uh, guess what? They're taking their geritol. Their hair is gray, and they they don't have much time left on this plane. But I will tell you, they were not born uh, homicidal maniacs. 
you could actually say the environment. And what it came down to is stealing cars. These guys were good at stealing cars. You give them a make and model, they go out there, roam around, knew how to hotwire cars. And then Broadway Bill Lee, their delight came in the fact that if they sold you, let's say, a Fleetwood or Eldorado Cadillac they had stole, they changed the VIN numbers and they made it like it was okay. They would sell you the car. And then they would follow you. And wherever you parked that car, whether it was uh, outside your place of business, your home, or your Gomada's house, they would re-steal the car and bring it back to the chop shop just just because they could. And most of these guys never knew that. And they'd brag about it so that even if you found out about it, you're going to go have beef with them. <laughs> you might <laughs> you might get khashoggi in the Gemini Lounge. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Ah, wait a second. Uh, we'll keep going. Uh, let's go to Danny in Virginia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Danny. Ah, uh, Curtis, how are you? Which part of Virginia Which part of Virginia are you calling from, Danny? Down here in, uh, well, closest place is Roanoke. Well, man, you, you know, uh, if you don't mind, Danny, you sound like a bit of a hillbilly. Are you in Western uh, Virginia? No, not really, but I am uh, across the Basin-Dixon line. You don't mind it, do you? I mean, uh, I don't want to offend you or nothing. Now, I got to tell you, tomorrow we're going to do an extravaganza, Danny, because I'm going to say to people, how is it that so many movies, so many TV shows, so many variety shows focused hillbillies entertaining and America couldn't get enough of it? Do you have any idea why that is, Danny? Yeah, like Mom, Pa, Kettle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember them old black and white movies. I'm going on 64 years old, and uh, Natalie Wood, you talking about her, and when I was a kid, I was in love with her. I'm telling you, I really, I thought she was sexier than Raquel Welch. Yeah, look, Danny, you're not alone. There were a lot of young men all throughout the country. When they saw West Side Story with Natalie Wood, they fell in love. Well, I remember her and a lot of other movies. I mean, I'm missing the old black and white movies. They won't show them no more. I don't know what happened to them, but... Uh... <laughs> Well, I think there's, you know, there's have so many cable stations now, Danny, like 5,852. I know that there's some of those cable stations that do sell the old movies. I just, I, my, my wife cut the cord. She's one of these hipsters and millennials. She cut the cord. So I almost never watch anything involving TV, Danny. Another thing I live with 22 feral cats. You have feral cats? No, I said I lived with 22 feral cats a long time. 22 feral cats, and I'll bet you you don't have a rat, mouse, or rodent problem. No, not at that time I didn't. But the other thing I wanted to say real quick was I was listening. I thought you was on last night, and I heard old Frank talking. Frank. Frank Morano. Yeah, he made a remark about you in the softball game. He said you was washed up. That I was washed up. You know, I'm telling you, you know what they did, Danny? 
to tell you how they screwed me over, I have to, in a few hours, do left versus right versus Anthony Weiner from 3 to 4. Do you know they moved up the start of the game between the WABC team and the NYPD to 4 o'clock just to make sure that I wouldn't be there to play? Can you imagine that, Danny? Yeah, well, some kind of dirty stuff. I heard him talking. He's going, where's he at tonight, the casino? Now, let me ask you a question, Danny. Where you live, you got your feral cats. You got a gun there? Yeah, I got guns, but no, I don't have cats no more. Uh, animal control. Somebody called animal control over here. Huh? I hated some of them cats were nice cats, and I hated to get rid of them. But... Oh, my God. They took your cats from you, Danny? Yeah. Wow. And you didn't pull out any of your guns? No, I didn't want to go to jail. No, understood. But if, if I would account correct, Danny, how many guns do you have on your premises? You talking about the ones that <laughs> Let's just say there's nobody going to be doing a home invasion on you, Danny, right? You know what kind of guns I got? <clears throat> I got the black powder type gun. Ooh. Like it used in the Civil War. I got a forty-four. I got a shot, 12-gauge shotgun. You see, and- down south, Danny, I've found out in my travels that that is common, that you go to somebody's home. It doesn't matter who they are. They could be religious, non-religious. They could be educated, non-educated. They got guns in their house to protect themselves. Yeah, well, I used to do Civil War reenactments. Oh, wow. That's one thing I always wanted to be able to do is to go to a Civil War reenactment. And you know why? Because I used to go to the greatest entertainment complex of all. My, my, ain't she pretty. Better than Disney World. Better than Great Adventure. Better than Disneyland. Freedomland. Every day they would have a reenactment of the Civil War. Gray coats versus blue coats. It was amazing. And then the World's Fair came in 64. That's it. That was the end of Freedom Land. And then they put in Co-op City and destroyed the West Bronx all along the Grand Concourse. The greatest theme entertainment park of our lives, baby boomers, is right there along the hutch. Freedom Land, where Co-op City is today. Didn't get any better than that. Let's go to Johnny in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Hey, Curtis. How are you, sir? I um thinking of the Grand Concourse. When I was a kid, we used to call it the Cohen Concourse. I went to school on Walton Avenue and 164th Street. And um, the neighborhood changed. Once Co-op City came, they all fled. That was really the demise of the, the neighborhood. Yeah, we called it the West Bank because you had so many Jewish people living along that area. And it was wealthy, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you still walk into some of those buildings, uh, the foyers. They, oh, they're amazing. Amazing. Art Deco, yeah. Yep. Sunken living rooms. They're beautiful. Yep. So well, I, I was living on the west side in the 70s, and um, 
Roy Demio used to come into the neighborhood and pick up envelopes from some of the deal. There was a one dealer, and they would he'd come in an envelope. We didn't know as kids what the hell was going on, but now we know, you know, looking back. And we were on the stoop on 48th and 9th, and he looks at us. He goes, you Irish pricks. He's such a surly guy. He used to come in a big black car, and he had his hair greased back, and he just cursed us out no reason. So we were going to – we saw him a couple of times. We are going to get some eggs, go up on the roof next time he came and egg him. Thank goodness it never happened. Yeah, no, no. He, he had a relationship a with the Westies there. Uh, Featherstone, Jimmy C, Coonan, Blondie, we knew all those guys. Uh, Spillane, they were crazy. The Westies would shoot you just to test their gun. But I'll tell you what, Mad Dog Joe Sullivan, he was the real deal. He took out a couple of those guys, and um, he was feared on the West Side. Yeah, well, Sullivan, who escaped from prison. Yeah, when Gotti Sr. wanted a job done, he'd always go to the Westies. He'd say, for sure, they'll, they'll get it done one way or the other. Yeah, they took Ruby Stein's black book, and um, Castellano took him down, and that was it. And you know, no show jobs. You know what took them all down, Johnny? In that era, it didn't matter if they were Italian, Irish, Jewish, uh, black, Hispanic, uh, if they were part of gangs. Cocaine. Cocaine turned all these guys. Nothing good ever came from that. Nothing good ever came from that powder. There are guys that I knew, I grew up with that they would have given their lives for me. And then after doing coke, I saw the look in their eye, and I knew I could not turn my back to them. Devil's dandruff. Yep. Devil's dandruff. I like that. Yeah, man. I've told a new generation, I said, you do not want to use that cocaine. It does something to you. It makes you uh, neurotic. It makes you Paranoid. um, paranoid, schizophrenic to a degree where you think people that you grew up with, sometimes your own relatives, are out to do you harm, and then you do things that you might not have even have done to your worst enemies when you were growing up, and you don't even think twice about it. Scarface. <laughs> it's all to just stick your nose in that cocaine powder. That's why I'm very interested, Johnny, in seeing how our own Sid Rosenberg does in that uh, movie about the Gemini Lounge, which featured Roy DeMeo and all the uh, killers I grew up with, the Tester brothers, Anthony Centaur, Chris Mad Dog Rosenberg. No, 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 not the guy from the fan who used to be with. <laughs> not that, not that Chris Russo who was on with Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk the other day. Chris Rosenberg. That's the part that Sid Rosenberg should have played, but he never wanted to be a Jewish guy. This guy was a crazy Jewish guy. And Roy DeMeo, who treated him like his son, was told, you got to whack him. He ripped off the Cubans down in Florida, and they're going to come looking for us. So you got to whack him. And Roy DeMeo did exactly that. Talk station. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oofa! It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. You, you love her, how I move you. You love her, how I move you. 
Anda. Grande. Give me that music there. And listen, Broadway Billy. The song is about God being a woman. And Ariana Grande grew up in the sixth borough of the city of New York, Boca Raton in Florida, a Floridian girl. In fact, I think, uh, if memory serves me correct, she was hooked up with Pete Davidson before that skinny Bellini ended up with Baby Got Back, Kim Kardashian. Yeah, she used to go to all the spots out there, the mall in Staten Island. Pete Davidson, what is it about Pete Davidson that all these hot-to-trot women, these trendoids, freakasoids, and jet-setters love? I think they say, you know, the guy's got a big schlong. But the guy's dopey-looking. I mean, come on, look, he's a skinny Bellini. He's tall, right? He's sort of goofy-looking. He's got tats all over the place. And then they go, Gaga Google, Adriana Grande, Kim Kardashian, a few others before that. They would never go to Staten Island, never. But they go out there for him. Trying to figure that out, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe some of you know that as to a rationale for why they would be wanting to hook up with the Saturday Night Live kid no longer. Pete Davidson, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The reason we're playing this song of Ariane... I got to get this right, man. I keep uh, biting my tongue every time I say her name. Ariana Grande is because our mayor... Eric Adams, the swagger man who has no plan. By the way, it's uh, a little after 2 o'clock. He has not been spotted at his favorite club uh, that he normally goes to uh, once uh, Once uh, it's uh, the witching hour. Usually rolls in after 12 o'clock. He has not been spotted there. The little people uh, amongst the many, they're not the heavy hitters, but uh, I befriended them, and they rat him out whenever he's there to me. Uh, they eat the Parmesan cheese. He has not arrived at Club Zero Bond downtown. He has not been seen tonight, but that doesn't mean he won't still roll in. Remember, we're going to take all of you to the break of dawn. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. A little more of that music, Maestro. I need to, uh, I need to get the feel of that. Because Ariane Grande is saying that God is a woman. God is an XY chromosome, not XX. No, XY is a male. That's right, XX is a female. Maybe that's why guys are so confused from time to time. Because they're X, but they're Y. And so if they're part X chromosome, that would make them leaning towards feminine characteristics if they're why macho maniacal characteristics our number is 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-WABC lower the music here Broadway Bill Lee because I want to play a cut for you from our mayor Eric Adams the swagger man who has no plan this was last Sunday a very serious press conference at Harlem Hospital on 145th Street about the many mental health issues that are plaguing our fellow residents, 
both those who have a dwelling, those who don't, those who live in the subways, those who live in the streets, those who live in the parks. And for some strange reason, uh, and he's done this from time to time, he throws things out at the media, most of them all white, and he plays them for suckers because they're so intimidated by him now. Remember, originally he had gone up to uh, Albany to lobby his friends there, Cousins, who is the leader of the state Senate, the supermajority, Hasty, the leader and the speaker of the assembly, the supermajority of Democrats there, uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, they're all friends with Eric Adams. And he got uh, Ugats, he got Bupkis up there, and actually uh, the newspapers editorially took him the task and said he came back with his tail between his legs. And immediately he started attacking the predominantly white uh, white members of the Fourth Estate from Room 9 at City Hall and said, you cannot judge me if you don't walk in my skin, basically saying that his complexion was his protection. And the white reporters were intimidated. They backed off, and they they never do follow-up questions to things that are absurd. Listen to what he said last Sunday when he talked about how God had chosen him at this time of crisis in New York City. And he also declaratively said that God is a woman. Every skill I've ever acquired is coming to play right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, from monkeypox to COVID uh, to, um, you know, asylum seekers, you know, this is, you know, this is a moment where leadership matters. Uh, I think the creator knew we were going to have a difficult time, so uh, she made sure I was mad this time. Now, you know, you know what Eric Adams is thinking in his head. You sucker white idiots. You're not even going to follow up on a question like that. I can come up here on a stage and make these outrageous statements, and you're so intimidated. You won't even do a follow-up question like, well, if God is a woman, who is that God? And by the way, anybody, I don't care if it's Bush 43 who said pretty much the same thing and Ted Cruz and some of the other um, narcissistic individuals that somehow they had a conversation with God or God was uh, God was guiding them and God chose them to be a leader at this time. That's nonsense. That's specious. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to contact God, whether it was J.C. Hashem, Buddha. Uh, whether it was Allah, whoever it was, and all I would get introduced to on my smartphone, my iPhone, try different phone systems, even the Motorola burner phone, still God would just uh, hang up on me, introduce me to Mr. Click. How is it that those guys have conversation? You know, in the old neighborhood, when somebody would say I had a conversation with God, we'd say this guy's a nut job, a screwball. If they were successful, we'd say, oh, they're eccentric. But let's face it, it's still a nut job and a screwball. We just, we sort of high end them there. That Eric, I want to hear that laugh again. That Eric Adams laugh. <laughs> like he's laughing at all of us. Like you suckers. <laughs> you fools. I told you I was going to be the law and order mayor. <laughs> I'm worse than Bill de Blasio. And none of you will even bring that up to me. 
Because <laughs> he knows. He knows his complexion is his protection. That press corps out there, they're not going to touch him. They're not going to touch him. I've been telling you about this guy. I've known him for over 40 years. He's a hustler. Man, he's always got a side hustle, ladies and gentlemen. I know some of you are not street, so you really don't understand what I'm saying. But this guy has always had a side hustle, Eric Adams. What you see is not what you get. When a guy walks out every day with $5,000 customized suits, we're not talking off the, the rack of men's wholesale outlet. No, 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 no. We're talking about tailored, customized, every day a different suit. Where the hell does he get money for that? He gets wine dined in pocket line. And Listen, he, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> yeah, the swagger man has no plan. Now, let's look at his friends. And he's got a lot of friends. But he's got some prime time homies that have been tight with him. In fact, the Bishop Lamour, Miller Whitehead. As I've always told you, whether black or white, never trust anybody with three names. Bishop Lamar Miller Whitehead. The Canarsie minister. You know, right there on Remsen Avenue. Just four blocks from where I was uh, brought up. He's pastor of the My Good Friend and My Good Brother Church of What's Happening Now. Remember <laughs> how Red Fox would say, oh, yeah, it's the church of what's happening now. I know they call it Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries, but it's really the church of what's happening now and how I can line my pockets because that's all that Bishop Lamar Miller-Whitehead does. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Says that Eric Adams has been his homeboy since 2013. They got each other's private cell numbers, and they call each other all the time. And Eric Adams admits that. Says, oh, no, 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 I, I've known I've known the bishop a long time, and I got his back. I want you to listen to Bishop Whitehead talk about not God, not spiritual stuff, but real estate. Back, Bishop Whitehead, y'all see Whitehead Estates, listen. I'm telling y'all, join my real estate class. It starts in February the 5th. I'm going to show you how to buy and flip, how to buy complexes, apartment complexes, renovating, and first and foremost, understand that God did it, not me. Now, he's talking real estate. Another trivia question out there. Who is the guy who used to be the king of infomercials in the wee hours in the morning? He came from Vietnam. He, in fact, would wash dishes. And uh, people would say, how come, how come you work for these rich people in Palm Beach? You, I always see you working for these rich people. He said, look, I don't have two nickels together, but I'm going to learn how to make money from these rich people because they're going to teach me while I take care of them. And ultimately, remember, we would see him on his infomercials. He'd be with a yacht. He'd be with these gorgeous, drop-dead uh, blondes. And he would say, you think these blondes like me? They don't like me. They like my money. Look at me. Would you like me if I didn't have any money? Of course not. 
They're here because I make money. Who is that man? It came from Vietnam, not two nickels to rub together, wash dishes, and said that if you want to learn how to make money, you gotta you gotta work for people who make money and learn from them. And he did. And he did exactly what Bishop Lamar Miller Whitehead never trusts anybody with three names did. In fact, I want to hear a little bit more about his real estate seminar, uh, Broadway Billy. Y'all see Whitehead Estates? Listen, I'm telling y'all, join my real estate class. It starts in February the 5th. I'm going to show you how to buy and flip, how to buy complexes, apartment complexes, renovating, and first and foremost, understand that God did it, not me. God did it, not him. Who did he take a page of overnight who used to do those infomercials from Vietnam was on that yacht of his? And said, you see all these beautiful, drop-dead, gorgeous, blonde-headed women? They, they would never be with me. Would you be with me if I didn't have money? Of course not. I'm just a skinny, balloony guy. I, I, I'm sort of like the Vietnam version of Pete Davidson. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC in order to win a Curtis Lee Booby Prize. And every time that Eric Adams hears, Bishop Lamar Miller Whitehead speak and understand. Yeah, he laughs. It's like, you suckers. This guy's a con artist. His very best friend is not only a hustler who's all blinged out, but he did five years of hard time for identity fraud and grand larceny. He stole $2 million. Now, you think he finished? And all of a sudden, he discovered God, and he's not up to hustling any anymore? Well, he had an emergency press conference um, earlier on Friday suggesting that a lot of people think uh, the way Dominic Carter has said it. When I uh, confronted Dominic Carter on Sunday night before I had to turn over the microphones of 50,000 powerful watts of sound to him, I said, what do you think, Dominic? He said, yeah, it's insurance fraud, I'm telling you. It's, he's trying to rip off the insurance company. Because the guy claimed when those three hood, hoods came in, you know, with the ski mask, who had been lollygagging around in a white Mercedes Benz right outside his church on Remsen Avenue for hours before the service, that was 11 o'clock last Sunday, that first they robbed $400,000 of his personal jewelry, his wife's jewelry, some of the congregation's jewelry. Then he claimed it was a million dollars, then it went back to $400,000. And Dominic Carter said, nah, man, insurance fraud. And I said, come on, he's a man of the cloth, Dominic. Let's, let's, let's give him a, a chance. You know, it's like in Canarsie, that's a rough area now, and apparently that white Mercedes was seen speeding down Avenue D right past all those chop shops into East Flatbush and Flatbush. But after that emergency press conference he had a few hours ago, in which he was asked questions by the press on, I understand you ripped off uh, a woman out in Long Island for $90,000, you know, one of your parishioners. She's suing you. You'll have to talk to my lawyers. All of a sudden, uh, he, he wasn't speaking in tongues. I can't believe that none of you remember that famous Vietnamese guy late at night. Man, he was on all the channels. Came to America, you know, on a Chinese junk. 
was part of the uh, South Vietnamese, the war against the North Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, um, Ho Chi Minh, fled first to Long Beach, where many of them fled, and then did a hop, skip, and a jump to Florida to Palm Beach because he said, I want I want to help uh, rich people. I want to work for rich people because I'll learn from rich people how to become rich. And he did. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Carol's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. Hi there, Curtis. You know who Pete Davidson reminds me of? Uh, remember uh, the actor? What the heck was his name? Uh, the one that was married to Elizabeth Taylor and Debbie Reynolds and all these beautiful women? That's who he reminds me of. Eddie Fisher? Eddie Fisher. Right. Yeah, in fact, uh, was that correct that uh, Elizabeth Taylor converted to the Jewish faith because of Eddie Fisher? uh, Uh, Yeah, something like that. But he was married to all these beautiful women, and I never got it. I never got it. The same thing with Pete Davidson. I I don't get why these women are interested in him. He had a pockmarked face. Uh, I think Eddie Fisher was ugly, but that's my opinion. I mean, I don't know. But, but he, remember, he had uh, talent to sing, whereas obviously Pete Davidson is a comedian <laughs> and now an actor. But uh, you mm-hmm. see, to me, he's a skinny Bellini. He's the kind of guy, you know, in class, mm. you would nunce him and bunce him. And, you know, he, he wouldn't do anything, you know, just skinny I, Bellini. I, I would have... I would have no interest in him whatsoever. But now and I'm not. I mean, I'm okay looking, but I'm not like great beauty like these women that these men were married to. Oh, he was also married to Connie Stevens yes. too, I believe. Yeah, Fisher, who was very upset uh, with uh, uh, with um, oh, because she said, "Man, you, you you stole my man, stole my man." She yeah. said that about Liz Taylor. Right. Yeah, you're right. right. Why was it that Eddie Fisher was so romantical? I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) And not only that, you know, he came out of a long line tradition of singers who came out of Philadelphia years ago. You know, Bobby Rydell, Fabian. Uh, They all came Mm -hmm. out of Philly. It was at at a time where uh, Paul Anker, they all came out of Philadelphia. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. And imagine you didn't—they didn't just fall in love with uh, uh, Eddie Fisher, who was a shorty, short guy. He was only like five five. But yeah, something like that. <laughs> they con- they converted to the Jewish faith, which is not easy to do. Not easy no. to do at all. You're right about that. Oh, I was born Catholic, so. I mean, I couldn't even think about converting mm. <laughs> the mm. Jewish man. Yeah, I'm telling Elizabeth you. Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor, I think, was uh, born um, Episcopalian, something like that. Yeah, Is Carol, the, the, you, you ask, yeah. you ask an extraordinarily great question. Why were all these women 
who had multiple boyfriends, obviously, that were desired by so many. Why would they have been enamored by Eddie Fisher? And why would they now presently be enamored by Pete, the uh, skinny Bellini Davidson? Now, uh, uh, forgive me, but I have to say that who knows? They might have big schlongs, you know, big hoses. You know, remember, I've always said, why is it that Milton Berle, who was the most popular TV host uh, when TV first emerged, he would always be dressed as a woman like a transvestite, you know, could have could have been uh, could have been reading, uh, you know, stories to kids in kindergarten uh, nowadays uh, as a drag queen. Uh, but a, a lot of people said to me, no, 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 Milton Berle, he, he was not a drag queen. He was not a transvestite. He had a big schlong. He was a real man's man. I said, what are you talking yeah, about? He, he was always dressed that. up as a woman. The guy was constantly, he probably lived in Lomans. <laughs> I don't even know that much about Lomans. Oh, that's where all the women went for the knockoff designer dresses. You know, you couldn't buy full price. You went to Lowman's. They used to have a great Lowman's up there near 236 in Broadway. You'd be going right on up uh, towards Westchester. Gone. Yeah. Gone. I believe they had a Lowman's. I think they had a Lowman's right near Lundy's, uh, right across the street, I think, uh, uh, if my memory is serving me correctly. Lundy's. Was that a restaurant? Or a- yeah, Lundy's. Oh, that was the biggest restaurant in the world at that time. Boy, they'd fill that place up Saturdays yeah. and Sundays. And uh, the guy was a crazy guy who ran it, uh, would hire yeah. mostly black waiters who had just come uh, back from prison. They'd wear these nice outfits. They had white clothes mm-hmm. on. And I think they would serve like 2,000 folks on a Sunday. In fact, uh, cousin Brucey, mm. Brucey oftentimes talks about it, how it was like a rite of passage to go to Lundy's yeah, if you lived in that part of Brooklyn. Yeah, right about that, Curtis. I've heard Cousin Brucey. And so the guy Lundy. the guy who owned Lundy's was an eccentric. Remember, if he had no money, he'd be a screwball crackpot crazy. But because he had a lot of money, he was an eccentric. He lived on a little house on top of Lundy's there in Chiefs Head Bay. Right near the Bell Parkway. You could see the Bell Parkway. He was a gay guy. And uh, so he had the chauffeur would take his Irish setters. He had 12 Irish setters. Once a week, they would go all the way up to, uh, I believe it was uh, the Catskills. They'd run around for the full day. They'd get back into the stretch limo. They'd come home. He kept the money because it was a cash and carry business. There were no credit cards at that time. And he, right. he was terrified uh, that the mob would try to rob him. So he, he hid all the money in the walls. And one time he thought that Carlo Gambino, who lived down the block, who was the head of organized crime, lived on Ocean Avenue, was coming for his money. He was imagining things. He took out his shotgun. He started shooting at cars at the Bell Parkway. So immediately the police surrounded Lundy's. Uh, they had to go in there, shoot him full of Thorazine, bring him out in a straitjacket. They took him to Kings County Hospital for oh observation, kept him there for about a week until all of a sudden he started recovering. Meantime, remember, the chauffeur knows everything. 
So the chauffeur seeing the cops and the meat wagon take him for a psychological observation, a psych observation at Kings County, uh, immediately went in, knew where all the money was hidden behind the walls of his house, took all the money, and then headed to Mexico City to Guadalajara, where he lived the rest of his life because there was no extradition treaty at that point. Oh, that's so ridiculous. And took really? all the money that was in the walls. Could have been hundreds and hundreds oh, of thousands of dollars. <laughs> it's crazy, Curtis. It's crazy. But you know something? Um, they have Irish setters. How many Irish setters can you have? I believe I, mean, I believe a dozen. Oh, that's insane. And that's totally insane. Uh my father worked in the school system in New Jersey and he knew uh Mrs. McNally was the secretary. She had one Irish setter named Tara. A beautiful dog. They are beautiful dogs. But why would you have that many of them? It's Ridiculous. Well, remember, Ridiculous. if he had no money, if he was just an average, everyday schlub, uh, we'd call him crazy, out of his mind, a crackpot schoolboy. But because he was a man of wealth and owned, at that mm-hmm. time, the world's largest restaurant, Lundy's, he yeah. was considered eccentric. Yeah. But you oh, see? I think, yeah, I mean, that's insane. It really is. Now you yeah, see all of this job. all of this conversation Carol came about as a result of trivia. Again, trivia questions yeah. aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's yeah. kind of over. But see, see, Frank Morano, he would never indulge in trivia and these kind of conversations, Carol. He no, he needs he Yeah, he needs to learn. He needs to learn that you, yeah. you you trigger off one response it leads to another response. It's like when you used to play pinball. You know how the pinball would go in all different directions. Yeah, but I do, oh, I do, I, I do appreciate how you were pointing out Pete Davidson versus Eddie oh, Fisher. Yes. Versus. I uh, them both yuckable. Yeah, well, look, look, did you see recently how yuckable. the actor Bradley Cooper had hooked up with uh, Anthony Weiner's former wife, Huma? Yeah, yeah. Then he had a birthday party for himself the other day. And he didn't even invite her. Mm. Yeah, you know what? Mm. I think that was a, a little. I think uh, that's over. Yeah, I think that was a little. You know, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna muscle in on Huma here. Uh, you know, I am Bradley Cooper. I'm not Anderson Cooper. I still can't get over the fact Anderson Cooper of CNN occasionally does bits on 60 Minutes. Wrote in his memoirs, he was nine years old. Friends of his mother, I forget her name, the Grand Dame. Took him to a Broadway uh, play, and he saw Richie Gere on stage, and at the age of nine, he realized at that point he's gay. Now, that wasn't Richard Gere with the Dalai Lama or the gerbils, either. Just in one of his plays that he was doing. Now, would that mean that Richard Gere is gay? I don't know. I'm just extrapolating. And how the hell did we go from Bradley Cooper who didn't have Huma at his birthday party, even though she was getting all dolled up in the New York Post the other day, getting new garments, new perfume. Who knows? Maybe that was a brief 
relationship where, hmm. Oh, that's right. He's playing Leonard Bernstein now in the uh, movies. Does that mean he's gay also like Leonard Bernstein? Hmm. You know how the actors say method acting, you got to keep it real. You got to feel the part. I'm wondering. Inquiring minds want to know. Well, he was hooked up with Lady Gaga, remember, in that picture? You know, Academy Award winning picture. They were supposed to be like two peas in a pot, a soup and a sandwich, a horse and a carriage. Remember, the whole idea was they were going to get married. He was cheating on his girlfriend at the time. Remember at the Academy Awards, he was all gaga goo goo with Lady Gaga, and his poor girlfriend was sitting like the famous actress. She was sitting there like crestfallen. You know, I think this guy, he enjoys doing this. Some guys out there, just to be able to say, I got it like that, that I can get somebody that's close to you, but I'm not really interested in that. Like that whole thing with Lady Gaga and the Academy Awards. Then after that Academy Awards, you never heard of him and Lady Gaga anymore, Thunder Thighs. I think he's doing the same thing now with... Uh, Anthony Weiner, my partner's former wife, Uma. Think I should ask him today in a few hours, like I did the last time when I boxed him in, remember, three to four, left versus right. Well, look, I got boxed in. I was supposed to play uh, with WABC versus the cops at Ferry Hawk Stadium there, North Shore, Staten Island, right next to the ferry. Originally, it was scheduled, what, like 5.30? You know, the game was going to be at 7, Ferry Hawks versus the Lancaster uh, team, which was consisted of Amish, you know. They had to put up barns during the day, bake cakes, sell them, and then they get into their horse whip uh, buggies and have those um, orange triangles in the back and make their way to the north shore of Staten Island to play the Ferry Hawks. Originally, we were supposed to play 5.30. Then all of a sudden, I get told today, oh, no, no. The WABC team is playing the cops at 4 o'clock at Ferry Hawk Stadium. How convenient the very time that I'm off. So I won't be able to get there in time to play and flex and prove that I'm number one, second to none. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Focus on Bishop Lamar, Miller Whitehead. Never trust anybody with three names. 
That's Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. The mayor has said he's my very dear friend, my very good brother. Continues to back him up. Although our own Dominic Carter, upon hearing of the so-called loss of a million dollars to the three armed robbers at his church in Canarsie last Sunday at 11.30, said, uh, hey, my feeling is it was staged for insurance. And uh, a number of people who have been uh, reaching out on social networking have also taken up the Dominic Carter position. You know, I wanted to give him a little slack. Being a pastor there in Canarsie, no easy task of late with all the armed robbery. But Dominic Carter looked at me and said, nah, stage for the insurance. Note about it. Then he had this emergency press conference just hours ago. And he was complaining that the media had painted him as a bling-bling bishop because of his race. Remember, when all other measures fail, use your complexion as your protection. Quote, here is the uh, Rolls Royce driving uh, pastor. He said, the media, for some reason, portrays black men as criminals. My church can't get no sympathy nor empathy. He told reporters he was prepared to answer any of their questions. But then when those same reporters pressed him on this lawsuit by one of his congregants, a woman who said, the reverend ripped me off for $90,000, he said, no, 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 I can't answer those questions. I'm deferring to my many lawyers. When asked about his relationship with Mayor Eric Adams, who he's been cozy with since Adams' past life, as Brooklyn Borough President, the pastor said he spoke Thursday with the mayor who just encouraged me to keep my head strong. Now remember, here's a guy that did five years upstate for grand larceny, identity theft, extortion. He ripped off $2 million from people. Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen, that he has found God and that we are stereotyping him, even though every time you see him, he's in his Rolls Royce, flashing his bling bling. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Carl, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carl. Curtis, nice to meet you again. Remember me? It's with the key. I was talking about Paul Savino earlier, too, just today. He was very nice. Now, hold uh, on. Hold on a second, oh, Carl. What makes you think I know who you are? You remember Carl with a K from northern New Jersey? Talking about they having your cake and eat it, too? You remember? Why do you think I would remember that, Carl? Hey, no, no big deal. I was talking about Paul Savino. No, no, no. The, the movie you were talking about when he was sunny. Come on, I know oh, the name. Oh, 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 okay. Let's get back on track because you want to win the Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. I'm sorry. I, that's I want what the I Sage and Levin taken out. Is that clear? I don't know, Sonny. I mean, an FBI agent. That could be a little tricky. Whoa! This guy is huge. Not him, you moron. The dog. Agent Levin is a dog. 
That's funny. <laughs> That's a good one, Sonny. That's a good one. You want we should whack a dog? <laughs> You two tubs of blubber think that's funny, huh? There's no reason to get personal, son. This is personal. And don't get no more personal. I want the dog dead. All right. All right, sonny. But, you know, we're pros. I mean, how are we going to hold our heads up in the community with people knowing that we're going around to put the whack on a pooch? I mean, we got an image. Let me put it this way. If the two of you don't whack this pooch... Then the two years are gonna get whacked. Okay. You're the boss. No problem. Do regular fees apply? Come on. What'd I say? Wow. So, Carl, what movie was that that Paul Savino oh, was man. in? I was I had to be 12 years old, and you triggered me. I've been on the phone since you mentioned it the first time. I got the C spot. Run. And that's that got to be sunny. That's the spot. That's the bull masters. You are. You couldn't be more hopelessly right. Absolutely, see spot and run. <laughs> oh man, you triggered me. Good job, man. I love you, man. Well, let me tell you something. My wife, who loves me, also has said, "Don't ever play that movie in our house because she can't believe they really tried to kill a dog." That's so funny. I, I have the same attitude in my home. It's strange. It's cool. All right. I love it. I'll well, I tell you what, uh, if I ever give up my wife, uh, you know, I'll love you too. You know, it's uh, might as well. You know, 72 different versions now that one can identify with gender-wise or sexual-wise. So we could be whatever we want at any, any given time of the day. Yeah, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. It depends. It depends on what kind of cake. My favorite cake is the cannoli cake that they used to keep in the icebox. Oh, uh, cannoli, of course, of course. The tiramisu, I must say. See, see, Carl, we, we have something in common here. You never know. That's right. And I got to tell you, the way it is now, these are the rules of the new generation. You are allowed, Carl, at any moment of a given day or time to identify as whatever you want to be, whatever gender, whatever your sexuality is, and we have to respect that, Carl. I appreciate your respect. No, no, I ain't respecting none of that crap. You're either (laughs) XX or XY. I still go with the flow, Kurt. I'm like, seriously, you don't start none, there won't be none. Meow. Exactly. So anyway, I want you to hold on the line, uh, Avery. Let's make sure we do due diligence with Carl. He nailed it. He nailed it. Oh, man. That was good. I want the Sage of Living taken out. Is that clear? I don't know, Sonny. I mean, an FBI agent. That could be a little tricky. Whoa! This guy is huge. Not him, you moron. The dog. Agent 11 is a dog. That's funny. That's a good one, Sonny. That's a good one. You want we should whack a dog? <laughs> you two tubs of blubber think that's funny, huh? There's no reason to get personal, Sonny. This is personal. And don't get no more personal. I want the dog dead. All right. All right, Sonny. But, you know, we're pros. I mean, how are we going to hold our heads up in the community 
with people knowing that we're going around to put the whack on a pooch. I mean, we got an image. Let me put it this way. If the two of you don't whack this pooch, then the two of you are going to get whacked. Okay. You're the boss. No problem. Do regular fees apply? Come on. What'd I say? That upset my wife, Nancy. He doesn't like hearing anything that's going to do harm to animals, whatever animals they happen to be. So I'm never going to be able to see that movie. Never going to be able to see that movie. Uh, Carl nailed it, though. He got it. And again, for all of those who uh, don't know, that was Paul Servino starring in C-Spot Run. But then there was that scene in Goodfellas. Now it reminds me. It almost could have been Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg. Bernard McGurk was holding down the fort here at WABC, producer for the Don Imus Show. And it was an attempt to uh, join Sid Rosenberg together with Bernard. It was successful. But there were questions about whether Sid Rosenberg was clean and would stay on the wagon instead of fall off the wagon. I could just have imagined. When I was lobbying then, our Capo di Tutti, Chad Lopez, our uh, president of WABC, to hire Sid Rosenberg and Bernard McGurk uh, for mid-mornings, right after Don Imus at the time, because Don Imus, even though these guys had been loyal to him, he wasn't loyal to them. He wanted Mike Lupica, the sports writer for the Daily News, who had failed as an ESPN reporter and wanted to do the program from his home in Connecticut and not from the studios here. I said, are you crazy? You can't do that. And luckily, everybody came to their senses. And listen to Chad Lopez, who um, had Sid Rosenberg signed on the dotted line to join Bernard McGurk first in mid-mornings and then eventually to replace Simons in the morning. This could well have been the conversation uh, that Bernard McGurk had with Sid when Sid came back from Florida. In this case, it would have been Bernard McGurk playing the role of Paul Sorvino, which was Paul Ivario or the Lucchese crime fact, uh, crime family, the couple, and uh, Henry Hill. Okay. I don't want any more of that. What are you talking about? Just stay away from the garbage, you know what I mean? Look, Paulie, I'm not talking mean? about what you did inside. You did what you had to do. I'm talking about now, from now, here, and now. Holly, why would I want to get into that? Don't make a I'm jerk not... out of me. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. I want to talk to you about Jimmy. you got to watch out for him. He's a good earner, but he's wild. Takes too many chances. No, I know that. I know Jimmy. You think I would take chances like Jimmy? And Tommy, he's a good kid, too, but he's crazy. He's a cowboy. He's got too much to prove. No, I know. you got to watch out for kids like this. Yeah, I know what they are. I only use them for certain things. Believe Listen, me, you don't have I to worry. I ain't going to get f***ed like Gribbs. You understand? Gribbs is 70 years old and the guy's going to die in prison. I don't need that. So I'm warning everybody. Everybody. Could be my son, could be anybody. Gribbs got 20 years just for saying hello to some who was sneaking behind his back selling junk. I don't need that. Ain't going to happen to me. You understand? Uh Uh-huh. You know that you're only out early because I got you a job. I don't need this heat. Understand that? Uh Uh-huh. And you see anybody, you're going to tell me, right? Yeah. That means anybody. All right. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I could have easily seen Bernard McGurk slap Sid Rosenberg and say, make sure you, you know, you're off that junk. I don't want that garbage here. 
Because that was the big fear, that he'd have a relapse. He didn't. And now then, the number one news talk radio program in mornings in America. That's a mighty achievement because it's like a relay race. They start off the day number one, and then the rest of us, we have the responsibility to catch the baton when it's our turn and continue to stay in that number one slot. Some do, some don't, but they get us off to a flying start. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I'm sure that's what Bishop Lamar Miller Whitehead was saying to himself. He goes, what do I need to worry that people think that this is all part of an insurance fraud scam, the setup of me being robbed in my church in Canarsie with my wife and the congregants to the tune of a million dollars in bling, and then he rolled it back to 400000 Just remember my very dear friend, my good brother, is Mayor Eric Adams. Who's giving him tactical air support? And maybe that's where the mayor sat in the pew of that uh, Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries Church, the church of what's happening now on Remsen Avenue in Canarsie, and came to this conclusion. Every skill I've ever acquired is coming to play Right now, <laughs> you know, I mean, from monkeypox to COVID uh, to, um, you know, asylum seekers, you know, this is, you know, this is a moment where leadership matters. Uh, I think the creator knew we were going to have a difficult time. So uh, she made sure I was mayor at this time. so let me get this straight god is a woman god chose him to be mayor at this time to lead us to the promised land maybe he's the black moses right and not a reporter asked him any questions about that when he made that statement at uh, harlem hospital just last sunday at a very serious press conference he was conducting about mental health and the problems that are afflicting a lot of our residents, both those who have homes to live in and those who live in the streets, the subways, and the parks. Not one of the 28 reporters who were there bothered to ask him about that. Meantime, as we're talking about the life and times of Paul Servino, art became life. 
when he was asked about Harvey Weinstein, he came about in the trial against him in which he was found guilty that he had sexually assaulted Paul Sorvino's daughter, the actress Mira Sorvino. It is reprehensible beyond description that women have been treated in this manner. You know, when you've had a phenomenal mother like I had, you are automatically a feminist. That's why I have this wonderful wife. The the reality is that um, anyone who takes advantage of women should be publicly strangled, and I'll... I'll, uh, I'll, I'll volunteer. Wow. Publicly strangled. This is when art becomes life. I need to hear that one more time because here it is. You have Paul Servino calling himself a feminist. But then basically acting as if he wanted to take piano wire in his hand and Garrett Harvey Weinstein. It is reprehensible beyond description that women have been treated in this manner. You know, when you've had a phenomenal mother like I had, you are automatically a feminist. That's why I have this wonderful wife. The the reality is that um, anyone who takes advantage of women should be publicly strangled, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll volunteer. I don't quite get that. He's a mamaluke like Frank Morano. He says he's a mama's boy. He says he's a feminist. Paul Savino's like 6'4", right? <laughs> Doesn't strike me as a feminist. But then the real Paul Savino emerges, the gangster. That what he would have done if he could, if Harvey Weinstein was on the lam, he would find his own Luca Brazzi, right? Remember Luca Brazzi going for the Godfather? But then the tables were turned. Remember, Luke Cabracci is sent by the Godfather to meet with Virgil Salazzo, you know, the cheech, the zip from Sicily. And they meet. And Luke Cabracci agrees he'll make $50,000 from Virgil and get a job. And then that cheech, that zip, never trusts a Siciliano. My grandfather, Fidelo Mianghino Bade, said, You don't trust the Cheeches and Zips, the Siciliano. They're not like us. I said, what do you mean, Grandpa? He said, no, cheat to cheat. Start to cheat, one yell. Just don't trust them. Because remember in The Godfather how all of a sudden Luca Brazzi is there and then Virgil Salazzo rams a knife into Luca Brazzi's hand, remember? Trapping him there at that bar. And then some guy comes up behind him in the shadows with a garret with the piano wire and strangles the life out of him. Is that is that what Paul Savino wanted to do to Harvey Weinstein? Hey, Harvey! Talk about Mamaluke. Harvey and his brother came out of Flushing. They were two Mamalukes. They were Mama's boys. See, it's clear. Mama had a big influence on them. I have a feeling the reason that Harvey Weinstein uh, turned out to be such a sex freak, weird, is that I think his mother, who had such a dominating effect on him and his brother, probably walked in on him uh, in his wayward youth when he was self-pleasurizing himself and made him feel like he was committing some kind of a, a sin against Hashem. And the guy was like turned into a 
freakazoid when it came to sex. I mean, you hear from time to time female actresses describing what his junk looked like, like chopped meat, like uh, he had something wrong with him. And he thought that his stuff was like top shelf, five star. And apparently uh, the actresses, uh, guys smelled like Pepe Le Pew. He smelled like a skunk. He had these blackheads all over his back. And when you looked at his three-piece set, it looked like chopped meat. And this guy actually thought that he was like a stallion. Boy, talk about theater of the mind. Harvey! He'll never see the light of day. Anyway, up next, oh, my trip to Brooklyn, then my trip to Staten Island. Then uh, how our intern was treated on National Intern Day, clipped with a $140 ticket so that some cop could meet his, uh, his quota. And then a woman, I've heard it from time to time on the 5 o'clock roundtable of John Katsimatidis, Kathy Wilde, who reminds me of Leona Helmsley. Remember how Leona Helmsley in her trial for tax evasion was quoted as saying, only little people pay taxes. The queen of me. She went to federal, federal prison. Well, Kathy Wilde reminds me of that up next. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Hold on. Hold on. I say, hold off, uh, Broadway Billy. That newscast by Frank Diaz. You know, I convinced management, owners and operators of Red Apple Media, John and Margot Katsimatidis, to allow me to give a fresh light some news at the top of the hour because it was all oldie moldy news. Everybody agreed. We came up with this. Now, I did this at 12 midnight right after Rita Cosby. I have not said the same story twice. It's all fresh news. Yet Frank Diaz, the news guy, I want you to listen to his same news that he said in the 12 o'clock hour, the 1 o'clock hour, the 2 o'clock hour, and now the 3 o'clock do they think I'm stunned? Do they think I'm stupid? Of course they do. These are hipsters and millennials. They take the easy way out. It's always whatever we can do to be slackers and deadbeats. I want you to listen. Did they think that I wouldn't hear that he's just recycling the same oldie moldy news over and over again? Thanks, Curtis. This is Frank Diaz from the Another Side of Midnight News Desk. Get a load of this story, Curtis. Well, Will Smith, again, apologized to Chris Rock for slapping him during the Oscar telecast, saying in an online video that his behavior was, quote, unacceptable. There is no part of me that thinks that was the right way to behave in that moment. Smith also apologized to Rock's family and especially his mother, Rosalie, and brother, Tony. Smith says he reached out to the comedian about the incident but was told Rock wasn't ready to talk. The head of Russia's space agency says the country has not set a date for pulling out of the International Space Station, noting that it would only do that after it puts its own space station in orbit. 
Roskomo's chief Yuri Borisov told President Vladimir Putin this week that a decision was made for Russia to leave the station after 2024 and to focus on building its own orbiting station. From the other side of midnight, news desk keeping you up late at night, I'm Frank Diaz. Maybe I'll have Frank Diaz leave this station. Maybe they suckered me. I mean, they rope-a-dope me. Oh, yeah, Curtis, uh, Chris Libertini, we have this brand-new open, you know, as uh, you come right into it, you give us the fresh slice of news that has just been happening uh, in the last news period so that we're coming to our many listeners who deserve fresh news. This way, they're not going off to uh, 1010 WINS or 880 WCBS, right? And I delivered on my end. Frank, Frank Diaz is doing the same two stories over and over and over again. <laughs> what can I do? You think, uh, you think I'm stewing out? You think I don't pick this up? He does the Will Smith story. Now, we're going to talk about the apology of Will Smith in the 4 o'clock hour. And then the Russian spy agency, which is like three days old. Uh, the Russian uh, space agency, excuse me. It's like three days old. So I want you to take note of this, uh, how, again, we're getting the rope-a-dope done to us here. Uh, Broadway Bill Lee, our... our, uh, our uh, Director of Operations having to do with technology because we're getting screwed over by, uh, first, the Frank Morano crew who uh, Matt Blaze messed with the discronificator right out of the box because, you know, Frank Morano wanted, like, 29 different people to substitute for him. Uh, he's away this coming week. I have no idea what he's up to. He gives a list of, like, 29 suggestions. People of totally no consequence. People who haven't done high school or college radio. So, you know, he's he's so insecure, he's so neurotic, like so many other talk show hosts and hostesses who feel that whenever they're away, you know, because they won't let him do the best of, which is really the worst of, let's get a substitute who is so non-performing that when I get back from whatever it was I was doing, people are going to say, oh, such a relief to have you. The person that you left here was just so lame. Yeah, yeah, this, this has happened here with uh, Bill O'Reilly, you know, uh, this past week. Uh, this guy doing the 15 minutes from 12 to 12.15 before I come on with my 45-minute uh, lunch break. Oh, my God. Hard. Some guy from San Diego. My God. I want to impale myself listening to this guy. He's like a hee-haw guy. And then Brian Kilmeade on Wednesday had a substitute, which he does from time to time. He works many, many different shifts. I get it. But management and our owners uh, did the right thing. They said, no, 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 you ain't you ain't putting off one of these uh, junior college uh, so-called uh, self-appointed radio show hosts to substitutes for you, who every five seconds is telling you who they are, what station they broadcast on, and how great they are, as, as if it's an infomercial for two hours about themselves. So they cut him off. He cut Brian Kilmeade off at the pass and the Fox News radio channel. And he put on Dominic Carter for two hours Wednesday morning, 10 to 12. What a relief. Oh, oh, it's like when you take Alka-Seltzer. Oh, what a relief it is. Well, what a relief it was to hear Dominic Carter talking about news that was relevant and not listening to some cockamamie guy who, uh, oh, I'm on uh, W-O-I-D in the middle of uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah, and this is what I talk about every day. Who cares? 
got to really smack these guys around because they're so insecure. They have, and you, you've seen this before. You've seen this before on talk radio. If they can take the easy route, like Frank Diaz, right, the same oldie moldy story. Do we have to hear that? In the next hour, don't even play it. Uh, Thanks, Curtis. This is Frank Diaz from the Another Side of Midnight. Yeah, shut up. The next. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, I'm going to hit this guy so hard his mother's going to feel the vibration. Thanks, Curtis. Can you imagine this guy? He does the same two stories over and over and over, and he doesn't. He doesn't figure. Now I'm going to figure it out. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, thank you for nothing. I might as well do the whole news. What, what what are these hipsters and millennials? You see, they think us baby boomers, like, we pay the bills, right? We do all of that. But you know nothing about nothing. We'll just do the same freaking two stories over and over and over. Tomorrow night, right, when I come back, so nice they make, you know, I'm going to do it twice from 12 to 6. I keep you up to the break of dawn. I'll bet you to be the same freaking two stories over and over, over my dead body. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, thanks. Huh? I'll give you thanks. When you go to the bathroom here, there won't be no toilet paper for you, pal. Thanks, Curtis. <laughs> I can't believe this. Spend a whole week on this. Chris Libertini, the voice of WAB. Oh, we got a brand new open. You're going to do the, 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 the first story, the fresh lights like you talk about. It. Yeah. And then Frank Diaz is going to follow you with two stories. It's the same two freaking stories. And these guys get paid? And then, remember, I was supposed to play with the WABC softball team today at Ferry Hawk Stadium. It was supposed to be 5.30, which would have given me plenty of time to finish uh, left-right with Anthony Weiner from 3 to 4, and then I could have made it out in time. Then they switched it. Oh, no, we're playing at 4 o'clock. You know why? Because, again, they're neurotic, they're insecure, and they don't want me to show them up. These guys don't even know how to bunt a softball. We could throw them a 13-inch clincher. We could throw them a beach ball. They couldn't hit that. If we gave them a cricket bat. Ah, they don't want Curtis out there styling and profiling. So they set it up at 4 o'clock today. Can you Warm-up is 4 to 4.30. Game is 4.30, probably to 5.30. I'd be arriving right at the end of the game. And that's the way they want it. Meantime, the main game is between the Staten Island Ferry Hawks and the uh, Lancaster, uh, what do we call them, log jumpers or barn burners or <laughs> I forget their name. All I know is it's an Amish team. They put up the barns on Saturday. The women sell the cakes, and then they all come uh, in the uh, horse and buggy, you know, with a little whip and the orange triangle on the back, and they're going to make their way to the North Shore of Staten Island to play the Ferry Hawks. By the way, Ferry Hawks have the only women in all of Major League Baseball who pitches and also plays outfield. Wow, man, really got me upset. <laughs> thanks, Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, huh? And you know what he tells me, Frank? Frank Diaz, right? Thanks. Hey, hey, you know that case uh, where they found the guy in Dyker Heights, you know, the other day, the Guarino guy from Howard Beach. Uh, he was missing since Sunday night. 
They found them in that alleyway near Fort Hamilton Parkway and I think 72nd. Hey, you know, a lot of people, you know, are very concerned. Sounds like straight out of Goodfellas, right? Guy's Howard Beach, construction worker, living with his girlfriend. He's got a pit bull. All of a sudden, he disappears. This guy is seen on the video camera wheeling him in to the alleyway of these these two old-timers who own the house. They haven't been seen in a month of Sundays. And then he dumps them there with a yellow hood over his head. Now, that's clearly a message. They find him at 1130 in the morning, right off of Fort Hamilton Parkway in 72nd. Hey, that's a message, right? They say, oh, uh, you know, he wasn't whacked. Well, wait, you don't even know why the hell he was laid out in that job. And here's Frank Diaz. Oh, you know, there's a lot of social networking. Did he include that as one of his stories? God. You got all these hipsters and millennials around here now. I want to strangle them all. I want to do what Paul Savino wants to do to Harvey Weinstein. I'm going to... Okay. I don't want any more of that What are you talking about? Just stay away from the garbage, you know what I mean? What, Paulie? I'm not talking you? about what you did inside. You did what you had to do. I'm talking about now. From now, here, and now. Paulie, why would I want to get into that? Don't make a I'm jerk not... out of me. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. I want to talk to you about Jimmy. you got to watch out for him. He's a good earner. But he's wild. Takes too many chances. No, I know that. I know Jimmy. You think I would take chances like Jimmy? And Tommy, he's a good kid, too. But he's crazy. He's a cowboy. He's got too much to prove. No, I know. You better watch out for kids like this. Yeah, I know what they are. I only use them for certain things. Believe Listen, me, you don't have I to worry. I ain't going to your f- like Gribbs. You understand? Gribbs is 70 years old and the f- guy's going to die in prison. I don't need that. So I'm warning everybody. Everybody. Could be my son, could be anybody. Gribbs got 20 years just for saying hello to some f- who was sneaking behind his back selling junk. I don't need that. Ain't gonna happen to me. You understand? Uh-huh. You know that you're only out early because I got you a job. Yeah. And I don't need this heat. Understand that? Uh-huh. And you see anybody f- what you're gonna tell me, right? Yeah. That means anybody. Alright. Yeah? yeah? Thanks, Curtis. Uh, this is Frank. They're all using drugs here. Probably using Molly, ecstasy, doing lines of cocaine. Oh, yeah, they're definitely vaping up. Woo! You know what time it is. Damn right I know what time it is. It's going to be a hell of a price to pay. Boy, they bamboozled me. Oh, don't worry. We have an opening. Oh, yeah, you could get fresh news. I deliver on mine. My slice is not a bum slice. It's a fresh slice. This Frank Diaz gives me two bum slices an hour. God. Our numbers one. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> what can you do? Anyway, please, I need a little music here, uh, Maestro. I need a little Billy Idol here, a little White Wedding. See if you can tune it up, Maestro.
You know, every time I hear this Billy Idol song, White Wedding, I think of all those shotgun weddings that took place when I was growing up. All of a sudden, a guy I knew, you know, didn't use the Jimmy Cap, didn't use protection. Next thing you know, he's walking down the aisle. The old man of the girl that he uh, knocked up and got pregnant, shotgun to his head, the old-fashioned shotgun wedding. You don't really hear that term anymore, do you? Oh, this is a perfect lead-in. Keep that right underneath there, a little low, a little on the low side, Broadway, Bill Lee. Because um, I did a hop, skip, and a jump. It was Thursday from Manhattan to Brooklyn to Staten Island. Almost all of it on mass transit. Left here at WABC in the afternoon at about mm, 3.30. Jumped on the number four train. The Muggers Express took it down to Atlantic Barkley and ran into a homeless guy who had like half the world in that car. Yeah, like like the getting rid of the homeless people and all the uh, clutter that they have with them. Not. Had a long conversation with him. People were running from the car because he was having a psychotic disorder. And uh, I calmed him down. Gave him a few bucks, told him get something to eat because he was definitely uh, malnourished. And most importantly, I told him, man, you got to get some water, man. You're dehydrating. He was wearing this big overcoat, had all kinds of cloth around his head, a schmata. The guy was schwitzing. That's just going to drive him more out of his mind. Hey, by the way, no mental health care experts on that train, that's for sure, because everybody else was running for the hills. So Atlanta Barkley, I switch off to the R train. The longest wait and the longest ride of any subway line in uh, the four boroughs of the city of New York, and I don't include Staten Island Rapid Transit, their subway uh, line that takes you to the ferry all the way from Tottenville. No, no, no. But the R train, it is umiserable. The people of Bay Ridge, the people of Sunset Park, the people who are serviced by the R train, man, it is like they are getting screwed. So I took it to 77th Street, and I walk up to Calvin Funeral Home. Place was packed. People going around the block. It's like 4.30 in the afternoon now. And they were there to see Michael Long, who for years had been the leader of the New York State Conservative Party. But he's a guy who wasn't a man of the streets. He was a man of the streets. And I was talking with a lot of people who knew a lot about Michael Long and his family. And let me tell you, when you saw the family photographs of Michael Long and his uh, wife, who I've known for, oh, for so many years, so many years, Eileen, and the pictures of their children and the grandchildren and great-grandchildren, I think it was taken on the porch of their summer home in the Irish Riviera in Breezy Point, all of them wearing med card. I said, these are people who don't believe in birth control. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah, raw. White wedding. They all end up with white weddings because a guy like Michael Long, you're pregnant, shotgun wedding. And there's no other, no other discussions along the way. But he was a man's man, an honorable man, a man who knew about the streets. 
And I heard everybody this week talking about Michael Long, the passing of Mike Long at 82. I even read this piece, uh, I think it was the New York Post, by 1% George Marlin. Guy would wear a bow tie, you know, and never trusted anybody wearing a bow tie. Not Scooby Farrakhan, not George Will, not Pee Wee Herman, and certainly not 1% George Marlin. Why do I call him uh, 1%? Because Michael Long would not endorse my Kumbadicic Rudy Giuliani either the first time he ran against uh, David Dinkins or the second time. Because Rudy also had the Liberal Party line of Ray Harding. And Rudy was a moderate at that time. He was uh, pro-choice, in favor of gun control. Michael Long clearly was an ideological conservative right on down the line and said, no. If you're not ideologically married uh, to the conservative party principles, we're going with a different candidate. And he did, both times. But the second time, Rudy barely won by 50,000 votes only because of the surge of additional voters on Staten Island because of the the secession issue uh, launched by then-borough president Guy Molinari, the former congressman. I remember I was right there at Fort Wadsworth. When Guy pulled that cannon, fired that cannonball, I said, Guy, if if you hit the Verrazano Bridge, the plank, how else are people going to get to Staten Island from Brooklyn where they're escaping? But he missed the Verrazano Bridge, but the war was on for secession, and uh, it became a ballot initiative, and it really drew out many more people from Staten Island who might not normally have voted, and they voted, thank God, for Rudy Giuliani, and that made all the difference in the world. But George 1% Marlin, by the way, he calls himself George J. Marlin. Never trust people who have to have, you know, like, it'd be like Curtis A. Sliwa, right? My middle name is Anthony. That's why my oldest son's name is Anthony. But you don't see me walking around saying, oh, my name is Curtis A. Sliwa. When a guy tells you, oh, it's George J. Marlin, look out, because that's like three names. Remember, I told you, don't trust anybody with three names. George J. Marlin, 1%. If he had gotten 2% of the vote, Rudy would not have become mayor in 1992. And we would have been stuck with four more years of David Dinkins! So let me start again in talking about Mike Long. Well, I never saw a war bow tie other than if uh, he had to wear... Uh, penguin suit, you know, like you do tuxedos. So people were telling me all about Michael Long, the life and times, and I've known about Michael Long, knew him, knew him going back to City Line Avenue in East New York. He had an ice cream shop with his brother. And they're telling me all the stories, and all of the stories uh, were great stories about Michael Long and his brother and the family. And it's interesting because I mentioned to them, I said, but probably the best thing about Michael Long is In 1972, it was a snowy day. He got into a fender bender right on City Line Avenue, which is right down from Franklin K. Lane High School. You know, Franklin K. Lane, the acronym, Fun Kicks, Laughs, and No Education. Rough school and rougher now. And it was a mobbed-up area of Goodfellas. You know, maybe if you were Harry Houdini, we were buried up there in the Highland Cemetery right above uh, Franklin K. Lane. You could avoid them. But if you had a business there, you couldn't avoid the wise guys. So he gets into a fender bender with the good fellas, and they shoot him. They shoot Michael Long. 
He survives, luckily. I mean, he was a United States Marine in the late 50s, early 60s. He survived all that only to get shot in East New York along City Line Avenue. And he had to continue to do business there. He became president of the Cypress Hills Businessmen's Association, a school board member, officer of several civic groups, and chairman of the Committee to Restore Respect, Honor, and Dignity to Police Officers. And, in fact, was researching who it was that killed that teacher in the stairwell at Franklin K. Lane High School during the racial riots. I cannot remember the name of that teacher. I'm sure some of you are graduates, alumni of Franklin K. Lane High School. You can remember who was that white teacher who was killed in the stairwell in the midst of the racial riots right there along City Line Avenue involving students from Franklin K. Lane. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I remember he served in city council. He was an at-large member when they still had that, representing all of Brooklyn. About 81, 83, and then he had to run for the regular seat representing Bay Ridge and uh, uh, I believe it was Dyker Heights at the time. And he lost to Sal Albanese in one of the great political battles of, uh, of really of all time involving city council. I mean, that was a, a great battle. And then he almost became, he almost made the state conservative party the number two party in terms of registered voters. And on uh, line uh, on the uh, ballot line access, number two only to the Democrats, they would have superseded the Republicans because he had actually endorsed for governor in a race that involved uh, Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo. I believe it was, and Pierre Renfrey, a person of no consequence, a Republican. I mean, oh, my God, Pierre Renfrey, the worst. So instead... Uh, since uh, Pierre Renfrey was not married to the platform of the Conservative Party. Michael Long and his committee picked Herb London, who was the uh, professor at NYU. He ran on the Conservative line, and Herb London rocked the political establishment by drawing 827,000 votes, coming within about 40,000 votes of outpolling the Republican Pierre Renfrey. Maybe the worst run of any Republican for governor in the history of those races between Democrats and Republicans. But that was the story that I told. And that's the story I most remember about all the many times that I dealt with Michael Long, the uh, state conservative party chairman in New York. There were times I agreed with him, times I disagreed with him. Definitely about not supporting Rudy. But ideologically, they didn't make the match. So I get it. But boy, with George Marlin, George J. Marlin, 1% Marlin. In fact, I remember they had a debate. George J. Marlin up there with his stupid bow tie versus then Mayor David Dinkins on the stage of St. Francis College, downtown Brooklyn. Rudy did not attend that debate. And George Marlin pulled out a rubber chicken and claimed that Rudy Giuliani was guilty of choking the chicken. I don't even think he understood what that term meant. But he was choking the chicken on the stage. Oh, I hate, I love, I despise George J. Marlin. And then I think Pataki made him the head of the Port Authority, and he did a lousy job. You know, the Port Authority, it's a... Um, 
separation of you appoint your sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys, your cronies. Uh, New York gets to appoint some through the governor. New Jersey gets to appoint some. And it's just one big corrupt organization filled with cronies. And I think uh, George J. Marlin lasted all of one year there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Oh, wow, we got a lot of people here still wanting to answer the trivia calls. Let's let's see if they're spot on or if we've already answered the trivia. Because, you know, Frank Morano, he believes that trivia does not lead to further discussion. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But Well, get ready, Frank. I'm going to be doing it all weekend, uh, all week long as I substitute for you Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, which will add on to the number of hours analytically that will enable me to pass you by and become the ratings leader here at WABC by September 4th. You will regret taking off. Remember, I believe there will be plenty of time to sleep when I'm dead. And just remember Wally Pipp. He sat out one day with a migraine headache. They brought in somebody from Columbia University. His name was Lou Gehrig. Uh, He became the Iron Man. You never heard of Wally Pipp again. You know, it's funny. There's no evidence to support Curtis's version of Frank Morano. It was up to me. Nobody takes vacations. That's it. No best of, which is only worst of. We get paid more money than anybody else out there who busts their chops uh, in their backside ten times more than we do. Uh, some people would say it's hard work. No way. Are you kidding? This is not hard work. As much as many of our hosts and hosts oh, I work so hard. Well, you want to work hard? Go lay some asphalt in the street when it's 110 degrees in the sweltering heat. By the way, they don't even do that now. That's another pet peeve. They grind the street, right? They scrape the street when they're going to put new asphalt down, and they leave it like that for, like, days and weeks. And then your car, all of a sudden, you hit it, right? There's all kinds of potholes, and your undercarriage is shot. You blow out tires and rims. You need new shocks. How the hell is it that the Department of... um, Trying to remember what it was. Department of Transportation years ago when it was all Italians. Yeah, all Italians in that. And I tell you a story, St. Patrick's Day, you know, they'd be painting the the line uh, for the annual St. Patrick's Day parade up Fifth Avenue. And since they were all Italians, Department of Transportation, they painted the line not green but orange. As an oofah to the Irish cops. But I digress. Anyway, you scrape the asphalt, right? You scrape the top coat of asphalt off. I get that. It's got to be replaced. But you should lay the next coat of asphalt down within 24 hours. Not 24 freaking days. Do you think maybe they got an agreement with all the fender bender shops and all the chop shops and all the mechanics that, hey, we'll leave it that way, and then you throw us like 10% of what you get? And if I were man, forget about that. I'd be all over him. I'd say, oh, you scraped the asphalt? You better be freaking pouring that asphalt within 24 hours. I don't care if it's 120 degrees in the shade. All the time. And then all of a sudden, if they don't lay it right, the asphalt, the water goes right underneath it and cracks the asphalt. You don't think I know that? I'm part Italian, part bodies. Had ice cubes in my pocket being about age, but there's one thing Italians know, whether it was in Mount Vernon, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, is how to lay asphalt. 
pissed. Third Avenue now. It's like a, an obstacle course. You see all these blown-out rims and tires and cars on the roadside. It looks like, uh, you know, Russia's just bombed one of the roads leading into Kiev. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Hank, who's calling from Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Hank. Hey, good morning, uh, Curtis. This is the first time I heard about uh, Frank taking a big vacation and you moving in. He is going to regret that, Hank. He will regret that. I will. I, I am like the Pac-Man. I eat up the real estate here at WABC. The more you offer me, the more I take, Hank. Kind of like a great white, huh, Curtis? Damn right, a great white. By the way, where do you live in Massachusetts, Hank? I thought you might ask that. Um, by the way, I've been iced on the phone, but I'm glad I, I hung in. Finally, my number came up. Um, I'm in New Bedford, the uh, whaling city. Oh, New Bedford, next to Fall River. Right. With all the Portuguese. You got it. And those from the Cape Verdean Islands. Absolutely. Let me tell you something, Hank. I saw that story the other day outside of Plymouth Rock, the big whale that came out of the ocean and knocked into that boat and almost sunk that boat. Did you see that, Hank? Absolutely, yeah. I I have a little mailing list, and I uh, sent out um, still pictures. But now there's there's actually a movie that surfaced. Maybe you've seen that. Which one is that, Hank? Uh, the the movie actually shows the whole incident of the whale coming down, knocking the the 19-foot bow, which looked like a pretty solid one for quite a loop. You and, know, I, uh, I, I was so happy. Down. I was so happy for that because uh, the whales really need to have revenge. In fact, uh, within 24 hours, we're going to do a retrospective on Moby Dick. Did you ever see that great movie with Gregory Peck? playing Captain Ahab? Yes. Uh, actually, the world premiere was just a few blocks um, at, at one of our surviving theaters, Was uh, and Gregory Peck uh, came to town. Wow. And I'm thinking back, New so, Bedford, yeah. Fall River back then, in addition to not only all the whaling and all the fishermen, the Portuguese, the Cape Verdeans, you also were the shoemaking capital of the world out there. I think that was a little more uh, Brockton, uh, Curtis. Oh, Brockton. Oh, yeah. Brockton, where Rocky Marciano came from, and Marvin Hagler. <laughs> oh, God. You see, now I'm, 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 I'm encased in Massachusetts law, but I want to tell you, as a little boy, my mother and father on vacation, uh, my father was a merchant seaman, so he oftentimes sailed, uh, sailed right into the port of Boston there. Uh, I think not far from Charlestown, or might have been near there. But anyway, the point being is we were going up to Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. My cousin Jimmy Lonico had just bought the Plymouth Rock Summer Stock Theater. It was completely devastated. Bats, uh, rats, uh, it had all kinds of uh, uh, spiders and spider webs, and it hadn't been used in like 40 years. He looked at this, and he thought it was great. And my father and mother said, man, we're going to have to clean this up if he's actually going to put on summer stock productions. But they said, before we begin this massive cleaning project, let's go into the town of Plymouth and go see the Plymouth Rock. And I was all excited because I was expecting to see the Rock of Gibraltar 
And then when we went into the beach, we saw this little pebble that had these iron bars around it. <laughs> Hank, it was a little pebble. I needed an electron microscope to see it. And I said to the state trooper, the Massachusetts state trooper that was there to guard the pebble, I said, you're kidding. This is the Plymouth Rock. He said, yes, this is the Plymouth Rock. This is what the Mayflower crashed into when they came from England and they landed on you. I said, you're pulling my chain. <laughs> this is a little pebble. What happened to the big rock at Gibraltar? Hey, a little bit of a con going on, I guess. Yeah, you're damn right, Hank. <laughs> and then the flags, they had the American flags in town. It was very patriotic. I, I liked Plymouth Rock. But I really, I got jaundiced, you know, to that whole uh, that whole little pebble. And then through Cape Cod, you know, they had the little summer bungalows. And so my mother would be giving out free tickets, you know, to entice people to come to the summer stock productions. And I was in the very first one when we finally cleaned up and rehabbed that Plymouth Rock Theater for Jimmy Lonegro and all the young men and women who were coming there as uh Thesbians and actors and actresses. And do you know that I was in the first production of Helen Keller? And I was one of the little kids with my little sister Maria with the with the circled uh um uh circle uh, cutting out the uh the uh the the, the oh what was that colored paper, right? With the circled scissors cutting out the little figurines, and that was my big part. And they've never gotten me off the stage since, Hank. I didn't have a talking role. I was just cutting out these paper figurines with these circular uh, scissors so we wouldn't cut ourselves. <laughs> Excuse me, Chris. I was concerned about I might not be able to keep up a conversation with you, but you're such a good conversationalist. There's one little thing that you, you reminded me of when you're talking about that uh, tourist attraction of the Plymouth Rock. Mm. Um Real quick, there's kind of a New York City connection to this, so you, you might want to actually pursue it on the Internet a little little further. Um, the state ship of Massachusetts is now um, a wooden boat that used to go to the Arctic, and it was um, at one time run by a guy in New York City, the captain, and he would actually take rich people's kids on board this boat, probably for um, at least a month, and and go to technically the southern reaches of the Arctic Circle, you know, towards the North Pole. Sure. And um, I I can't think of the guy's name, but he, the the name of the boat is Ernestina. That was originally um, another name, but that's the that's the kind of Cape Verdean attribute. Attributed name that, that it goes by. Now, Hank, did uh, they preserve the boat? Is the boat on view anywhere? Not only is it preserved, but it's being worked over seriously in Maine, and it's due back in New Bedford, uh, maybe in a few weeks, maybe in a few months. It should have actually, if it weren't for the uh, pandemic, it would be here already. Hank, but that stalled everything. Never trust. I'm telling you. Remember what is the one of the great. Uh, edifices, uh, one of the great masterful engineering accomplishments in the city of London. Remember the London Bridge? London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. You remember that nursery rhyme, right, yep. Hank? Yep. Do you know where the London Bridge is now? It's some kind of, uh, I, oh, I think I think it's like in San Diego or something. 
It's in the middle of a desert outside of Phoenix that almost nobody can find. Some gazillionaire bought it, and the Brits gave up this iconic London Bridge, and it's out there in the middle of a desert, supposedly it's a tourist attraction. Hank, I'm telling you, don't trust those moose heads in Maine. Because what do they got there? Think of it. What do they got in Maine? They got paper pulp plants. When you smell that, it smells like rotten eggs. They got moose. They got elk. And they got ugats. They got nothing more in Maine. They will take that boat. They will seize it. They will requisition it. You will never see that boat back in New Bedford again in your entire life. Uh, when it, if it if it does get back, it, it's actually going to be fit to uh, take people out on the water. So that's the big idea of the big overhaul in Maine. How old are you, Hank? I just turned seventy-four, Curtis. Wow, you sound young for seventy-four. Do you remember? Do you remember Senator Muskie of Maine, who was running for the presidency of the United States in the Democratic primary? Remember, Senator Absolutely, Muskie? Sure. Remember how he broke down and was crying like a mameluke, crying? Yes. And you know, just in the news because there was some explanation about there was some kind of provocation that uh, went on, some harassment. Not only that, uh, they think that the CIA criminals in action, you know, the the government uh, within the government put some uh, LSD in a glass of water he had which caused him to start tripping and having flashbacks and crying. The moment he started crying, Hank, the moment the tears started rolling, that was it for his presidential ambitions. Because remember, you don't cry in baseball. You don't cry in politics. Hank. Yeah, that was was the kiss of death. Hank, I'm warning you, Hank. I'm warning you over and over. I can't warm you up. Keep Hank on the line. Hank, in honor of your 74 years on this plane, you got me beat by six. Avery, you make sure you do due diligence, because if not, Hank is going to be styling and profiling a Boston Red Sox cap. So we give him a replacement, because, you know, I hate, I loathe the Red Sox. I love the Toronto Blue Jays the other day. I think they beat them like 28-6 in Fenway Park. Immediately send Hank uh, Avery... Curtis Lee will booby prize the WABC hat with the Curtis Lee will show on it so he can style it and profile it amongst the Cape Verdeans and the Portuguese in New Bedford and Fall River, Massachusetts. I've spent some time there, yes. And I know those lobster heads in Maine, they're not going to return that ship. Now, the Bush family will probably requisition it right there in Kenny Bunkport. I don't trust those lobster heads in Maine. And especially if you go further up near the Canadian border, you don't know if they're French Canadians, Quebecois, or if they're Americans. Hmm. Inquiring minds want to know. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa.
Oh, nobody pays their fare on the bus anymore. Nobody. 30% of the people riding the MTA money-taking uh, buses don't pay the fare. I saw it firsthand after leaving the uh, wake of Michael Long in Bay Ridge. Went up to 86 and 4th Avenue to catch the S79 bus over the plank, the Verrazano Bridge, on the way to the Staten Island Mall. So as I'm standing there on the corner, half the people didn't pay their fare. Half the people. Now, I was a little angry to begin with because I had just walked past Sophia's and Bushy's. Right there on 85th Street and 3rd Avenue, Gambino Land, right? And they were giving me the finger. You know, the Gambino finger of fate. And I was saying, really? You want to you wanna set it off right here? I'm ready. I'm always ready for those guys. So I said to myself, I said to the bus driver, so I got on. I paid my fare. How often does this happen? He said, man, it's every day, and I can't do nothing to stop it. I said, really? Half the people coming on this bus going over the Staten Island Bridge don't pay their fare. And so then we hit Highland Boulevard, Highland Midland. And I see, I saw a bunch of Jadrules get on the back, black, white, Hispanic. Some of these Italian guys looked like they were from Jersey Shore. And they were going to the Staten Island Mall, and they were like raising a ruckus. So I told the bus driver, I said, I didn't realize you can't do anything, you're impotent. But if you don't mind, I'm going to go back and straighten them out. He go, oh, curse, please don't, don't, don't make any trouble for me. Hey, they're troublemakers, not me. So I go back to these uh, Jadrules. And I say, oh, you're on your way to the Staten Island Mall. Yeah, what's it to you? Oh, what's it to me? I got a migraine headache, and I'm tired of hearing you guys screaming and yelling and hollering. So the young guys, oh, yeah, yeah, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And then the two of the older ones say, man, that's OG, man. You don't want to mess with that guy. That is a psychotic white boy. And so all of a sudden, they took a chill pill. Because I told them, look, by the time we get to Highland... And uh, New Dorp Lane, if I got to keep hearing you nattering back there, I'm going to kick your ass off the bus. Oh, no problem, Mr. Sleever, no problem. Then I got off there, and I had to go the rest of the way to Richmond Road, the Staten Island GOP headquarters, where I was anointed the uh, GOP candidate from Staten Island to run for mayor to speak for Sam Pirozzolo. Great guy running for assembly to replace uh, Cusack, who is retired. But anyway, uh, I wasn't going to catch a bus the rest of the way. I knew if I stood right on that corner, people would stand there. Yo, Curtis, what's up? I need a ride. Where are you going to? I mean, it's like they're Uber people, right? And Veronica Trout and her husband, she was from Canarsie originally. It took me right up off the corner. I didn't see any wild turkeys there like I usually do. No, 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 not the drink. Wild Turkey, uh, Bill, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, I know, you used to like to knock back a little Wild Turkey back then and took me right where I had to go. It was great. It was great. But, you know, it reminded me that was National Intern Day. You know what happened to our intern, Emily, on her last day of working here at WABC with us uh, in fact, Greg Kelly interviewed it. Listen to this horror story she tells of how a cop made his quota on her. Oh, speaking of which, I understand you had a run-in with a cop today. I did. What happened? I was 10 minutes away, uh, West 30th Street. Yeah. I was in the taxi. I was at a red light. 
police officer was walking by. He came up to the car. He told me to roll down my window. I rolled down my window. He goes, I need to see your license. I asked why. He goes, you don't have your seatbelt on. You're over 16. He proceeded to walk to his car. I was sitting there for about 10 to 15 minutes. He came back, handed me my license. He goes, here's your ticket. How much? $140. Do you believe that? Not having your seatbelt on in the back of a yellow cab. The cab driver didn't even know that was the rule. This is simply the pressure being put on cops to meet their quotas. Every year, a billion dollars of tickets is written into the budget, and they have to be written up each and every month to make their quota allotment. Now, they say it's a performance goal. Every mayor I've ever known in my lifetime has lied about there being a quota. Everyone. Oh, no, it's just a performance goal. It's a quota. Can you imagine this intern is going to have to pay $140 so this copper can meet its quota? Man, these quotas have got to stop. The quotas have got to stop. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Yeah, I feel like Christopher Walken now. Famous bit on Saturday Night Live where they kept doing it over and over and over again. Don't fear the reaper. But as I was taking that bus down Highland Boulevard, I was also looking at all the speed cameras there and in other places that I had seen in Woodhaven Boulevard, Cross Bay Boulevard. And you know, by uh, Monday... Just at 12 midnight when I finished the animal welfare hour with my uh, beautiful wife, Nancy, the animal rescuer. And Dominic Carter is the, the buffer. Not to Frank Morano, because as soon as he finishes his hour, Broadway Bill Lee, I'm coming back to do the next four. That's right. I'm like a Pac-Man eating up the real estate here at WABC. Stay out of my way. But in looking at those speed cameras, I noticed... That there are 2,000 now, many of them brand new, put in by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. And if you have a GPS with the Wave, the old one, they have the uh, speed cameras in that warn you. You know, danger, danger, 500 feet ahead speed camera. Now, the new ones, you're driving and you're looking to the right to see if you see the speed camera because they're not picked up on your GPS. And it's going to cause more accidents. That's the reason they got rid of all the speed cameras in Jersey in 2014 that Shamu Al-Hefe, Chris Christie put in as a revenue raiser. That's all it is. It doesn't make the roads any safer. It's all about taking your money now. And they put them in the neighborhoods where you know that you're going to have to pay and that your checks don't bounce. So now the other thing that they're talking about that they're going to jam down our throats is congestion pricing. They're hell-bent on imposing congestion pricing because they say the MTA, the money-taking agency, is $2.5 billion in arrears. Yeah, because they take our money, the money-taking agency, they take our money and misspend it. So instead of getting their house in order, they're going to impose congesting pricing, which is nothing more than a tax for those driving south of 60th Street. So there was a great spirited discussion on this. 
on John Katzmatidis's uh, roundtable discussion at five. John and the panel members saying, no, this is a hidden tax. This is going to crucify the middle class. And then a woman that I've come to loathe and despise, Kathy Wilde, basically acted like uh, as if she was the second coming of the queen of mean, <laughs> Leona Helmsley. It's a tax on the poor and the middle class uh, the person that lives in Queens, the person that lives in Bronx, the person that lives in Brooklyn wants to come in and see their doctor uh, in Midtown, they can't see him. It's going to cost them a fortune. And they're too afraid now to take the subway. People, it costs you $50 to park. Poor people are not driving into Manhattan. Middle class does. You hear that? That's cost you $50 to park. Poor people are not. So only the rich should have Manhattan as the playground. So in the few lanes that are left, they can drive their stretch limos. Jeeves can. Jeeves. God, the insensitivity towards the lower middle class, the middle class, the upper middle class, who pay all the taxes, pay all the bills. Because remember, the poor and the indigent can't. They depend on people paying taxes to get to social services. The wealthy and the rich, they know how to shield their money from being taxed. And if they're overtaxed, they just leave, pick up and leave, as they're continuing to do now in joining the exodus. But this woman, Kathy Wild, she reminds me so much of the Queen of Mean, Leona Helmsley. It's 1989. Remember, the Queen of Mean, Leona Helmsley, was up on uh, federal income tax evasion charges. One of her workers testified that Leona Helmsley would often say to those who were at her beck and call, remember, my little pretties, only little people pay taxes. (laughs) And the jury was uh, not impressed by that. They found her guilty. She went to a federal pen, some kind of camp fed for women. But I remember Leona Helmsley who bequeathed $12 million to her pet Maltese, her dog, $12 million, because she hated people, especially little people. She loved dogs. That's one of the strangest things. Some people that I met really mean towards people, men and women. Men and women of wealth who had equity, and they loved their animals. They hated the people, hated their Sons and daughters, their nieces, their nephews, their own parents. They hated people, but they loved their animals. $12 million bequeathed to her pet Maltese, by the way, for a Curtis Lewell booby prize. What was the name of that prize pet Maltese that was bequeathed $12 million by the Queen of Mean, Leona Helmsley? I remember when she uh, and Harry Helmsley, who was impaired at that time, suffering from uh, Alzheimer and dementia, Hart owned the Empire State Building with the Donald at the time, President Donald Trump, Citizen Trump. She forced Donald Trump out. That shows you how tough she was. She went to Lincoln High School, right, right along the Bell Parkway there. And she smoked like four packs of Chesterfield, no filters each day, and she was mean, and she had that voice, that Chesterfield voice, right? Only little people pay taxes, my little pretties. 
Well, up next, we're going to talk about another queen of mean, although she is the wife of Will Smith, Jada. And Will Smith, finally, after months of the smack heard round the world at the Academy Awards against Chris Rock, decided to do a mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, his apologies. Do you think... It was Jada who made him do it since he is her Maytag. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Thanks, Curtis. Uh, this is... Thanks for what? Oldie Moldy News? Xerox copies? Frank Diaz? The same news about Will Smith that I'm going to be talking about at length? And then, oh, the Russians are no longer going to be part of the space station? Yeah, let's have some bubblegum rap. This is why Will Smith never got street cred respect. Because this was top 40 bubblegum rap. And I'm telling you, because he had bubblegum uh, rap like this, he never got street cred, never got respect. And so in the back of his mind, he always had to prove he was more macho. You know, he wasn't going to take no no guff. But he turned out to be a real mama Luke, not for his own mother, but basically his surrogate mother. Let's face it, that's that's what his wife served as, Jada. Again, Jada, she got like three names, right? Oh, my God. You know my philosophy, man. Never trust Never trust people with three names. Never, never, never trust people with three names. Jada Smith. I forget what her middle name is, but anyway, man. She's like another queen of mean. She's like another Leona Helmsley. So the reason we're playing this is that, for whatever reason, Will Smith decided he was going to do his mea copas, mea copas, mea maxima copas, his apology to Chris Rock now, months after the slap heard around the world at the Academy Awards. Now, do we think that Will Smith did this on his own volition, or do we think that he was basically told by his wife, he's the Maytag to his wife as she rolled her eyes back uh, in her head and said, Will, it's time to apologize. I'm going to go out and find myself another young stallion because we have an open relationship and you know I'll be doing the nasty, nasty. And I'll talk about it on my podcast for the whole world to hear. That is a freaky family. And the two kids? Oh, Madonna, man. Dysfunction with a capital D. And they're all proud of it. Hey, let's do it on the Jada podcast. 
By the way, who did you sleep with today? Well, you know, we have an open relationship. Hey, you know, me and Will, we understand, right? Hey, kids, what freaky stuff are you up to today? Man, that is bizarro land. But anyway, let's uh, let's analyze this apology by Will Smith, because you know he was reading it in the teleprompter. And, uh, well, he's an actor. He's a thespian. You know, a lot of times these actors, these thespians, these actresses, uh, they're really not good at impromptu uh, discussion and speech. Uh, pretty... Pretty quiet at times. You know, if, if you don't have the teleprompter on, they're off. Let's uh, sample the apology of Will Smith here. I'm going to expect an apology from Frank Diaz also. Well, let's get that apology from Will Smith. Why didn't you apologize to Chris in your acceptance speech? Um, I was fogged out by that point. It's, 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 it's all fuzzy. I've reached out to Chris, um, and the mesh, the message that came back is that, uh, he's not ready to talk. And when he is, he will reach out. Um, so I will, I will say to you, um, Chris, I apologize to you. Uh, my behavior was unacceptable, and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. Now, did that sound sincere, ladies and gentlemen, or did that sound, that sounded a bit robotic? And I'll bet you his wife, Jada, was staring at him every word that dripped from his lip. Take, take, take. Take two, take three, take four. Again, I ask you, let's play that uh, that first part of the apology again, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. Does this sound genuine? Does this sound real? So many months after the slap heard around the world as Will Smith begins his long-winded apology to Chris Rock. Why didn't you apologize to Chris in your acceptance speech? Um, I was fogged out by that point. It's, 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 it's all fuzzy. I've reached out to Chris, um, and the mesh, the message that came back is that, uh, he's not ready to talk. And when he is, he will reach out. Um, so I will, I will say to you, um, Chris, I apologize to you. Uh, my behavior was unacceptable, and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. Doesn't sound sincere to me, but maybe it does to all of you. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then, down on wounded knee, Will Smith apologizes to Chris Rock's mother and Chris Rock's brother. I, I want to apologize to Chris's mother. I saw an interview that Chris's mother did, and, you know, that was one of the things about that moment. I just didn't realize, and, you know, I wasn't thinking, but how many people got hurt in that moment. So I want to uh, apologize to Chris's mother, 
I want to apologize to uh, Chris's family, uh, specifically Tony Rock. You know, we had a great relationship. You know, Tony Rock was my man. Um, and uh, this, this is this is probably irreparable. Um, I spent the last three months um, replaying and understanding the nuances and and the complexities of what happened in in that moment. Um, and I'm not going to try to unpack all of that right now, but I can say to all of you, there is no part of me that thinks that was the right way to behave in that moment. There's no part of me that thinks that's the optimal way to handle a feeling of disrespect or, or insults. Ah, guy sounds like he's in therapy, right? Although everyone in Hollywood is in therapy. That's one like a badge of courage. Who's your therapist? Oh, it's like on Manhattan. Oh, I go to this therapist. I go to that therapist. Now, if you're in a blue-collar working class neighborhood and you said you go to a shrink, oh, wait, what's wrong with you? You go to Hollywood or you go to Manhattan, oh, you know, I go to a shrink. Oh, really? Which one? Uh, uh, maybe I've Maybe I've been to him before. It's a class struggle when it comes to shrinks. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. How many of you actually believe that Will Smith means this? Right down to the marrow of his bone. Then uh, he said what was on everybody's minds. You probably think that Jada rolled her eyes and is making me do this. After Jada rolled her eyes, did she tell you to do something? No, um, it's like, you know, I'm, I made a choice on my own from my own experiences, from my history with Chris. Jada had nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm sorry, babe. Um, I'm going to say sorry to my, my kids and, and my family for the heat that I brought on all of us. Uh, to all my fellow nominees, you know, this is a community. It's like I won because you you voted for me. And it, it, it really breaks my heart to have stolen and and tarnished, tarnished your moment. Um, I can still see Quest Love's eyes. You know, it, it happened on Quest Love's uh, award and, you know, it's like I'm 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 sorry really isn't sufficient. What would you say to the people who looked up to you before the slap or people who expressed that you let them down? Hmm. I don't know, man. What do you brothers think? I mean, it's brother to brother. Remember, originally he said, you wouldn't understand this. This was brother to brother, me and uh, Chris Rock. I know Broadway Bill Lee, Avery. But whenever he mentions his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, never trust anybody with three names. I immediately become somewhat suspect that she's that he's not really her Maytag. You know, she is 
She rules the roost. There's no doubt about it. She wears the pants in that family. Guaranteed you. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Meantime, I told you this from day one. I told you it was a setup. I told you it was a fugazi. I told you it wasn't real. Because Chris Rock has benefited, I mean, tenfold. Every concert that he's had in which he does his comedy, sold out. They sell tickets for $1,000, assuming you're going to be in the audience. Like uh, in Boston, when he went up to Boston, he had three performances, $1,000 a seat. Everybody thought, oh, he's going to tell the story. It's worth the price. He never did. He never did. And then, remember, recently he was at Madison Square Garden. He had another comedy thing. And then Dave Chappelle, remember, showed up unexpectedly. And he was riffing at the top. He never told the story. And then... After Will Smith's uh, confession and his apology, Chris Rock said, oh, I'm not ready to talk. When I am, I'll talk for a payday money. And you know this is a setup. You know this is a setup. They're all going to be bigger and more known and more controversial than ever before, which always helps the box office. You know, when you're just Mr. Clean or... Mr. Soft Rapper, uh, Will Smith, you know, let's face it. He wants to have that edge. He doesn't want to be considered like a soft rapper anymore. He wants to have that edge. So he benefits. And then Chris Rock benefits because the only way he's ever going to talk, you know, they'll probably have um, what Barack Obama had uh, invited uh, his vice president, Joe Biden. Remember when you had the, the Sergeant Crowley, Crowley from the Cambridge uh, PD and the professor, they had that uh, spout outside of the professor's home from Harvard University. And remember, then it took on racial connotation. So they had the beer summit. I can easily see the Will Smith, Chris Rock summit, you know, on cable. You got to pay money to watch. And Chris Rock is going to make, I mean, lots of moolah schmoolah. He'll take care of his mother, his brother, everyone in his family. And then Will Smith, he'll just be swimming in more dough, and we'll all be suckers for it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Keith, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Keith. Hey, how are you doing? I've had better days, Keith. Hey, the Will Smith thing. Don't you think... He should have been – he should have not gotten an award that night just from hitting Chris Rock. He should have been arrested. He should have been arrested. Absolutely. But at at the least, he should have gotten his award taken away from him. Yeah, and remember, look at what's happened ever since. Look at all these attacks that are happening now because, you know, it's like uh, – it's the uh, copycat uh, situation. You had uh, Dave Chappelle, that school ball, went on stage at the uh, right. Beverly Hills Bowl. No, the Hollywood Bowl, excuse me. Uh, uh-huh. ha- the guy happened to be from uh, Brooklyn, went to Los Angeles, was homeless, said he was uh, bisexual. Uh, he said he was going on stage. He was uh, confronting Dave Chappelle because of his statements about transgenders. Uh, the guy is psychologically impaired. He had a weapon in his hand. 
And Dave Chappelle says security finally got hip to it and were able to restrain him. They put boots to the back of his head. The guy got arrested and then got cut loose the same day. Yeah, right. Well, it, it, it's it's a double standard nowadays. Yeah, well, look at the guy who attacked Lee Zeldin, the guy up there in Monroe County, Lee Zeldin, the GOP candidate for governor against crime wave Kathy Holcomb. The guy right. comes at him. Uh, Lee Zeldin takes him down. The rest of his uh, supporters take him down. Uh, he's then uh, taken by the uh, DEA in Monroe County, who happens to be a Republican. And then oh. uh, he's cut loose on his own recognizance, only to be picked up again by the feds in Buffalo, the um, Department of Justice that uh, charged him with a federal crime of assault. And now he's being detained. Uh, and uh, after uh, psych observation, it's considered that he's mentally impaired and that he may have to be sent to a psychiatric institute. But I don't think these other two guys would have gotten on stage, would have attempted that assault if they hadn't seen uh, Chris Rock assaulted by Will Smith and absolutely no consequences afterwards for Will Smith. Like you said, he won his award and he didn't get arrested. And and also, like Will Smith, you know, always is very outspoken about nonviolence and, you know, uh, uh, being, being kind to each other, you know, just peaceful. And, and then he goes on stage and he does something like that, which completely contradicts what he, what he spews out. All right. But you know, damn well, uh, we had a chance to look at it over and over Keith. He was fine. He was laughing at the Chris Rock joke about his uh, wife's uh, loss of hair. I, I didn't think so. I, I didn't think so at all. I think huh. uh, I, I know I know I know his wife is sick or whatever, and that, I think that's why he got really pissed off. And I think that him laughing was kind of just uh, patronizing, but you know, really, really uh, uh, gearing up for you know for for a feud and getting angry. Wow, that's an interesting observation because I thought. The only time he really got triggered off is when Jada looked over at him because he was laughing at Chris Rock's joke, and then he, she rolled her eyes, if you remember, and I think he took from that a signal like, I better go up there and amend what I just did by laughing and smacked, you know, pimp-slapped the guy. Yeah. I, I, took, I took it as he was just, he, he was just pretty much getting revved up and it just hit him at a point, and he just exploded. Well, I got to tell you, neither neither of their careers have been hurt. If anything, I think they're both moving. You know, agents of theirs, advisors are moving to have this sit-down. That's going to be a pay-for-TV special. They'll make more money than they've ever made doing anything else in their lives because people will pay to see them having a conversation about the uh, pimp slap. Yeah. Well, of course, with some with something that's so, uh, you know, I mean, you know, from from that night, it, it's so publicized now, and it, it's it's really blown it up to the point that you know it's such a big deal, especially you know when he comes from you know spewing uh, peace and and this and that and and nonviolence and all that kind of crap. And then he goes and does something like this. Of course, people are going to want to see him sit down and, you know, watch his tears, you know, watch the tears, the rainfalls and uh, and, and kind of try to 
make amends and, and damage control. Well, I think what people have to understand, Keith, is that these two guys are actors. And I believe they acted this out. I don't believe it was real. I know most people do. I think I, I disagree. I, I, disagree. I think it was, I think it was staged. Uh, I've seen those kind of slaps many, many times uh, in uh, on Broadway stage performances in movies where they pull the slap. In fact, I had it done myself to my uh, general manager here at uh, WABC. Chad Lopez smacked me, and I showed. Uh, everybody had to slip the smack in one of our posts on our WABC social networking. It, there's a method. It looks like you got slapped hard, but you slipped the Correct. slap. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I think it was very genuine. I, 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 I don't think it, I don't think it was played at all or scripted or anything. I think it was complete, uh, you know, uh, uh, just off the cuff, I think he was really pissed, and he said, "Keep keep my wife out of your mouth, or keep my my wife's name out of your mouth." And he just lost it. Right, but now that he has done the full scale apology, mea copa, mea copa, mea maxima copa. Chris Rock's response: "I'm not ready to talk. I'll talk when there's a payday involved, when there's money on the table." Now you know what this is going to lead to. This is like when you're following boxing or UFC or mixed martial arts and there's been an initial confrontation and then you want them to get back in the ring again and there's the build-up of hype. Well, there's not enough money. No, no, I'm not going to give them this opportunity to get back. And it's all show. It's all show. This is what these guys have devoted their life to, show business and making as much money as possible. They will have, they'll call this uh, peacetime summit. And they will charge, pay for a few, pay for pay for a few. I'm trying to think who would be the moderator, okay? It wouldn't be Dave Chappelle. Might. Might. Denzel. Denzel might be a good choice. It might be the Denzel, who, remember, came up to uh, Will Smith after he smacked Chris Rock and said, Hey, you know, don't let the demons, don't let the devil get hold of you. It's the devil hits you at times like this when you're on top of the world. You just won the Academy Award. Don't let the devil get you. Or it could be Dave Chappelle because then that would add to more intrigue. What the hell is Dave Chappelle going to say? He may make it worse. I mean, think of it. Moderator Dave Chappelle. You've seen him in some of those bits. That's right. We've got here a contest. Who's more white? Who's more Asian? Who's more black? I love those. Remember when he's with like these two dopey white boys looking at them as if they're ESPN moderators? And it's like, who's white? Who's black? Who's Hispanic? Oh, man. See, Avery trying to get out. I mentioned his boy, Dave Chappelle, man. He's he's going, that ain't ain't the uh, mighty whitey whitey we're talking about, right? Yeah, that's not what he did. He, He doesn't really do that type of thing. I think they go female. Maybe bring Oprah out of retirement or something. No, no, no. I, I, man, with Dave Chappelle, you don't know what might go off. No, it'd be, it could be funny, but I just don't see him doing something like that. Yeah, it's got to be a macho thing. I don't think you could have estrogen there. You know, you know, Jada made the demand. Jada Pinkett Smith. Never trust anybody with three names. She might demand it. She, she moderated. It won't fly. 
No, that won't fly. No, and they, Oprah it won't fly. But Dave Chappelle, yeah. I could easily, especially depending on how how many blunts he smoked before he got up as moderator. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to EJ in Syracuse. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, EJ. Hey, Curtis. I agree with you. I think this whole thing was bogus. It was staged. I mean, we practiced fake slaps and punches when we were like 10 years old. and it was, The whole thing looked fake. I think you're on the mark. I love you. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. All right? (laughs) (laughs) That was a a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh Uh-oh. Richard. (laughs) Oh, wow. EJ, that sounded staged to me. Yeah, and because nobody's watching these award shows anymore. And this got it all in the news, media, social media picked up on it, went everywhere, and the whole thing was bogus. Then, if it was sincere, who apologizes for something like that? Like, we grew up in a time when, say, you had to, you got in a fight, you slugged somebody. You don't publicly apologize. It takes all the sting out of the punch. I, I, can I share a little story that, like, that happened years ago with a friend of mine's dad? Sure. Uh, he bought a, a late model Porsche. It was, you know, nothing super expensive, but the dealer had set the mileage back on it, right, illegally. He found out he had done it, brought the Porsche back, jumped over the desk and choked the car sales guy. That guy was my hero. The guy ended up giving the car, you know, giving him his money back. But if he had apologized for that, he would not have been – he's legendary, for doing that. I'm like, your dad is great. Sometimes masculinity and like this type of thing is not that bad. Sometimes things need to be done. And I know I'm sounding antiquated and like an idiot. No, 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 not at all. Now, EJ, let me ask you a question. Where in Syracuse do you reside? Um, I live right in the city. It's a dangerous place. I'm not happy with it. I just, I, I do what I can. You know? No, no, no. I, I've spent a lot of time uh, over in the projects, the bricks, uh, yeah. Right, right down from uh, the um, Syracuse University, the hospital yeah, yeah. is up there. Yeah, I spent a lot of time the, around the university, but I, I moved over to the north side, which has its own set of problems. But yeah. I just deal with it. It's inexpensive to live here, but it's it's dangerous. I just, I just deal with it. Well, I, I'm I'm wondering if uh, the uh, rapper Malone will ever return home with that million dollar grid in his mouth. Got all them diamonds in there, yellow diamonds, a million dollars in his mouth, Malone. And Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is from Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. 1-800-848-9222. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. This is America. Yo, what happened to my Malone, man? I'm not talking Moses Malone here, former basketball player, left uh, high school, uh, and then ended up playing in the pros. 
ended up playing for the Philadelphia 76ers there. I'll never forget that. He was tough in the paint. And then it was uh, World B Free, who I went to junior high school with. The hell, man. This ain't this ain't Malone, man. Somebody did a Fugazi job. I bet you that's still part of that sabotage that was done by Matt Blaze, the uh, board operator for the Frank Morano show, upset that I'm going to end up doing uh, five uh, mornings, one to five, this coming week. The uh, That's right, the discronificated. They chilled out on that. Anyway, uh, Moses, not Moses, Malone, the rapper, has a grill in his mouth with a million dollars worth of diamonds, and that guy's originally from Syracuse. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Give me Will Smith instead, man. You got the wrong thing there, man. Oh, here it is, Malone. Oh, finally. Broadway Bill Lee. I thought, uh, what the hell is going on here? How could he sing with a million dollars worth of diamonds in his grill? And them tats, they're everywhere. Guys from Syracuse, who knew that? Think he'd go back to Syracuse now? Mm-mm. A lot of robberies. A lot of drug thugs. A lot of stick-up kids. like it when he does that video in Trenchtown in Jamaica. Ah, Jamaica. Shower posse. They wanted me dead in London. And then they wanted me dead in Jamaica. So you think I went to Trenchtown? Not. You know, maybe Montego Bay. Maybe some other parts of Jamaica. Who oh, you think I'm crazy? I'm going to walk into uh, Trenchtown with a shower posse. Probably still remembers... We want that white boy dead. We try to get him outside of London. Try to get him in South London, Wandsworth, at that council estate. He got the best of us then, but we'll get him now because now he's on our turf, Trench Town. Oh, this is a good song. I got to give him props. I got to give him credit for this. My wife, Nancy, loves this song. I love this song. So when all of a sudden a little tension, a little anger rises up in the house, I know right away, man, just put Malone on, man. Let's set the mood, right? Chill everything out real quick. Even the cats, the 18 rescue cats, the patriarch Apollo, the matriarch Athena, and the senior citizen, Tuna, that's right, she's the senior citizen cat who was in my first political ad running for mayor. You may have remembered I was cuddling little Tuna there. She's the oldest cat of the 18. And when I put on Malone here, they like, wow. It's better than catnip. Better than catnip. Let me tell those uh, 
shower posse, uh, bad hombres. You call me a blood clot. You call me a Yankee man. You call me a rude boy. Hey, that's it. What do you think? I'm going to get monkeypox if I'm a rude boy? Or we'll be discussing that in the next hour. People are saying, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's their slang for being gay. Oh, you're a rude man, eh? Man, with their chippy pop hats there. Rastafari, Rastafari. Oh, anyway, I got all spun out of control here. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Who knows? This could be Denzel Washington. I mean, look, he did go to Fordham University in the Bronx. He did grow up in Mount Vernon. Maybe this is Denzel Washington. Am I right, Denzel? No, it's not Mr. Washington. It's Denzel. It's Denzel, not Washington. Okay, all right. That's who I am. I I thought you never know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to ask you that because I know you've seen better days. But, uh... Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, man. You're a good guy. I, I love you, man. I met you many, many years ago. Uh huh. Now, where, 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 do, where do we meet? We met on uh, the subway platform, the east side, the number four, number four, number six train, right there, Grand Central. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was waiting for the uptown, uh, uptown local. You were standing on the, on the. Uptown Express edge of the platform. And I recognize you said, hey, Curtis, man, you had this beautiful smile on your face. And you walked over, no fear, you projected no no rough stuff. You just walked up to me, smiled, we talked for like two, three minutes, something mm. like that. You were very pleasant, man. Now, where, you where, are, you, where you are you Where, where are you from originally? I'm from Barbados. Ah, you're Barbados. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I think right away? I think of Rihanna. Right, right. That's where she's from. Yeah, I think yeah. Rihanna. I'm saying, wow, Rihanna. See, yeah, that becomes yeah, synonymous. Oh man. I've admired you tremendously, you know, throughout the years. For a long time there, I didn't see you. I didn't hear you, anything. And um, approximately a year ago, I was uh, I'm going through the radio stations. I came to WABC. I didn't even know they were still on the radio. And, uh, you know, and there you were. And I said, Curtis Lee, wow. And, and I, you know, I try not to miss you, man, you know, because I, I do enjoy listening to you. you got so much talent. You really are talented. Well, thank you. Thank you. And you know the acronym WABC. ABC now means always broadcasting, Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I said, like, you know, this you, man, you know, I said, I love you, Kurt. You could be, you could be anything you wanted to be, man. You, yeah, all kinds of, all kinds of stop parts are good for you. You've got a great sense of humor. You know how to be serious. You know, you give the impression of being tough. You also know how to be a gentleman. You, you've got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of qualities, man. Well, I'm really telling you, I'm telling you, you know, uh, Rihanna didn't give me no play, though. You know, Chris well, Brown. Chris, Listen, Chris, man, you know, like, yeah, but Chris Brown abused Rihanna, right? You know, smacked her down, got away with it. And I'm saying to myself, man, you see, yeah. I could have been me. Yeah, you know, met a good-looking girl, look all funny in the newspaper with her half-closed eye and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, he, but he she's uh, she's become quite an entrepreneur. She has that apparel line. Right. Apparently, she's got. A real good head on her shoulders, so it's not just a good-looking woman 
Uh, it's not just a talented woman who can sing and, and choreograph, but uh, she got a good business head on. Now she with that ASAP guy. That You know, that ain't going far. That ain't well, going yeah, far. I, I, I don't. I don't know. You know, I became blind. Uh, you know, from back then when I when I first met you, I've been totally blind for like the past seven years. You know, so I don't. I don't know what the guy looks like. I haven't heard. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know much. Now let me let me ask you a question. As someone who is blind, I was just in a Dwayne Reed, and a guy came in. Clearly, was blind. You know, he had the stick with him. Uh, and I didn't try to help him too much because uh, I figure a blind guy wants to be independent and autonomous. So I just guided him slightly, and then he once he once he was on track, he handled his stuff without any help from anybody else. Yeah. Are you in that uh, position no, I, now, I'm where you, you have where you have to use this stick, or are you just sight impaired like Governor David Patterson is, or Steve Wynn, the guy who uh, owns all those casinos? Uh, uh. I'm totally, totally blind now. I'm very independent uh, in my home, you know, in my apartment. I'm, I'm very independent. I know where everything is, you know. As long as anyone who comes in, you've just got to put things back where you found them. Mm. Uh, I don't like, I don't like to flail, you know. You're railing your hands here and there, trying to feel this and feel that. So if you keep things in order, you know, I can function in my home pretty well. But I do not trust the cane, uh, you know, uh, in the street, uh, you know, because my thing is mostly perception. And perception can be very off. You know, you think you're walking in one direction and you're walking in the totally opposite, you know, and uh, I can end things real quickly. So... I um, I, you know, I, I, I walk with my hand on whoever is with me. I walk with my hand on their shoulder. I try to touch them very gently. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah. Now, That's question, uh, question: How did you develop your blindness? Well, you know, they say that it is glaucoma. Uh, that's what I was diagnosed with. But I believe other things, which I do not talk about, uh, because. I'm not sure that I'm correct, but, uh, you know, I, I, I feel that it was foul play. Mm. Uh, you know, I, ha- I have to talk to the, to the right people, you know, uh, you know, uh, confidentially and, and say about some things that, uh, that I was experiencing, which led to my blindness, you know. Now, now uh, has uh, anybody who's looked at your situation from a medical perspective said uh, that it's permanent, it can't be reversed or corrected? Uh, well, in, yeah, and, you know, that's what glaucoma is all about, really. Uh, uh, it's, it's pressure in the eyes. Mm. And, and um, in my case, I was given drops, eye drops. Mm. to put into my eyes and the drops uh, uh, releases the pressure in the eyes uh, the ducts the, the ducts in your eyes are blocked in glaucoma and mm. that builds the pressure if, if you can get the water released uh, and that happens with the drops if that happens you can retain the, the sight that you do have can be retained so they said uh, but over the years, um, it has proven not to be true because I still lost my sight. If it if it did, you know, actually come from mm. uh, glaucoma. Uh, so, yeah. 
No, understood. Uh, my uh, grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, lived to be 99. In fact, uh, he died in my arms. Uh, he had cataracts, a serious case of cataracts, hardening of the arteries, which caused him to uh, uh, basically lean over. So he couldn't straighten up. He'd have to go to a nearby telephone pole and almost like a cat. Uh, have to scratch up and straighten out on the pole. He'd have to wear a brace. But he had cataracts, which definitely impaired his ability to see. At times, he could barely see in front of him. And he put his eye right on the TV tube, right on the black and white 13-inch RCA TV that he would watch, especially when he'd be watching professional wrestling, the WWF of Vince McMahon Sr., not his perv uh, son, Vince McMahon Jr., and uh, my grandfather would uh, watch uh, Bruno Sammartino wrestling in the ring, his favorite, against um, Hay- Haystacks Cal- Calhoun, Gorilla Monsoon, Cowboy Billy Watts, Baron Miguel Cicluna. And my grandfather could feel almost every shot. His eyeball would be right up on that uh, on the TV screen because he could barely see it. And he would feel every shot that Bruno Sammartino was receiving. And that's the way he would have to watch TV. He'd have to be almost eyeball on the screen itself. And then he had a cataracts operation and didn't have the um, impact that the doctors had hoped. But this was way back in the 60s when the uh, medical situation involving cataract care was just really beginning. But I'll never forget that. He was definitely sight impaired for the last uh, 30 years of his life. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Oh, little Rihanna here, huh? From Barbados. What's she doing with ASAP? That guy should have been in jail. Should have been in jail. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. You know, I'm amazed from time to time, Mark Levin, who you can hear every Monday through Friday, 6 to 9, plays this song. It might as well be his theme song. Churn it up. See, a lot of folks be getting out of the clubs right now. By the way, from the little birdies who are out there observing the traffic in and out of the Club Zero Bond, the swagger man who has no plan, Eric Adams, likes to raise the roof there. He has not been seen at any point of this early morning, so you know you're going to stay with me. I'm going to take you to the break of dawn. And yes, this is one of the all-time favorite classics of the Mark Levin show. Go figure. You would never think Mark Levin would be down on the dance floor churning and whirling to this song. Especially when I'd whisper to Mark and say, hmm, this was number one with a bullet in the gay clubs across America, Mark.
And we're going to get into this whole monkeypox thing coming up. They've been giving misinformation, mad misinformation. And now they want to change the name that's been existing since 1958 when it was first discovered. I mean, I'm thinking the monkeys, right? The band that was put together like Spinal Tap that for a while was even more popular than the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And in fact, in their concert at Forest Hills, the stadium, they were the uh, lead act. The opening act was a African-American guitarist who had just come in from Seattle. You know who I'm talking about there. Hmm? And he got up there, he started riffing his guitar, and all of a sudden they got booed. Boo, get him off the stage. He was Jimi Hendrix, and he hated the monkeys till the day he died. We'll get into all of that in the next hour. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Michael calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Mike. Oh, no. Don't tell me Mike has fallen asleep on me. Don't tell me he's cutting Z's. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wake up. Wake up. I got no love for you, Michael. You're snoring on me, pal. How can you do this? This is the most humiliating thing that could possibly ever happen to a talk show host or hostess. And knowing that Chris Libertini, who's ready to put the shiv in my back in a cabal with Frank Morano, he's going to turn this into a promo like he did Ellen from Queens. This is what WABC sounds like. I mean, from Queens uh, fell asleep on me just uh, 24 hours ago. Do I do this to people? Do I put people to sleep? Another side of midnight. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wake everybody up. I'm going to give away free stuff now. Free stuff. Get ready, Avery. Get your pad and pen ready because you get to win a chance to see Joel Osteen at Yankee Stadium on Saturday, August 6th. That's next Saturday. I got a pair of tickets to give away for you to see Joel Osteen and his wife in a special event live at Yankee Stadium. If you happen to be the seventh caller right now, the seventh caller right now, the seventh caller right now at 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Guess what? You are going to win a pair of tickets to see Joel Osteen live at Yankee Stadium Saturday. August 6th. And it reminds me that uh, I would have been playing in that softball game in just a few hours. Originally scheduled out there at Ferry Hawk Stadium, the uh, WABC component of it against the NYPD was to have been played at 5.30. That would have given me enough time since... uh, in a few hours, I have to be teamed up with Anthony Weiner, left versus right from 3 to 4, after he does his own show in the middle from 2 to 3. Would have given me more than enough time to be out there in time to participate. But then all of a sudden, it was mysteriously rolled back 4 to 
is the warm-up, 4.30 to 5.30 is the game. So by the time I would get there from WABC, the game would be over. So I think our hipsters and our millennials didn't want me coming out there and showing them up. No, didn't want me showing them up. And by the way, who will be missing in action? No doubt Frank Morano, the Mameluke. Frank Morano, because uh, remember, he'd rather go to see the Cyclones play in Coney Island than the home team, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. You know, it's funny. There's no evidence to support Curtis's version of Frank Morano. Oh, yes, there is. There's volumes. And all this coming week, the Frank Morano listeners are going to be exposed to all those volumes. That's right. Frank Morano is missing in action. I have no idea where he'll be for the week. Uh, but he had listed, he had put forward to uh, management and ownership a list of about 72 different suggestions that he had to replace him, to substitute for him. These are people who hadn't even done radio in junior high school and high school. You see, this is what it is with a lot of talk show hosts and hostesses. They're so neurotic, they're so insecure that they want people to substitute for them that are like so bad that the moment they come back from wherever they were, oh, we couldn't, we couldn't wait to have you back. Are they that needy? Are they that so desperately needy? of adulation from the listeners that they would stoop to the fact of uh, giving the 50,000 powerful watts of sound to individuals who aren't ready for prime time? You know, Broadway Bill Lee had happened earlier this week. It was Wednesday morning, and I saw Dominic Carter, and I was wondering, I wonder why Dominic Carter is here. Thank God. Management ownership put him in from 10 to 12 in the morning. Because uh, Brian Kilmeade uh, was away. He had one of his lame substitutes, you know, some guy from uh, uh, somewhere near Oskalola, Florida, you know, a two-watt station uh, every time. Uh, Asked to remind you who he is, what station he works for, and how he loves Brian Kilmeade, right? Like, that that's the whole two-hour program. So management said, oh, you're off? Okay, we're putting Dominic Carter in. Brilliant. Brilliant. Such a good show. And then uh, Bill O'Reilly, who does the 15-minute uh, update before me uh, for lunchtime, you know, 12 to 12.15, when Bill O'Reilly does it spot on, top shelf, five-star. This substitute he's got from San Diego, he's like from Hee Haw. He's like, like a hillbilly from San Diego, you know, like a beach bum. Well, where the hell he got him from? He's got to go. Either that or Bill O'Reilly doesn't take any time off. Hey, sorry, pal. The number one news talk station in the nation. We only we only serve pro style. Now, this is not amateur hour here. I listened to that guy earlier today when I did my my lunch hour edition, twelve fifteen to one. He was hollering up like like he's on the Beverly Hillbillies. Anyway, let's go to Mike in the Poconos. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Yes, hello, Mike. Wow, second in a row. Oh. So, Avery, you're stiffing me, huh? And you're finding these guys who are sleeping. Two in a row. You know, I say, you know Avery has 
has dual loyalties. You know, part of the time he's the phone screener for the Frank Morano show. Well, I thought he was a brother in solidarity, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. You know, brothers together forever. You know, maybe he led that Matt Blaze. Bet you that guy is a fugitive. Nobody has a name like Matt Blaze. Uh, you know, he's got like, what, probably 20 aliases. Messed around with the discronificator. Yeah. I'll fix them. Anyway, let's go to Patrick, who's calling from Huntington. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Pat. Good morning, Curtis. I bet you right now the Marmaluke is walking around on the wrong floor of the Borgata, putting his key card in every hotel room door because <laughs> he doesn't know where he is. <laughs> but I was going to say, I heard you the other day uh, about the rats. I found a feral cat about 12 years ago. And he allows me to live with him right now. Hmm. He spends most of his days outside. He just loves it outside. He's 2 o'clock in the morning. He wants to go out, and he comes back in about 8. And I feed a lot of birds, raccoons, squirrels. And unfortunately, they bring some rodent, you know. But uh, he does his job. He's out there working 16 hours a day. And, uh, you know, it's not pleasant, but he's getting the job done. Yeah, and I've advocated, you know, they have this crazy new scheme, the sanitation department. They know that there are more rats now than ever before, about eight rats for every one citizen in New York. And when you consider the illegal aliens, that's about nine million people. So times that by eight, that's the number of rats that actually exist uh, deep down underground. And they're nocturnal. They come out, especially around midnight. That's when the feral cats are out there around midnight, and they're the best deterrent. So what they're going to do is they say, well, don't put your garbage out at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. you got to put your garbage out at 8 for either an overnight pickup or an early morning pickup. Hey, Stunard. I have one more question, Curtis. Go for it. I, I see John Miller's retiring. What was your relationship with him? Ah, when we come back, I will explain the relationship. It was a love-hate relationship with a man who uh, stabilized the police department, especially in uh, dispatching information. Uh, He's going to be a a big loss to the NYPD and to the city. But I had a love-hate relationship with John Miller. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. A Monkey Man song by the Rolling Stones because we're somehow paying tribute to the 79th birthday of Mick Jagger. No, 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 we're not. We're not. Uh, prune face. Uh, like right out of the characters of Dick Tracy. I mean, 
Come on. He's got so many wrinkles there. He, he might as well rename him, not Mick Jagger, but Poonface. He's like a cadaver in formaldehyde. But we play that song whenever we talk about monkeypox. Before we move in that direction, it still, still bothers me to no end. That in an attempt to sabotage the board, there were attempts to mess with the discronificator, which conflates all the signals that come from our FM station, WLIR, out in the east end of Long Island, and naturally the 50,000 powerful watts of power AM. Right here, WABC. And even though I have tremendous, uh, tremendous opposition to FM, freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and Frank Morano, I do understand it is our sister station, and we need to conflate those signals so that we can properly receive all of your uh, of the solicited calls because that's what I do. It's a call driven program. I don't I don't interview guests. And I was planning uh, when I was uh, finished with Anthony Weiner in a few hours, three to four, left versus right, to head to Staten Island to uh, play in Ferry Hawk Stadium as part of the WABC team, and then all of a sudden, mysteriously. Starting time for that game against the NYPD was pushed back from 5.30 to 4 o'clock. 4 to 4.30 warm-up, 4.30 to 5.30 the game. Then a brief uh, respite. And then naturally uh, the main contest, uh, Furry Hawks playing the uh, Lancaster uh, barn burners or whatever. You know, the Amish guys who uh, put up the barns on Saturday, the Amish women who sell the cakes. And then they all get into the uh, buggies with the horse-drawn uh, whips, and they work their way up to the North Shore of Staten Island with those strange uh, orange triangles on their back. And I'll bet you that Frank Morano is going to be playing today as part of the WABC team, although he'll be gone for reasons unknown next week. And like a Pac-Man, I'm just eating up the real estate. No, 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 no other substitutes. And no best of, that's just worst stuff. So I, I told management and ownership here, I'll do it. And they say, you sure? I say, yeah. Because this will put me over the top, ratings-wise. By, by Labor Day, I will have cured enough listening hours from all of you in the tri-state area and beyond that I and I alone will be the ratings leader here, no longer Frank Morano. He will sink into the sunset. But I'll bet you he'll be there, he'll be playing in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably blaming his father because, oh, I can't throw from first base. You know, he's always blaming his father, Carmine, for everything. So if he strikes out, if he makes errors, if he makes errant throws, you know, he's going to blame, not himself, he's going to blame his father, Carmine. Like father, like son. Not Carmine, his father, like Frank, but like Frank and his son, Carmine. By the way, Carmine is about 40 pounds. So when you go to Ferry Hawk Stadium today to actually watch WABC play the NYPD and then the main game between the Ferry Hawks and the Lancaster Barn Burners, check out uh, Carmine. 40 pounds already. He was birthed Thanksgiving, right? Poor Rachel. She didn't even have a C-section. She had the... Uh, Midwife was on loan, a 92-year-old nun from Mount Laredo, and then Nurse Ratchet from uh, Richmond, uh, Richmond Hospital. 
40 pounds. Madonna, I. But this monkeypox thing, ladies and gentlemen, oh, man, oh, man, I've been railing against this, telling you that they've been talking nonsense in terms of remedies to deal with it. So first and foremost, the uh, monkeypox website to get information and to uh, sign up for the vaccines, which can help eliminate the scratching, the itching, and the boils that come along with the infection. The uh, website for the New York City Department of Health crashed three times this past uh, 10 days. Three times. You would think that would be the concern. Hey, we got to get the website up and running. Nope. The New York City Health Commissioner, who's a dollar short and a day late, Ashwin Vassan, wrote a letter to the World Health Organization claiming that they had to change the name of the monkeypox virus because he said the name monkeypox could bring back stigmas in both the black and LGBTQ plus community. The health commissioner wrote that stigmas arise because people could avoid getting the help they need if infected, referencing a similar occurrence during the heart of the HIV-AIDS pandemic. Come on. That was back when Dr. Fauci first came on board and screwed with that, too. That was for Ronald Reagan. He said they should change the name. It is not from monkeys. They need to leave it alone and figure out where this is coming from. The World Health Organization categorized this as a global health emergency. And they say they're working with experts to change the name. But it really gets down to what in reality has taken place. And to his credit, a veteran top infection control specialist at the city's health department claimed he was reassigned in retaliation for describing what gay men and bisexual men should be doing to protect themselves because that's the way transmission takes place. 99.9% of the cases involve gay and bisexual men having sex with men. And the moment that Dr. Don Weiss said this, he was transferred to another unit after publicly criticizing the department's advice to gay men about reducing the transmission of monkeypox. He repeated his criticisms in a July 18th letter to the health commissioner. Weiss accused the department of offering misleading information by suggesting that having sex while infected with monkeypox could be made safer if people avoided kissing and covering their sores. Dr. Weiss uh, argued that abstaining or reducing sex for a period of time was the best way to limit the spread of monkeypox. Quote, monkeypox in New York City is a sexually transmitted infection, and uh, it is a failure of the health department not to say such. He said the Department of Health of the City of New York and Chelsea continues to emphasize skin-to-skin contact as the major risk and have now dangerously suggested that sex is not a risk as long as you don't kiss and cover your sores. And he is absolutely, completely, jackedly squat correct. I've been saying this ever since monkeypox began to emerge on our local, regional, national, and international uh, radar screen. 
The New York City Department of Health was giving out advice at the very beginning of the monkeypox uh, situation. It said that gay men and bisexual men should have sex with their clothes on. And if they wanted to uh, socially distance, uh, they should actually stay six feet away from one another, prove to one another that they are not suffering from erectile dysfunction, and then pleasurize themselves to the delight of the person standing six feet away. And I said to myself, this is crazy. You're going to encourage them to have sex with their clothes on and then claim that the majority of the virus is transmitted from cloth to skin, from clothes to skin? That's nonsense. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then it's interesting because remember when um, the president at that time, Donald Trump, was saying to the states, including Andrew Evilize Cuomo, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo II. Remember when Andrew Evilize Cuomo was screaming that the federal government needed to do more during the uh, lockdown and pandemic, the COVID-19 problem we were having here, along with uh, pretty boy Gus Newsom, who wants to become the next president of the United States over my dead body from the dysfunctional uh, California. They also were making the claims that the federal government needed to do more. And then President Trump said, ultimately, the ones to determine how health care is administered in your own jurisdiction is the state. The federal government can do so much. He was criticized for that. Well, Joe Biden, his health secretary, said exactly the same thing. He said, in order to deal with the growing complexity of the monkeypox uh, spread, it's not only a question of getting the vaccines to the individual states. It's a question of the state accepting responsibility that ultimately the ones who determine how health care is administered in your state is the state. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And again, I see no reason why we need to uh, mess with the term uh, monkeypox. It doesn't create a stigma. In fact, if that was the case, why do so many people who are baby boomers, like myself, remember the monkeys as the musical group that was put together in 1966 like Spinal Tap, not really musicians that had come together in the traditional way, but put together by casting directors to become the number one group in America. In fact, John Lennon liked the monkeys, especially Michael Nesmith, who's no longer with us, and Davy Jones, who's no longer with us, and Peter Tork, who's no longer with us, but Mickey Dolenz is the drummer. Imagine for a brief period of time, they were the number one rock group in America, superseding even the interest in the Beatles, interest in the Rolling Stones. And they had a Saturday morning uh, program on NBC that was like the highest rated Saturday morning program. one 800 Let's go to Matt in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Matt. Hey Curtis, how are you? It's Matt. Uh, uh, ALR meeting with uh, with Carl. Um, we've met a couple times. Uh, you're doing a great show tonight. I appreciate it. Well, I know that Carl uh, Lanziera has his uh, barbecue coming up. Coming up. Yep, it certainly is. Oh, and yeah. uh, 
And are you are you, are you going to be there? You're going to be present? Well, you know, on the weekends, Matt, uh, I do radio uh, like the Quinella, five different shifts. And, in fact, now uh, I'll be uh, taking over the Frank Morano show for the week. Uh, I have no idea where he is, so I'm going to eat up more of the radio real estate like a Pac-Man. Uh, and so it really leaves me it leaves me very little time on the weekend. But uh, I have fond memories of the barbecues that I went uh, with you guys to uh, and Carl, who is sort of like the patriarch uh, of your organization out there. It, it completely. And, and you know what? And, and uh, as, as always, you, you, the, the topics you, you're on and, uh, and 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 how you speak about them is always top notch. And there was a time that we were uh, down in the basement over at the uh, I forgot where it was. The uh, I think it was somewhere in Dix Hills or something like that. But we we were uh, you, you were downstairs and we were doing some photo ops and everything like that. And I tell you, a couple things. I just wanted to comment about a couple things. I you should you should have been you should have been the mayor. You should have gotten it. You should have gotten it. There's no doubt. You should have gotten that. Well, I will tell you, Matt. There is a whole movement now, especially in Queens, where I did uh, very well in uh, Southern Queens, which is out in the Rockaways, Broad Channel, Howard Beach, Ozone Park. Middle Queens, Middle Village, uh, Glendale, uh, Massbeth, and then uh, Northern Queens, uh, which is uh, Bayside, Whitestone, uh, College Point, that area. The people were giving out tickers, uh, stickers and uh, pins that say, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Listen, your 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 cat your 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 cat rescue. I do the same thing, and um, um, just re- just recently here in Hicksville, um, you know, I have a partner of mine that we work together. That we 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 uh, you know we do cat rescue, we do foster, we do that, and you know what? It, it's it's just it's it's wonderful. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I got to tell you, Matt, uh, in fact, uh, if you, everybody listening out there, if you're a first-time listener, if you want to know anything about animal welfare issues, you got to listen to uh, the show that I do with my wife uh, Sunday nights. It's my last shift. It's part of the Quinella 11 to 12. And it is uh, the most requested, the most called into, the most uh, tapped into of the many hours that I do here at WABC. And it's all about uh, dogs, cats, other animals, and there's a whole laundry list of subjects we'll be talking about uh, later on on Sunday. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Steve in Hamptons Bay. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hey, Curtis. Good morning. Um, yeah, you were talking before about the monkeypox and the misinformation. Um, didn't the Biden administration just recently put up a misinformation? Um, Bureau type of thing. It was a woman, I think, that was appointed to it. So maybe this this may be a case that she can maybe look into. What do you think of the chances of that happening? Nah, not going to happen. But I will say that uh, you know they look to New York City often because it has the largest Department of Health. But we completely fumbled the ball on this uh, by promoting nonsensical reasons for its spread. Like, oh, you could get it by wearing the same clothes. Or let's say, 
a guy who had monkeypox was just in that bed. He left, and then you get into the same bed, and you're covered by the same sheets, and you can get monkeypox. That's not how monkeypox is spread. Maybe, maybe in some rare instances, but 99% of the time, it's because men are having sex with men, whether they're homosexual or they're bisexual. And the only way to tell them stop is say limit limit the amount of sex you have to somebody you know who doesn't have monkeypox or just abstain from sex until you can get the vaccine. Right. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, well, again, uh, people feel like, oh, you're picking on a particular group of people. No, it's those people who might most be affected. It's not about being politically correct. Or worrying about, oh, the snowflakes might melt or the cancel culture. It's pertinent information and changing the name. Where's their prejudice involved in calling it monkeypox? I just told you, the monkeys. The monkeys, uh, Davy Jones, Michael Nesmith, Peter Tork, Mickey Dolans. They were called the monkeys. There was no stigma involved in that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Boss, it's Bruce. Oh, the working class hero. Not. I've been pounding away at all of you fans of the boss. He's no boss. He's Farmer Bruce, writes off his property taxes because he's probably growing homegrown in the backyard. But um, he just announced, along with the E Street Band, that they're going out on tour. They haven't been out since 2016, so I get it. People who are sycophants, toadies, and lackeys, groupies of Springsteen and the E Street Band like uh, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, who will travel the world to do a jiggle wiggle while the concert is going on, only to be dissed by Bruce Springsteen, Springsteen himself and members of the E Street Band. He loves, he loves the fact that he's a masochist and he'll pay any price. And then when they put out their prices for their new tour, some of them going for a thousand bucks in the nosebleed section, five thousand dollars to be on the floor of the concert. You need to take a reverse mortgage, a payday loan. I mean, trying to get Springsteen tickets, you got to first get approved for that second mortgage first, and then you would have thought the working class hero from Freehold, New Jersey, would have stood up and say, "Well, that's Ticketmaster. I'm going to tell them knock it off." He hasn't been heard from. But Stevie Van Zandt, you know, Schmatterhead from the Sopranos, the uh, E Street Band guitarist, 
has reacted to the outcry of the Springsteen fans. Now, get this. He says, I have nothing whatsoever to do with the price of tickets. Nothing. Nada. Niente. Bupkis. Really? Well, why don't you decry the fact that these tickets are costing so much and take less of a cut? You know, Springsteen just sold his musical collection for $550 million. Hey, when you're dead, are you going to take it with you, Bruce? Working class hero, my ass. He's a rumps in one percenter now. Oh, and the tour begins in February in Tampa and wraps up at the Prudential Center in Newark on April 14th with stops along the way in Detroit, Philly, D.C., Baltimore, and the UBS Arena in Belmont Park where the Islanders play. And some of you, such sickle fans, toadies and lackeys, you'll pay any price. So Stevie Van Zandt didn't do a very good job in defending the price hikes so the manager of the boss came forward and said, get this straight. This is about capitalism. In pricing tickets for this tour, we look carefully at what our peers have been doing. We chose prices that are on par with others. Oh, what happened to the working class hero, huh? What happened? Wow. You're all suckers if you're going to pay that money. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Ah, but another another problem in terms of uh, supply and demand. The demand, especially around Halloween, is great. The supply will not be there. There will be breaks in the supply change. Hershey, Hershey's chocolate of Hershey, Pennsylvania. They got Hershey down there. They show you how to make the chocolate. They got all kinds of rides that are made uh, after and named after Hershey products. But Hershey is saying that if you intend on having Hershey products for the Halloween uh, holiday, whether it's Hershey's bars, Kisses, Kit Kats, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Twizzlers, York Peppermint Patties. You better start hoarding now because they're not going to have enough in the supply chain. The problem, Hershey said, is that its seasonal candies are made year-round. And they're short of parts with the manufacturing equipment. They can't get them replaced. And the demand for sweets in general has exceeded the company's expectations. So believe it or not, they are saying seek other alternative supply methods for your chocolate. That's one thing we, we excelled in. Chocolate, Hershey, Pennsylvania, the all American town. It's the one thing the red Chinese did not do better than us in Beijing. Where are you going to get your Caterbury bars, right? Oh, that's high-end chocolate. But that's now owned and operated by Hershey in Pennsylvania. You're good and plenty, plenty good. Choo-choo Charlie was an engineer, right? Good and plenty, plenty good. Good and plenty, plenty good. Good and plenty, plenty good. You buy a box at the theater, it'll cost you like 50 bucks. They won't have enough good and plenty. Or the Twizzlers. Or the Reese's. Peanut butter cups. Or the Milk Duds, there won't be enough Milk Duds, or the Mounds, or the Kit Kats, 
or the Fifth Avenue bars, or the Almond Joy bars. All of these are made and manufactured by Hershey. It's a international conglomerate. Bubble yum. Who the hell chews bubble yum any longer? Does anybody out there chew bubble yum instead of Bazooka Joe bubblegum? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Icebreakers, Jolly Ranchers. It's all Hershey's products. Hershey's Mr. Good Bar. Payday. Hershey's. Whoppers. No, not from BK. And Zagnut. All Hershey. And, of course, the standard tried and true Hershey's chocolate bar. I'll never forget my mother, Francesca. Before I went to take my SAT tests in Midwood High School, right next to Brooklyn College. My mother gave me two Hershey's chocolate bars and two uh, number two pencils sharpened and said, eat the Hershey chocolate bars. It'll give you energy during the three-hour test. I think it was three hours. And I thought SAT test stood for Saturday because that's when they gave you the test. Saturday test, right? And I'm telling you, my combined school of um, English and math was, I think, about uh, 722. Most people, they would say, what? 722. And that was both your scores combined? I was like almost like at the moron, uh, moronic level. Well, it was. And I took them twice. And both times I crashed and burned. And I believe it was because I didn't have enough Hershey's chocolate bars, especially the ones with the peanuts in them. By the way, we speak of Hershey's chocolate. Remember I told you uh, many months ago when uh, Vladimir Putin invaded the Ukraine that the one American company that would not ever sell, stop selling their products was the Mars Bars company, Snickers. Russians are addicted to Snickers. Way back when there was the change uh, over by uh, Brezhnev, into uh, Glasnos and Perestroika, Perestroika, and the walls came tumbling down. It then led to uh, Boris <gasps> Yeltsin taking over, that lush, that drunk, and the oligarchs raping uh, Mother Russia herself of everything of value. American uh, Mars Bar Company came in and was giving away free Snickers bars and addicted the population in Russia. By the way, there was a meeting of the Duma, their form of the parliament, in which they insinuated that this was a CIA effort to indoctrinate and brainwash the people by giving them free Snickers bars. So all major American companies stopped doing business in Russia right after the invasion and the battles between Putin, the Russians, and Zelensky and the Ukrainians. The only company not to stop it? Mars bars. Because they make money hand over fist. The uh, old Soviet, a.k.a. Russian people, are addicted to Snickers. You go to the old Central Republics of Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and Kazakhstan. And you go to Tashkent in Uzbekistan, and people are like, oh, my God, I need a fix. You figure, like, what, heroin? You know, from Afghanistan? Uh, fentanyl? No, no. I need Snickers bars. You go to Georgia. No, 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 not Georgia, uh, north of Florida. Georgia, you know, the uh, the uh, former satellite republic of the old Soviet Union. You go to Azerbaijani, 
in their battles with Armenia. You go to all these locations, and they're addicted to Snickers bars. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Can you imagine if all of a sudden Mars Bars said, we won't have enough Snickers bars in Russia? What would they, what would they rather give up? Snickers bars or vodka? What could cause a revolution for Putin? A lack of vodka or a lack of Snickers bars or a lack of cigarettes? Having been there and seeing it for myself, I'm telling you, it's their addiction to Snickers bars that would destroy Mother Russia. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Yeah, mercy, mercy me to walk in to this six-hour edition in which I keep you up until the break of dawn from 12 midnight to 6 Saturday mornings and then to see a board that was sabotaged by the Frank Morano crew. Yep, Matt Blaze, again a name that certainly would lead you to believe that he is... Uh, he is uh, on the lam, probably with a series uh, of uh, other names. This guy's like the fugitive, I'm telling you. And we straightened out our discronificator and a number of our other electronic devices on our 50,000 powerful uh, watts of sound tower in Lodi. So we got back online. And then we had Frank Dietz doing lame news, the same news every hour. Oh, Will Smith and oh, the Russians are no longer part of. I'm like, what? And I'm giving fresh slices like every hour at the top of the hour. And he's giving me bum slices. Well, we kicked him right off the air. You know, you got to you got to move on the fly here. And it's mercy, mercy me. And then to be told that the guy who would have been the MVP today at the game between the NYPD and WABC will not be able to play because they moved up the start of the game, actually moved it back from 5.30 to 4. Yeah, they'll be warming up WABC, and then they'll play from 4.30 to 5.30, knowing that even if I were to take a helicopter, Having to do the three to four with Anthony Weiner, left versus right. By the time I would get there, it would be the end of that game. And who will probably be starting in my position today? Frank the Mamaluke Morano. A guy who was moaning and groaning about two months ago how... Oh, my father Carmine, he had me play first base, which meant I, I couldn't throw the ball all that well. Yeah, I'm saying to myself, do you think Don Mattingly said that? Do you think Keith Hernandez said that? Of course not. Wouldn't that be ironic if he's starting in my position? Well, I'll get my vengeance all this week as I take over his show. Because all of a sudden he's in parts unknown. Huh? I'll, I'll fix his wagon. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Dave calling from Media, Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. 
Morning, Curtis. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out the hypocrisy of Springsteen. I mean, I was a die-in-the-wall Springsteen fan back in the day. And uh, his ability to perform and sing is only done by his magnanimous to be a useful idiot for the left. And what really turned me off on about him is when back, I guess a few years back, he canceled his tour in North Carolina uh, because uh, basically, I guess, his arrogance to his fans because the governor wouldn't put a man in the ladies' room. And it, it just epitomizes his total woke left what he is so <clears throat> to- totally out of character. What you thought? You know, it was it was, it was shocking. So I guess so I'm glad you pointed it out when you brought it up. What his his latest tour? Yeah. Well, not only that, his inability to respond to all of his fans who were saying, "Well, why you just made five hundred and fifty million dollars selling your musical library? Uh, you're charging a thousand, five thousand dollars for a lot of the tickets, which is well beyond the ability of his fan base to afford. And then his managers defending that decision. Stevie Van Zant is saying, "Hey, look, this is all about capitalism. I've got nothing whatsoever to do with the price of tickets." They're like blaming a Ticketmaster. When in fact, all Bruce Springsteen would have to do is speak and say, "You know what? Knock it off." This is going to be the ticket prices. Uh, We'll still make money. Uh, Everybody will be happy. The fans will be happy. And we'll be happy because we're back on tour. They haven't been on tour, I think, since 2016, right, Dave? I I don't remember. You know, Curtis, I I totally lost respect for the guy. I mean, because of his whole, I mean, he's he's totally in the camp for the left. I mean, I, I, I... it's totally out of I, I wish I mean it seems a lot of characters like based on the themes of his music or songs and uh, and uh, I, I can't even listen to his songs anymore. <laughs> and I, like I said, you couldn't find a better figure fan than me. You know, as much as I, I love his music, I, I, I detest his, his politics and what he stands for these days. Now, Dave, Dave, you you do realize that superseding even you as a fan previously of the boss, Bruce Springsteen, uh, was and still is Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie. You do realize. <laughs> I mean, I, he, I, here's I, a guy who prides himself. He claims he's been at 176 concerts, including overseas. Oh. <laughs> he gets up he, when uh, he was running for president, and his job was to take out uh, – uh, take out uh, Marco Rubio, little Marco Rubio, which he did in the New Hampshire debate, did a good job. That's why uh, Trump uh, brought him on Team Trump. That that very night, right after the debate, he ran off to the Boston Gardens to see Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band. Remember, we saw him doing the jiggle wiggle with his belly in, in the front aisle. And Bruce Springsteen never gives him play. Uh, Stevie Van Zandt never gives him play. It's uh, He's a total masochist. They hate him. They loathe him. They despise him. And yet he keeps going to their concerts. It's funny you brought that up, Curtis, because I thought that Chris Christie turned out to be a somewhat a major disappointment. I, I, I love the way he used to put the media in his their place. Uh, and then he, he just wants, he wants to be beloved by the media now. Uh, and, is, is in some regards a sellout. 
Well, remember, um, remember, Dave, he had the opportunity to run for president when Romney got the official nod from the Republican Party long before the Iowa Caucasoy caucuses. Iowa pig farmers, in Iowa there are more pigs than people, came to Drumthwacket, Drumthwacket, which is the governor's mansion outside of Princeton, sat there with uh, Shamu Alhefe, Chris Christie. They begged, they beseeched him, they said they would bankroll him, they wanted him to run for president. He was Donald Trump before there was Donald Trump, and then all of a sudden he said no. Uh, he wanted to be the vice presidential candidate for uh, 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 for uh, on the ticket. And then all of a sudden, uh, he was dissed and dismissed when Romney said, no, I'm going with Ryan in Wisconsin. He had a golden opportunity, Dave. He would have been the Republican candidate to run for the presidency. And yet, instead of running against uh, Barack Obama, who was running for re-election, he ended up hugging Barack Obama in the aftermath of the superstorm Sandy. How ironic that is, Dave. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you brought that up. That, that was nauseating. Um, but I thought when it's funny, when he came, he was the, wasn't he the keynote speaker for Romney? When he came out and spoke at the national convention, you would have thought Chris Christie was running for president. He hardly even mentioned anything about Romney. I don't know if you remember his speech. But it was so self-indulging uh, that uh, I thought it was pathetic. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, yeah, it was in Tampa. The Republican National uh, Convention was taking place there. Remember, they had a hurricane offshore, so they had to postpone it by a day. And then Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, was the keynote speaker uh, talking about the candidate, uh, Romney. And you're right. He didn't mention anything about Mitt Romney at all. It was all about me, me, I, I, uh, Chris Christie. And everybody left the convention saying, oh, my God, what the hell? If the guy wanted to run for president, he had the opportunity. The pig farmers, uh, the guys who make bacon and ham hocks and uh, bacon bits and everything else out of Iowa wanted to bankroll his presidential run before the Iowa caucuses. And Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie said no, said no, and then then he complained about it, complained about it. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Ralph in Roselle Park, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Ralph. Hey Curtis, nice talking to you. You were talking about the wrestlers before, all the stars. Yes. You missed one name that used to get beat every week. I think he was a, uh, oh, what do you call them? Like uh, one of them uh, Popeye dolls. You hit him and he keeps coming back. How about old Johnny Rots? Old Johnny Rots. <laughs> wow, that's a blast from the past, Ralph. Yeah, I, I used to take my grandmother to Sunnyside Gardens. And she was all ready with the umbrella and the cane. When they came down the aisles, she used to beat the snot out of them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. You went to the Sunnyside Gardens. Yep. I was 16 years old. We used to take the bus. I got to tell you now, on that site there, right next to the 7 train, is a Wendy's. A Wendy's. Yeah. And actually, I had a chance. Uh, I was a practitioner of judo at that time. 
and they had me come in and do an exhibition in Sunnyside Gardens, you know, the smoke fill, the it, it was like a scene out of a movie. I was flipping these guys all over, all sotagari, you know, men. Uh, they were obviously going with the throws. But I put on the exhibition, and to this day, I can remember that. I think I was seven years old. I was geed up. Uh, I was a white belt, but I was flipping these guys around much older than myself. Obviously, it was all choreographed. Uh, it got the crowd going, but, boy, that was a classic old-style arena. Yeah. Thank you so much. Be safe, man. I love you. You appreciate that. Thank you, Ralph. Let's go to John calling from Rhode Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Well, Curtis, I got to tell you, I'm a little I'm a little dizzy. I'm listening to you, brother. And I can't stop laughing. I can't stop thinking. I'm all over the place. I got to I got to tell you. I go way back, uh well not way back, but uh got into the city uh in the 80s. Uh, met you, you know, uh, the old seventies that, oh, I'm, <laughs> I don't know how to respond, brother. Well, uh, let, me, let me ask you a question, John, where in Rhode Island are you from? Say what? Uh, from which part of Rhode Island are you from? All right. Well, I call myself a New Yorker because that's where I was truly raised, but Southern, uh, Southern I'm by Taylor Swift's house. Ah, <laughs> oh, Taylor Swift, who I hate, I loathe, I despise. Is that near Newport? Go ahead. I said, is that near Newport? N- no, no. On the other side, where where they don't want to be known. Uh, <laughs> uh, out of sight, out of mind. You know, I love one socket. Uh, you get those four-story walk-ups, all wood buildings with the back porches. Love Woonsocket, and obviously Providence itself. Oh, yeah, Providence itself. I I mean, uh, you know, for a small state, you know, unlike Delaware, there's almost nothing memorable about Delaware, right? It's like, what does Delaware exist? You close your eyes, boom. Uh, you you leave Pennsylvania, and you're in Maryland, you didn't even know you were in Delaware. It's, like, it's nothing aesthetic about about Delaware. But Rhode Island? Oh, no. It's completely different. 1-800-848-9222. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. My job was to take you to the break of dawn, and that's exactly what I've done. And we've dealt with a panoply of different subjects. And then, before you know it so nice, I'm going to do it twice as I come back with Anthony Weiner. He's on from 2 to 3. It's called The Middle. He's solo. Then he joins me, left versus right, from 3 to 4. And then uh, I would have been playing uh, softball today. 
as part of the WABC team out at Ferry Hawk Stadium against the NYPD. I was slated to be playing first base, and then I see now on the lineup card that they've superimposed the Mameluke Frank Morano. And they moved back the starting time. Originally, for the game between uh, the NYPD and WABC, it was going to be 5 to 5.30 warm-up, 5.30 to 6.30 was supposed to be the game. And the main uh, game, 7 o'clock between the Ferry Hawks and the uh, Lancaster Barn Burners. And now I notice that, oh, the WABC team has to take to the field to warm up at 4. Game time against the NYPD, 4.30 to 5.30. That means by the time I would get there, game would be over. And then I'd have to turn around and come back because, as you know, so nice back-to-back, belly-to-belly, the suits, the mockers, the muckety-mucks. They have me do 12 midnight to 6 to keep you up to the break of dawn Sunday morning. And then after a whole group of different programs uh, featuring John Katzmatidis, our owner and operator, uh, interviewing all the great newsmakers who make news not only all day Sunday, but bleeds over into the newspapers on Monday and then becomes talk topics for all of us on Monday. It's John from 10 to, uh, excuse me, from 8 to 10, followed by, ah, that's right, Michael Baticic from 10 to 11 and Judge Janine Pirro, 11 to 12. And then eventually I work my way back, right, from 3 to 5. And then it's the entertainment segment because it's Vinny Madunio. He's the rising star here at WABC from Staten Island. Teaches uh, school, high school by day, entertains at night, spins stacks of wax as the protege of Cousin Brucie, 5 to 6, Saturday in just a few hours, and Sunday's 5 to 6. Oh, and then uh, it's Jersey Joe Piscopo from 6 to 8. It's the Sinatra two-hour extravaganza, sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. And then Dina Martin spinning stacks of wax of her father, Dean Martin, up until 9. And then I'm back again doing the Quinella from uh, 9 to 11. Then the most listened to, most requested, most phoned in uh, portion of the many hours that I do at WABC, the Quinella on the weekend, the Animal Welfare Hour featuring my wife, uh, the animal rescue extraordinaire, Nancy. Then we have the barrier, Dominic Carter, who's on from 12 to 1, normally to protect Frank Morano from an inquisition from me. But guess what? Frank Morano is in parts unknown, right? Uh, for the next week, he's on ice. So he wanted any number of, like, 72 different people to substitute for him. All low-budget, JV, not ready for prime time. And I looked at our owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, and I said, John, you've worked too hard to make us the number one news talk station in the nation. There's no more low-budget, no more JV. It's prime time. It's either your major league or no league at all. I'll do. I'll do the five extra days. Oh, and Frank Morano probably had a heart attack. I'll fix his crew. Matt Blaze, the board operator, and Alex, his brown nose producer. Oh, yeah, I'm going to whip them into shape. But anyway, let's go to Bruce, who's calling. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bruce. Hey, Curtis. Hey, listen, I just wanted to chime in on that uh, blind gentleman that called with glaucoma. Um, 
I suffer from glaucoma, and uh, you know, I'm down Belize. You know, I've called you before in San Pedro, and uh, I really recommend that you know people go to their ophthalmologist or and get their pressure checked because they actually do call it the silent piece of sight, so you have no symptoms, and uh, it's it's serious. And I do take my drops, but I notice my vision is deteriorated, so. Um, I'm legally blind, and that's uh, yeah, so one of the reasons I live down here. I can't drive anymore. So, um, and Steve wins RP, and he's blind, and uh, RP is another rare eye disease. So, I just wanted to, you know, chime in on that. No, no, no do it. Brings back a lot of. Yeah, go on. No, no, you said it brings back a lot of. No, the Hershey's. When you start talking about milk drugs and everything, you know, food brings back memories from your childhood. You know, going to the movie theater, getting milk stores and that kind of stuff. I, <laughs> we're like the same age, so you know, we grew up at the same time. And, uh, you know. No, do, uh, certainly do appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Jim in Afton, New York. Your turn to be uh, heard here at WABC, Jim. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Yeah, just talking about the liberal, poly, you know, the liberal entertainers, but like Springsteen and Bon Jovi. I grew up in that area. I went to high school. Richie Fizerboro went to my high school. But I can't believe how liberal they are. You know, like Bon Jovi, that freeze game with Hillary on the plane that time. Now, I respect the guy. He's a good family man, Christian, philanthropic. But his political views, forget about it. Same thing with Springsteen. I grew up with people who were Springsteen freaks. But I have no respect for the guy no more. Yeah, well, you look at the prices that they're charging, Jim, and you say, why? You guys are already millionaires ten times over. Why not give a break to your fans, especially now we're in a recession? People may be losing their jobs. This may be uh, the only expendable income they have, and they, they maybe they get joy out of Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band, but, man, these prices are outrageous. <sighs> Anyway, I got I to gotta pump up the volume on myself. I got to get a mood elevator in me. Good Times by Chic uh, always does that because it was the jam in the summer of 1979 when I introduced the uh, Guardian Angels to the subways in New York City. And I'll never forget hearing this song as we rolled into Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue, last stop of the D train. And we had to go in there and clean out the crazy homicides, who was the gang that was shaking down the vendors and extorting money from the customers and basically imprisoning the cops in the 60th precinct there because they weren't able to deal with them. And every time I hear this song, every time I remember, we strutted our stuff. We took over Coney Island inch by inch, square foot by square foot, battle after battle. And right triumphed over evil. Whatever happened to crazy homicides, they're just a footnote in history. And the Guardian Angels, we keep rolling on in 13 countries, 130 cities. And now our mission is to save our city here that's falling into into the abyss again. 